pieces of my sweet shattered dream I wonder how the old folks are tonight Her name was Anne and I'll be damned if I recall her face She left me not knowing what to do Every highway let me slip away on you Every highway Seen better days The morning after blues From my head down to my shoes Every highway Let me slip away Slip away on you Turning Pages to the times I love best I wonder if she'll ever do the same Now the thing that I call living Is just being satisfied With knowing I got no one left to blame Carefree highway I got to see you, my old friend Carefree highway Seen better days The morning after blues From my head down to my shoes Every highway Let me slip away Slip away on you Searching through the fragments of my dream-shattered sleep I wonder if the years have closed your mind I guess it must be wanderlust or trying to get free From the good old faithful feeling we once knew Carefree highway, let me slip away on you Carefree highway Seen the better days, the morning after blues, and I head down to my shoes. Every highway, let me slip away, slip away on you. Let me slip away on you. Every highway, I got to see you, my old friend. Every highway You've seen better days The morning after blue From my head down to my shoe Every highway Me slip away Slip away on you Nineteen seventy four, Gordon Lightfoot, Care- with Carefree Highway. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friends Show. Today is February seventh, two thousand eighteen. Time right now eight thirty five p.m. Pacific time. And yes, I'm making sure that this one is archiving because we lost last week's show, which upset me very much. The song I opened with, Carefree Highway by Gordon Lightfoot, has an interesting story. Uh, in nineteen sixty. He had a brief relationship with a girl named Anne, 
who dumped him very quickly, and it affected him very much because he was really into her. And 13 years later, he was driving down Arizona Highway 74, which is northwest of Phoenix. It's uh, kind of by Wickenburg, if you know Arizona. And he just thought, hey, this would be a good idea for a song, a song kind of about like driving down the highway, remembering an old flame. And uh, he's thought of the name Carefree Highway, and then for eight months did nothing with it. And then in 1974, actually wrote the song, and it became a number one hit on the easy listening chart in that year. Had kind of a, a crossover with country, too, as many songs in the mid-1970s did. So... What happened last week, for those of you that are wondering, I, I had a lot of people asking me, what, you didn't do a show last week? Because it appeared I didn't for most of you, because most of you listen in the archives. And like, like more than 90% of you listen in the archives. And if you were to look for the show in the archives, the January 31st show, you found no show, because it did not record. And that really upset me, because I, I love the live listeners, and I love the fact that we have a live audience and sometimes the live audience even participates and gives us information as we're doing the show. And I love the fact that we have a live audience. In fact, if I, if I just recorded the show without a live audience, I wouldn't like doing the show nearly as much. I like the phone calls. I like the chat interaction. I like the fact that we have listeners giving us information as the show progresses. It, it's, it's a great dynamic and I would never want to do just the show that's pre-recorded. But the truth is, most listeners come from the archive. So when the whole thing was over and I saw it did not record, I was so upset. I felt like I wasted my time. And no offense to the live listeners. In fact, I, I tried to console myself by saying, well, the live listeners heard it. But I'm like, yeah, but that's not that many people. <laughs> so I, I don't know. It just it made me very, very frustrated because I spent a lot of time. You know, I spent, uh, what, five and a half hours on that show. I spent all the time preparing for it, and it was mostly for nothing. I say mostly because a small percentage of the audience got to hear it, but most people did not. So I apologize. I know a lot of you were expecting it, and we did it. It just didn't record. Now, what happened? Why didn't it record? A clue was right there in my lap, right at the beginning of the show, and I stupidly did not think about what that clue meant. Trader Ruski said that he didn't know the show was on because the on-air light that flashes on the top of PokerFraudAlert.com when we're on the air was not flashing. So he didn't even know it was on. And I said, that's weird. So what I did is, as the show was going, I manually turned on the on-air light, which I can do. But I didn't bother to think, well, why didn't it go on? Like, I, I thought briefly about it, but I'm like, yeah, I'll look at it later. I'll, I'll figure this out later. Which was stupid of me because I'm the one who wrote this whole thing. Like, I, I'm the one who put all this together. So I should know how it works better than anyone. And the way I wrote the Poker Fraud Alert radio server in, and how it's integrated with the forum, so it's all kind of in one package, is that a little script runs. The script is a, it's kind of like a list of commands that are given to the computer. A few things are done at once. Among them are turning on the on-air sign and turning on the recording. So if the on-air sign did not turn on, then probably the recording didn't turn on. Because if one didn't happen, the other probably didn't happen because they're run by the same script. And I should have thought of that immediately, but I didn't. And at the end of the show, when I saw it did not record, I knew immediately why it did not record. Then I had to figure out what went wrong. And 
I don't want to bore you guys with details, but I accidentally started at some point two radio servers together. It, it was running twice. There was two instances of the radio server running together on the Poker Fraud Alert machine, and that confused the, the situation. It just uh, it, it wasn't meant to handle that. So that they, they basically interfered with each other, and it stopped the recording from happening. It stopped that script from running. So uh, if I ever don't see the on-air sign, I'm going to know in the future <laughs> that I better quickly fix it and turn the recording on manually, or otherwise uh, it won't record. Today I'm paranoid. Today I'm like furiously checking that it is recording, which normally I don't ever do because I just assume it is. And it's funny, for a while, running this show for years, I kept checking during the show it was really recording. I had this obsession. I didn't tell you guys. I just did it in the background. Every so often I'd look and see if it still is. I stopped doing that. It was just so reliable. I stopped doing it. And now, after what happened last week, I'm doing it again. So that show's gone. There was a chance to recover it if somebody had the live record... When it streams live, what happens is whatever device you're listening on, whether it's your phone or your computer, it actually saves the stream as it's coming through. It depends on the device. Sometimes it'll save the whole stream. Sometimes you can actually go back and rewind the stream that came through and play it again. So I was hoping somebody still had it up on their computer when I realized this had happened, and then I could give them instructions on how to save it onto their computer and then send it to me, and then I could archive it that way. But it, it didn't happen. There, nobody, One person had it still on their phone, and they weren't able to do anything with it. So it's gone. It's just gone forever. Maybe in an alternate universe somewhere, it's, it's different. Maybe in the alternate universe, the version of me understood what that was. I should have understood. I wrote it. That's what pisses me off. I wrote it. How could I not have seen that sign of what was wrong, given that I wrote it. So I was annoyed. Anyway, we have a good show tonight. At least there's, we're going to make up for it this week. The other thing I thought after the show was gone, and, and this really stuck with me, this really bothered me for a while, but the other thing that I, I thought about was the fact that uh, I didn't think last week's show was that great. It wasn't terrible, but it just it wasn't a standout show. It was not a good show. It was just kind of an okay show at best. So we didn't uh, lose anything that was super valuable, but it was still a show. It was still a show we did for five and a half hours that was decent. So this week I was hoping we'd have a good show to make up for the fact that we lost one last week. And I think we're going to come through with that. You never know on this show. Sometimes we, we think it's going to be good and it sucks. Sometimes we think it's going to suck and it'll be good. But we have a good lineup this week because we have two guests. I think will both be very interesting. And we have a lot of good topics. A lot of big topics this week, unlike last week where we were kind of short on topics. So I'm going to quickly go through the intro. And then we're going to call our first guest and get right to that segment. If you want to call the show which you'll need to do between segments. Uh, I don't like interrupting segments with phone calls usually, but in between segments, as we're winding down one segment or just rambling, you can call in and we will usually take your call. The phone number is 775-375-775-372-8355 is the phone number. You can also call the Mount Charleston line. The Mount Charleston line is an old 70s rotary phone which sits on top of Mount Charleston in a cabin I have there. It's about 45 minutes away from Las Vegas. It gets snow during the winter. Not very much up there right now. It forwards to me wherever I go. That phone number is 
430-1808-702-430-1808. You can text me anytime, before, after, or during the show, and I will respond to you. That phone number is the same as our main phone number, 775-372-8355, 775-372-8355. Never a bad time to text me. Don't ever feel bad that it's 5 a.m. and you're going to wake me up. No, no, do it. Do it. It's never a bad time to text me. Even if you just want to say hello or just identify yourself as a new a new listener or a listener who hasn't ever made contact with me, you can. I'm, I'm happy to get all texts. 775-372-8355 is the phone number. Don't text the Mount Charleston line. That can't receive text. It's an old 70s phone. We have the call to listen line, which also can't receive texts, but it can receive phone calls. The call to listen line is a phone number we've had over two years that you can use to listen to the show. You don't need a smartphone. You don't need the internet. You don't need a data plan. You don't need an app. None of that stuff. You just need any phone in the world that was ever made that can call a phone number in the United States. That's all you need. It's a phone that can dial. That phone number is 712-775-8162. 712-775-8162. Even if your cell connection is bad, you're driving in the hills, you can still hear it because it does not require a very good connection. As long as you have the most minimal cell phone connection, you can listen. 712-775-8162. And unlike most internet streams, the one on the call to listen line never buffers. You will never, ever hear it buffer. Try it. Call it up. You'll never hear buffering. That's the beautiful thing about it. Buffering sucks. I hate buffering. Buffering sometimes dissuades me from listening to other podcasts or internet streams that I otherwise like because I hate buffering that much. It does not buffer. I said, I'm going to make something that doesn't buffer. This does not buffer. 712-775-8162 is the call to listen line. It's one of my favorite things in the world. It also plays reruns when we're not live on the air. It plays reruns. It picks a random rerun from our library dating back to 2012 and plays it in full. Picks another one at random over and over and over again until we come back on the air. You can also listen in the archives on Stitcher, on TuneIn, on Google Play, on iTunes. You can even use your Amazon Alexa. You can, use, you can use Alexa. You can say, Alexa, play Poker Fraud Alert Radio. You can't hear the live show, but you can hear the most recent show in the archives on TuneIn. It will play automatically on your Alexa device. It works. Try it. Say, Amazon, say Alexa, play Poker Fraud Alert Radio podcast, and it will. You can also download the MP3 or play the MP3 directly from our radio forum. That works as well iPhones can just do it. You can just go there and click on it. It'll just play. doesn't need iTunes or anything like that. A lot of different ways to listen. And here's someone who I'm glad is listening tonight and talking tonight, and hopefully the recording of us will be available this week. Calwatt, hello. Can we talk about failure, Druff? I, I already talked about it. I already... Can, can we talk about acceptance? <laughs> I'm hoping I'm hoping we can have acceptance. I, that's, are, uh, are you over it? No, but I'm hoping we can have acceptance. <laughs> I, I hope the listeners are over it. I, I felt so bad in so many ways. I felt... Angry at myself for not recognizing the obvious sign of what was happening. I felt like I wasted my time. I felt I wasted your time. I felt the listeners were let down. There were so many th- feelings coming at once to me, and they were all so negative and disappointing. And 
it was funny because it had nothing to do with money. Like usually when I feel that way, it's because I had a bad session in poker or, uh, or made a dumb move in a tournament that robbed my ability to get deep or, yeah, there's, there's been many times I'll have that feeling, but this one, this, this negative, disappointing, depressing feeling, it had nothing to do with money. It had nothing to do with poker. It had nothing to do with anything in my personal life. It just had to do with one show disappearing from the archives and never being able to come back. So, uh, so my listen, Drup. I told my wife, I'm like, oh, because you sent me a text kind of late. I'm like, oh, it uh, looks like there's radio tonight. <laughs> she looks over at me and she's like, are you going to record it this time? <laughs> you don't know how paranoid. I'm like, it's not my fault. You don't, you I don't didn't do anything. You don't know how paranoid I am about this this time. Like, I, I'm, I'm furiously checking that it's really recording, even though I already know the mistake that happened last week didn't happen again. I just, I'm just so worried. Because lightning struck once, I'm just so afraid now. I I just feel like uh, I feel like I've been violated by the Poker Fraud Alert radio server, and now I'm constantly looking over my shoulder. So you know I, sh- I should start doing. I should start just recording it here too. Yeah, someone asked me that tonight. They said, "Are are you recording this also like in a second way?" <laughs> I said, "No, I'm telling you tonight. I'm going to be checking that it's fine." So okay, we have a big show tonight. I want to quickly get through the agenda which is unusual for me. Oh, by the way, we have a free roll starting in 12 minutes on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. It uh, is a $100 free roll, and there's a bounty on you, Calwatt. Me? Yeah, $50 bounty on you. I'm, I'm glad you're still awake. Uh, given by nice. by Eric Benzamokin, who uh, I have to make a small announcement about this. Eric Benzamokin, I'm really glad I got to know him. Uh, yeah, I've become friendly with him, and uh, I'm actually going to meet him in person soon, just uh, as I got to know the guy. And I like him and all that. Anyway, um, the one thing Talk is... that. I'm going to put in a bounty on his ass. <laughs> well, he, I don't think he played. I mean, he may play. So, But anyway, he he is uh, his sponsorship is ending after today. But uh, not from any kind of uh, dispute or anything. We're still, uh, uh, we're still, still very friendly. And uh, I still talk with him all the time in text messages. And we're going to meet up uh, in person sometime soon. And uh, as, as a thanks, though, to all the listeners... And to show appreciation for this show, which he told me he he loves, he still he said he loves this show. Uh, he's going to, you know, he's giving this hundred dollars donation for tonight's free roll as kind of a, a farewell, and I appreciate that. And who, who knows, he may come back in the future. The the doors are always open for that. And I'm going to play his ad one more time tonight, and I still encourage everybody to contact him if you have any kind of. Uh, Legal Tell matter. What, Druff, if he's in the tournament, I'm putting a hundred dollar bounty oh on my. his ass. <laughs> so he he posts. He's got ten minutes to get in there. He can text me his name in there. I don't know what his name is on the if he plays it, but uh, and he doesn't always listen live. Sometimes he's listening live, sometimes not. But uh, anyway, fifty dollar bounty on Calwatt tonight. But also we have a hundred dollar tournament. Fifty dollars came from Full Swedge, and fifty dollars came from Eric Benzamokin as well. So Eric Benzamokin gave a hundred bucks this week. Fifty on the bounty, fifty mm-hmm. on the regular. Pool. So it's $150 given away total tonight. 50 for first, 30 for second, 13 for third, 7 for fourth, $50 on Calwatt, a bounty, which is the same as first place. So you better, that's the whole goal here tonight is to knock out Calwatt. You do that, you've got first place money right there. Now, on the off chance that I win, I get it, right? Yeah, you do. You get the bounty on yourself. You get 100 bucks. Nice. And of course, anybody who knocks you out and wins will also get 100 bucks. So mm. that's. Some you know, decent money here for a free roll that always has fewer than 100 people. So 
That starts at 9 p.m. Pacific time on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. You can find it near the top of the screen on PokerFraudAlert.com. You must know the rules to qualify for the free money, which I will pay you in one of various ways, bank transfer, Bitcoin, cash or check if you've accumulated enough, or other methods that you might be able to think of that I can send to you electronically. Maybe a large service that's been around for almost 20 years, if you can think of what that might be. So... PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll, all lowercase exactly as it sounds. PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll. You will learn all about the rules that you need to know to qualify. Otherwise, you do not get the free money. But they're easy rules. They're easy. You just have to know them and you have to follow them and you have to qualify by having been around a little bit. Here's Pedro, the agenda. I got, I got to just say something. I don't want the agenda to drag on, but I do think it is quite a coincidence that the show that you admitted that you would jerk off Steve Wynn for 10K just happened to disappear in the archives. You know, that, gone that, was, that was one of the few bright spots that, uh, now you've just ruined it, but uh, it was one of the few bright spots of it disappearing. I said, you know, I said some things on that show I'd probably rather not remain for the ages. <laughs> I'd, Whoops, I hit the wrong button. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather that Benjamin doesn't find that one day. Especially, can you imagine, like, like uh, let's say I die fairly early and he's like, you know, he gets to be and a young adult, he's like, I want to hear my dad again. And he goes, brings these up, and he just picks this one at random. He's like, yeah, I'm jer- I would jerk off Steve Wynn for <laughs> He goes, you know what? I, I think I just, I'll keep the old memory of my dad. he just do a face palm and be like, oh, dad. Say, I'm not listening to this again. I'll just remember him in my head. So, yeah, that's that's the bright spot. So, hey, let me get through the agenda quickly so we can call yep. our first guest, because our first guest may go to sleep. Much like you, this guest is on the East Coast and goes to sleep around midnight, so... That's uh, it's a it's a race to get both of you on the show before sleep hits. Resort fees are increasing at most Vegas properties, and that will be the subject of our first interview. There's actually an activist, a resort fees activist, an anti-resort fees activist. Yeah, if, who would be an activist for that? Right. So <laughs> this this resort fees activist is a female attorney who apparently went on a trip, I think, to Key West and was already paying a whole lot for the hotel room. And then she'll tell her story on here. But when they asked her for a resort fee, something just kind of snapped. And she's like, I can't believe this. I'm paying so much. And they're making me pay a resort fee. So she got so pissed about this, rightfully. And we'll, we'll explain why these resort fees are very deceptive and should be illegal. So she went on a campaign to get rid of resort fees and it's it's still ongoing. She's still pressing hard to make resort fees illegal, which I think will happen one day. And she runs the website killresortfees.com. Hmm. Check that out. It's an interesting website. And I, I agree with her views on this and we'll get to that when we have her on, but we're going to have her on here. She will explain her issues with resort fees. And then when the interview with her is over, then I will go over the resort fees that have increased at Vegas properties. And would you believe that there are some properties in Vegas where the resort fee is actually more than it costs to stay in the hotel for the night? So like it would be like a $29 a night charge to stay at the hotel, and then the resort fee is like 35 That's fucking ridiculous. So we're not too far from the days where it will be like a dollar to stay in the hotel, but then the resort fee is like 100 it, at what point is this just false advertising? It, it already is at that point. So that's that's what we're going to talk about. And uh, All right. uh, yeah, so that's 
and this has been going on for more than a decade. This is not a new thing. So we'll talk about resort fees with the anti-resort fee activists. I think it'll be an interesting interview. And then we'll get to the resort fees in Vegas that have gone up, and uh, I'll tell you if there's anything you can do about them. If there's any ways... Actually, she'll explain that too. She has some ideas on how to get out of paying resort fees, which I didn't even know some of these worked, but apparently some do. Uh, Sheldon Adelson... Sneaky guy here. He dealt the knockout blow to Steve Wynn. Steve Wynn's career is over. He has resigned. He is no longer CEO of Wynn Resorts. And now there's going to be possibly some very serious fallout, which we will talk about. So a lot, a lot to talk about with Steve Wynn. That, that would have been a big topic in itself, but mm-hmm. we, we have a few big things. We have this resort fee thing. We have this uh, thing about Wynn. And then we also have Chicago Joey. Chicago Joey. Nice is going to come on the show for the first time. He's he's one of the most watched uh, poker uh, you know, podcast or video personalities that is out there. Pretty much him and Doug Polk are the two big ones that everyone watches. And he's been around for a while. And he rose very quickly when he started doing these videos. People just really loved his videos. They seemed to enjoy his laid-back style. And I have to watch out what I say about people on the show because... I used to make fun of him that he does softball interviews, and then it turned out that he either heard me say it or someone told him. So when I had interaction with him later, he said, oh, yeah, you're the guy who said I, I throw softballs. <laughs> I felt a little bit embarrassed. Anyway, despite well, that... I've told you all along he's a good dude, man. Yeah, despite that, uh, he, he's going to come on the show tonight. And you know, I, I wish I had even half of Joey's audience, but uh, we have to do with what we have. But he's going to come on here. And he's going to talk about a serious matter, and that is he has found evidence of collusion, of botting, and he claims even super-using on America's Card Room, also known as the Winning Poker Network. So, and this is coming from someone who's credible. This is a, a winning PLO player who's been around poker a long time. This is not just some recreational player who just isn't good and loses and blames it on the site being rigged or, or collusion. Like You get a lot of false cheating accusations in poker. This is coming from someone where if you hear it from him, you've got to think there's something to this. And he released some details today, just in time for this radio show. So we're going to talk about that with him, and I'll give you my take on this. Of course, uh, Cal Watt, I know he's been following it too. He'll give his take, and uh, we're going to have Trader Ruski on here shortly as well. So I, I'm looking forward to the interview with Joey. I asked Joey, like I said, we already had this interview with the other person at, at uh, 9. We're about to call her. Uh, can we do this with you later? You know, Do you stay up late? He said, yeah, of course I stay up late. I, I'm a degenerate poker player, which I was, that's the answer I was hoping for. Yeah, I knew we had two guests, and as soon as you told me that one of them goes to bed early, I'm like, that's not Joey. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was hoping. I'm like, <laughs> that ain't oh. him. I'm like, crap, how are we going to have them both on when we start so late in the first place? Like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. Joey probably stays up all night. So, uh, so You we're make gonna- fun of them for... Throwing softballs, but maybe that's how he got the audience, man. It is. I think I even said that at the time. I said that uh, I'm not necessarily saying he shouldn't because he managed to really be appealing to a lot of people for them to want to, you know, so many people to subscribe to his channel and watch him. Because, you know, poker is not a huge market for YouTube. It's not like being a gamer or, or doing these videos that are aimed at uh, at kids and tweens. I mean, that, that's if you want to... Make money on YouTube. That's the market you got to go for. Uh, Benjamin's yeah. already he, Benjamin's he's already watching those videos, not the poker ones, but the uh, you know the ones that are aimed at kids. And and yeah, I, my kid my kids watch a guy who 
all he does is Pokemon Go. And he's got like 1.5 million subscribers. Yeah, that's like so Benjamin. Incredible. Right. Benjamin was watching some other videos and same thing, like just millions of subscribers, 11 million views on each video. I'm like, you know, this, this is where the money is. This, that's what I should be doing. The, the only thing is I, I would have to do it without appearing ever on camera. If they could just hear me, then. Why? It, because I wouldn't want them to see an old guy. They, they wouldn't be appealing to the kids. I, they'd have to just, if they could hear me and I could. Not sound old, you know. If I, if, I don't think my voice sounds old, so I would just have to. I wouldn't sound like a teenager, but I, I would sound like they could believe I'm not anywhere near my age. I just have to be careful not to say things that make me sound old. So that, that would uh, the thing is, I'm not into all those games though. Like I'd have to get into the stuff the kids are into. That would be tough in itself. But, but you, you know why I think Joey has got a, a good audience. I mean, first of all. I've only met him a couple of times, talked to him on the phone a couple of times, but he's he just strikes me as a very genuine person. And I've met an incredible number of, you know, douchebags in poker, um, as I'm sure you have. But I think that is, is part of it. And he also, you know, I mean, he's been a part of the scene. He knows lots of people. He gets good uh, guests on there, and you know he has some uh, some real talk on there. Yeah, he does, and that's what it really does. Right, and and people feel comfortable with him. He seems, you know, he's he's relaxed, he's likable. So people, he has like a very easygoing personality, and so and he was uh, he was on Poker Go too. Did you know that? No, I didn't even know that. Yeah, there's some major wagers or some some kind of like show like that that was kind of like them. Do you remember like Antonio and uh, what's yeah, his face? Phil Locke yeah, yeah. had some show. Yeah, they're kind of reprising that, and they were smart. They got like some Samantha Abernathy on there to like wear a skimpy outfit, outfit and spin around in a hula hoop and shit. <laughs> um, but but he was on there. I don't know if he hosts the whole show or it was just that episode. But he's wearing like a ringmaster uniform or something like that. So he, I mean, he was. Dipping into the the poker go money too, so good yeah. for him. Yeah, so we're gonna have him on probably about two hours from now. Uh, the poker world is angry at CNBC because they chose Annie Duke of all things as their oh, business expert. Yeah. She was the the business <laughs> expert, and uh, given what happened with the epic fail poker league and UB for that matter, that was probably the worst choice as far as choosing a poker player. So I'll, I'll read that article and uh, I'll. Give you some reactions from poker player. Everyone's pissed off about this. The CNBC kind of blew it with that one. I, I saw a tweet from Tuckman that said, you know, he was basically lambasting some person that I didn't know for uh, a, a New York Times article. And I'm like, huh, Tuckman doesn't usually go out of his way to flame people. And I, I clicked on it. I'm like, oh, Andy Duke. All right. <laughs> totally makes sense. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> Gus Hansen is suing a former business partner in Denmark. The high roller events at the 2018 World Series, that's the 50K and above events, are going to have a shot clock, meaning a time to act, and then it's over in your handfolds, and a big blind ante, which is kind of weird. They're going to try those kind of as a test case, and we'll discuss why they're choosing those events to do it with and whether that will be something that comes to mainstream World Series events in 2019. We're going to talk about an ethics question in poker, uh, more about poker rooms, poker sites. If stolen money is gambled away, meaning lost, at a legalized online casino, who should take the loss? That is like someone embezzles money from their company, then loads it online, chunks it off playing online poker, someone else wins it, of course not knowing where the money came from. Who should take the loss at that point? This is a question that is going to be facing the U.S. 
legalized online poker rooms very soon, especially as it expands. We'll talk about that. Poker Stars had a huge overlay on Super Bowl Sunday because people were interested in the Super Bowl and not playing poker. And the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Room in Florida got robbed, much like the Bellagio got robbed not too long ago. Also the poker room. But this time the suspect was caught. And this time it also was not Humpty Hump doing it. This time it was someone who didn't look like Humpty Hump for once. That's been the big thing recently. Humpty Hump's been robbing Vegas uh, casinos and poker rooms. But in Florida, that's not happening. So the guy who did it was not Humpty Hump, and uh, he got caught. So that's our agenda tonight. We're going to call up the attorney right now who runs killresortfees.com. I encourage you to take a look at that site right now. If you, She's not dating some guy in prison, is she? I, she might be. We could find out. She doesn't seem like the type, but you never right. know. And uh, hopefully she hasn't gone to sleep. She, I told her the show. I stupidly she told her the show starts at eight fifteen Pacific. And then yeah, why you gotta lie to people? There's two problems. First of all, I, I know you lie to me every week, but why you gotta lie to the guests? First, first of all, it really doesn't. And uh, and second, even if it did, we have like an hour agenda, so there's no way that uh, there's no way she could come on at uh, eight fifteen. She's like, oh, I'll come on at eight fifteen. I go, no, I can't do that. So I said nine, and now we're even a few minutes late for that. So hopefully she hasn't fallen asleep. That's the problem. Is like midnight is her usual bedtime, and uh, I, I wish. I wish there were fewer East Coast people. I wish. I wish just. What every, the fuck? I wish just everyone was on the West. Like, I, I just, what the fuck? No, I hate this. I, I hate having to deal with this three-hour difference. It just sucks. Oh, I'm sorry, we're not convenient for you. Everyone should just move. Maybe you should start the show earlier. Well, my my parents are from the East Coast initially. They moved. <laughs> How come we're not reaching her here? It's not even ringing. Jeez, Skype's terrible. What is happening here? It's the right phone number. I'm going to try again here. Uh, I didn't expect that. It's not even ringing. Try it one more time. Then I'm going to have to try with my cell phone to see if I can get her that way and then merge it in or something. See, I paid my Skype phone bill. That's not the problem. Just not ringing. It's like just doing nothing. I don't think the interviews are going to go real well tonight, bro. <laughs> okay, now I, I, I don't know what to say here. Let me. Let me uh, I, this I didn't expect. Like that's you, you've heard of the softballs I said with uh, Chicago Joey. This is a curveball being thrown to me. So I'm going to call myself on my cell phone, and then I'm going to three-way her on. Maybe that'll work. Now, if I can't call myself, then I know we have a problem. And you sure this thing's paid up, man? I mean, it's not. I'm going to start this whole thing over because I can't call myself. So I'm going to call you. I'm going to call you right back. Alrighty. This is such a fail. I hate having to count on Skype for this show because Skype is garbage. And that's, that's that's a fact. It gets worse every week. Now I've paid up. This one isn't my fault. So try to put Cal Watt on first.
Okay. Yep. Okay, so we're going to try to put her on now. Let's see if it'll ring this time. Uh, now it's looking a little better. Now it's looking a little better. It still hasn't rang yet, but at least it's, it has a better look to it. Hello? It? Oh, here we go. Okay. Uh, welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. I apologize for being a little bit late. We were having some technical difficulties, but uh, we've got you on here, so welcome. And uh, um, you are the owner of KillResortFees.com. Is that correct? That is true. Yes. So my, my name is Todd Wittellis, also known as Dandruff in the poker world. And uh, what is your name? My name is Lauren Wolf. Lauren Wolf. Okay, so... I'll tell you how I found you. Well, you kind of found me first, and I kind of found you almost independently of that. I posted on my other site, VegasCasinoTalk.com, a list of all the Vegas properties, the resort fees they charge in 2018, and the different increases that happened this year, which is at most properties. And then I saw that you, under your Kill Resort Fees account, liked the post. And then so I I was like, okay, what is this Kill Resort Fees? So yeah, I looked at the website, and I thought it was interesting, and... Then late at night last night, I was just looking around to see if there has ever been an effort to uh, make these resort fees illegal. And I found an article on CBS News on December 27th of 2017, which talked about how the FTC has basically been backing away from trying to do that, which was disappointing. But in the article, it mentioned kill resort fees and it mentioned your name. So I said, oh, wow, I, that's, that's, that's the person who, who liked my Vegas Casino Talk tweet. So I, I contacted Lauren here, and I said, would you like to come on the show and talk about your activism against resort fees? And she said yes. So I'm glad you were able to take the time out here at, uh, after midnight. What state are you located in? I'm in Washington, D.C. Okay, yeah. See, see my co-host here. He is in uh, Rochester, so he's also it's, he, he also he also battles with the fact that this show starts very late. I'm I'm in California, so for he, over here it's only a little after nine. So I thank I thank you for taking the time here. And uh, so you're an attorney, correct? I am. Okay. And uh, why, why don't you tell us? I read in the article it gave a very brief summary, but sometimes these things aren't correct. Tell us what got you interested in fighting resort fees in the first place. Uh, I booked a hotel room on Hotels.com for $400. I paid in advance, uh, and I showed up to the Doubletree by Hilton Key West in Florida. And when I got there, even though my receipt said, you paid $400 online, paid in full, $0 owed at the hotel, I showed up, and the hotel wanted $20 in the name of a resort fee. Oh, such bullshit. <laughs> exactly. And I said, well, I'm not paying that. I, I'm just here to sleep. You know, I I don't need any of the resort facilities here. And they said, that's not an issue. You have to pay us an extra $20 or we will not give you the key to the room. And I said, this receipt says that I'm paid in full. You know, I paid $400 for this hotel room. I should be able to get the key to it. And they said, well, you're not going to get the key to it unless you pay us an extra $20. And after that, I said, you know, I'm a lawyer. I live in Washington, D.C. We've got to put an end to things like this. And so I've started the Kill Resort Fees website and campaign. Did you pay the $20 at that time? Yeah, that's a good question. Yep. So I paid the $20 to get the room key. I also later stayed on the same trip, the Miami uh, Hyatt Centric in South Beach. They also had a $25 resort fee. Mm. 
And just because I'm a lawyer, I was curious about how easy it would be to get refunded. Um, so I tried two different ways. Uh, the Doubletree, uh, who I thought was the most insulting because they said, oh, I should have uh, been more informed. So I sued them in small claims court in Washington, D.C., which is a great avenue for people to seek justice. Um, And I would recommend suing any of the hotels over hotel resort fees in your local small claims court if you made the booking at home. That's so beautiful. Um, And they just sent me a check for the resort fee back plus the court filing fee. So I got like about a $60 check back from... Double through by Hilton Key West. And then for the Hyatt Centric, um, I just called my credit card. It was an American Express card, and I disputed the charge as fraudulent. And they gave me the money back. <laughs> now, let me ask you a question. When you sued them in small claims court, did they actually have someone show up there? No, they didn't. And so that's why small claims is pretty great. They're never going to, I mean, I yeah. shouldn't say never, but it is highly unlikely that Hilton, Hyatt, Marriott, MGM is going to show up over a $25 resort fee, or as you know now, they're often $40 $40 a night. Um, So then you get, what, a default judgment? Uh, You would get a default judgment if they never showed up, but what would happen is that a letter does go to the hotel and says you're being sued in Washington, D.C., and what the hotel will do just to get rid of the claim is just send you a check. So yeah, it never actually so, goes to court. Yeah, they well, they realize they're going to spend far more money trying to do anything with it. So and, that that's yeah. an yeah. Issue, that's definitely an interesting tactic. See, I'll, I'll, I'll let me tell you briefly, you and the audience, my history with uh, resort fees. I first noticed them in 2005. I I booked a Priceline reservation, which I don't really do anymore. But back then, I was using Priceline, and I got a place in Phoenix. And I show up there, and, and there was nothing in any of the confirmation emails. I mean, there's nothing about the resort fee that was told to me beforehand in any way. So these were very new at the time. The hotels weren't used to having to disclose it in any way. So I showed up there, and they wanted $7 a night for the resort fee. And I said, no, here's my receipt from Priceline. It shows I'm paid in full, and there's nothing about a resort fee here. So the person just at the front desk was kind of clueless. Oh, I'm sorry. you got to pay the $7 to get the key. You know, same thing. So I, I said, okay, just give me the key. Uh, I'm not agreeing to this, but I'll you know I'll sign for it temporarily and put that I'm not, I need to speak to the manager. So I, I – Spoke to the manager after that and said, this is illegal. You didn't disclose this to me. And after they, they were unhappy about it, but back down. So for the next, I'd say, about three years, between like 05 and 08, most places were not disclosing the resort fee in any way, shape, or form when you booked. And that gave me the legal loophole that basically they, they couldn't legally charge it to me. There was no way they could legally charge it because it wasn't disclosed. And eventually, I'd get a manager who would back down and give it back. Sometimes they'd try to talk me out of it by saying, well, you know, you won't be able to use parking here. Then I said, okay, I won't. I'll, I'll park across the street. That's like anything they try to say. Okay, you can't use the internet. Then I said, that's, all, that's fine. I'll, I, I can use the internet a different way. I don't have to use your internet. And a lot of times they were just bluffing anyway. A lot of times like the internet was just open for anyone to use. But, you know, they try to dissuade me and I just tell them, no, that's fine. That's fine. I won't use it. I won't use this. I won't use that. <laughs> so they, I got most of the resort fees back for about three years and then they all started disclosing it. And it wasn't always very clear. A lot of times it was deep into the booking process. A lot of times it was after you received the confirmation. Uh, but it would be disclosed in some way before checking in and and where I had not paid in full before uh, showing up. So, I mean, I, at that point, I assumed, and I'm not an attorney. I like to keep up on these type of things and what my legal rights are. 
and, and all that, but I'm not an attorney. So I, I assumed at that point that even though it sucked and it was very deceptive and I hated it, that I was kind of out of luck at that point. So since then, I have been paying resort fees, but always hoping that at some point they would be made illegal because it's extremely deceptive. And uh, you know, since you're the attorney here, why, why don't you explain to the audience why resort fees are actually deceptive? Uh, I think resort fees are inherently misleading and deceptive. A lot of people do. Um, and resort fees are not specifically legal is another very important point to to remember, um, there's there's nothing specifically making them explicit with saying that resort fees are illegal yet, but there's also nothing that says resort fees are legal. And so there's a lot of law that varies depending on if you're MGM, you're obviously going to lean towards whatever you feel makes resort fees seem as legitimate as possible. But if you're a consumer, you should obviously just turn to the state consumer protection laws that deal with fair advertising and pricing. And frankly, resort fees are in total violation of those laws. So there's lots of law that exists that says that the way that these hotels are pricing themselves, basically having two prices for one night, is illegal. Um, so I think that you can just use existing law to argue that these laws are not valid. Interesting. So uh, the hotels are... Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm terrible with names. Was your name Lauren? Yes. Okay, Lauren, let me, I mean, first of all, I love the fact that this happened to you. And you're like, huh, okay, well, fuck you. I'm a lawyer. I think I'm going to sue you. Like, I think that's just fucking absolutely hilarious. I love it. But tell me, how is this not deceptive advertising on their part? Like, I I don't even understand how, how fees like that can be hidden. Yes, it is deceptive and misleading. And the reason that all the hotels are doing it is, frankly, because everyone else is doing it. And I think once they see giants like, you know, in Vegas, uh, they see all the Caesars properties, all the MGM properties doing it, and then everyone just does it. And we're seeing actually a total explosion of resort fees right now in New York City. They're usually naming them something like amenity fee, destination fee, or urban fee. And it's the the exact same concept. Exactly. And so it's more that everyone's doing this. Clearly, the federal government and the FTC should be regulating hotels. Uh, Hotel rules and regulations fall under the Federal Trade Commission. Uh, We have not seen a very active consumer protection angle from the government recently. And the FTC, as you might have seen in the CBS report, has really backed off of this issue and doesn't seem to be interested in really pursuing it at all. However, an interesting side note is that 47 attorney generals are doing an investigation into hotel resort fees because of their possibility, as they say, of being misleading and deceptive. And not you, all you know what would be the ideal result is if these guys, if the hotel uh, owners were punished to the point where it was like a a class action lawsuit and they and everyone was refunded their resort fees going back like a decade you know like something that would yeah. actually really hurt them you know and that is possible and there's some big suits that are taking place there's one right now about Wyndham and resort fees that's going on in Pennsylvania in federal court mm-hmm. um that hasn't been heard but Wyndham tried to dismiss the lawsuit and um the court said it can continue. 
Um, and then the 47 attorneys general are obviously a really important element of seeing what could happen with that. And there could be penalties for that, especially not just because it hurts consumers, but in many jurisdictions, usually not Las Vegas, but in many other jurisdictions, hotels are not charging proper taxes on the resort fee, meaning that once they split the rate into two parts, one advertised, one hidden as a fee, the cities and states are losing an incredible amount of money when these places start charging resort fees. So it's not just tourists who are losing out, it's everyone. But you know what I mean? It can't be something where, or I hope it's not something where it just uh, becomes illegal for them to do it and they just kind of walk away from it because that will just encourage them to find some other loophole and do shitty things like this, you know? They need to be punished. (laughs) um, I like where you're coming from, um, but I think that the first step is definitely just to make Right. These kind of fees explicitly illegal. Yeah, I, and I can't I say this enough again. You can already argue that they are definitely not legal under existing consumer protection laws in every single state. Um, however, if you want to make resort fees specifically by name illegal, we're going to have to pass some sort of legislation or a new rule through the FTC, some new regulation. Yeah. Uh, it does not look like the FTC is very interested in this issue currently. So there has been interest in states specifically to start passing their own legislation to ban resort fees. Unfortunately, <laughs> as you may not be surprised, Nevada is not one of those states. Yeah, but but I, I will not. say I will say I will say that if uh, this gets traction in a lot of other states nevada may feel pressured into doing it and and so and, and the dominoes may fall and also I, I want for the listeners i want them to understand what's really going on here with resort fees initially back in 2005 when these started and they weren't that common yet this was a way to extract extra revenue uh what they've turned into is a way to deceive people in online listings because in 2005 it was kind of mixed how people were booking. Some people were doing it online, yep. some people were calling the hotels, some people were you know, using travel agents. Uh, nowadays, just about everybody books online. So uh, when you book hotels online, you probably often sort by price from lowest price to highest price, and then you also look at the quality of the hotel. So you know, yes, you'll see the super low priced motels that look like garbage. You don't want to stay there, and, and then you, you'll scroll down the list and see the cheapest one that looks like it's decent. And so you'll see a price. You know, maybe you'll see you know, eighty five dollars. Go, yeah, this looks like a pretty good hotel for eighty five dollars. Great, and you'll hit the button, and you'll you know, you'll you'll basically stop at the first one as you're scrolling down that looks good to you. That's that's the, the lowest price. So you you hit that one. You, you go through the booking process, and at some point after you've gone through it, it will inform you, sometimes in the fine print, sometimes not in the fine print. But even if you see it, you've gotten most of the way or all the way through, and at that point, you've already kind of psychologically committed yourself to staying there. And you go, oh, do I really want to abort this whole thing now after I've gone through all this you know, for an extra 20 30 35 bucks? You know, eh, nah, screw it, especially once you know that everywhere else is doing it too. You especially don't want to go back. Now no, Now you can't even think, okay, I'll abort this, start over, and go to another place that has no resort fee because most of them have it now, especially in places like Vegas. So the consumer kind of just 
gives up and pays it, whatever it is, and you just don't ever know until you get to the end. So it's tricking you. It's- well, and that's the fundamental problem, Druff, is we should know right. what it is we're paying. Exactly. I mean, it's fucking ridiculous. It's crazy that something could be listed as $85, but there is no way to stay there for 85 And I'd be okay. I'd actually prefer if even the taxes have to be disclosed in these, but at least the taxes are uniform across all properties in the market, and also the taxes do not benefit the hotel in any way. But the fact that the actual hotel price, the mandatory hotel price that you cannot get the key without staying there is falsely listed as something that you you absolutely cannot pay under any circumstance is crazy. That It should always be listed in the way – the amount that should be oh, listed great. should be the amount that you have to pay. Otherwise, it's incorrect and otherwise it's it's cheating and misleading the customer. And the amazing thing to me is that this has been going on now for at least 13 years, maybe before 05, but 05 is the first time I saw it. But at least 13 years this has been going on. This is not like a new issue that the government's like, oh, well, we haven't figured out what to do about this yet. It's been 13 years. And it's amazing to me that yep. – and, and this is through all different types of, of, of uh, administrations and congresses. So you can't even blame it on one particular party or the other. Uh, Andrew, this is great. I was doing a little research. And yep. <laughs> one of the articles says – Resort fees are not found only at resorts. Many budget hotels also charge resort fees. Well, yes. This is is hilarious. Listen, the Days Inn in Miami Beach, the Super 8 in Las Vegas, and the Hotel Pennsylvania in New York City are all two-star hotels that charge resort fees. Well, yes, yes. Resort fees in Vegas. In Vegas, we were going to talk about that. There's a Days Inn in Vegas and a Super 8 in Uh, Vegas, both of whom charge pretty high resort fees. Yeah, it's... It's not a way to actually advertise a price. It's a way to lure you in and right. trick you to pay later. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I, further down in this article, there's someone from the American Hotel Lodging Association that is arguing that there are many benefits to consumers from this. They're saying that... Uh, That's the hotel lobby, and the hotel lobby obviously has a huge interest right. in this, and they are the reason that resort fees continue to exist. No, no, no. Because no. they yeah, are totally. able to, you know, basically smooth these politicians and make sure that they never are interested in any legislation. So I've right. offered, I, know I have complete. sample legislation, so... Yeah, right. I, I know it's waiting. complete BS, and I, I wanted to read it just because it's so ridiculous. But basically what they're saying is that uh, consumers like it because it includes all of these fees and they don't feel like they're being nickel and dimed. Um, but there's no proof that any of the services are included in the fees. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. And so, so I want to talk about ways you can get around these because uh, uh, I had thought up until reading your website, your, your KellerResortFees.com website, I had thought that there really is not a way – around these except for some of these casinos where you can be a member of their players club at a certain level then you get around it but i mean just for the average person who does not have that uh type of status i thought the days of getting around them were just over and you've stated on your website so you already mentioned the the court angle but of course the court angle that may not be for everybody a lot of people may not want to go through the the hassle of that just to recover you know sixty dollars or whatever so what uh, what other angles can one use to get back resort fees um, I think that there's multiple great ways to do this. So obviously we already talked about small claims court is always open to everyone. It's a great way to seek justice and it's, you do not need a lawyer and it's easier than you think. Uh, I think if you're paying $250 in resort fees, it could definitely be worth it. You know, for a week trip, you didn't know, go to your small claims court. Moving on from that, 
I think that the really the easiest way is to put your resort fee on your credit card, immediately contact your credit card company about it, saying that this is fraud, it wasn't in the advertised price, it violates the consumer protection laws of the state, and you are forced to pay it to get the key to the room, even though the room is listed at a different price. Um, as far as I know, every single person that I've told that to has gotten their money refunded from their credit card. So a lot of the people at the hotel, the few people that have I've actually seen defend resort fees, have said, well, you sign a contract when you book the room. Well, okay, yeah, there's a contract involved. And somewhere in that contract, they might have buried a resort fee thing. But a contract is only valid if it's legal. And if the contract is not legal according to Nevada's consumer protection laws and fair advertising laws, it's not valid. So there's nothing holding you to paying that resort fee. You're told that you have to pay the advertised price and all applicable taxes. But anything beyond that is just the hotel taking advantage of customers. Now, when people... So I would really recommend the credit card route. Yeah, when people respond with, with the credit card thing, uh, I think a lot of them are probably winning. I think two things are happening, one good, one bad, or one sort of bad. The good thing is when they actually send the dispute to the hotel and the hotel just either due to uh, being too busy, due to incompetence, due to bureaucracy, they just don't end up responding in time. I think they have 30 days to respond, and if they don't respond in time, you win by default. I've actually... When, in a few cases where airlines have cheated me, I've gotten money back that way by charging back what they've cheated me, and then the airline just doesn't respond in time, and I win. Uh, so I think that's one way a lot of people are probably winning with this. Uh, now, the way I don't like so much is when the credit card company will just eat it, especially if it's an amount like $30 or $20. Uh, and the reason I don't like that, and you can comment on this, but I, I've talked about these before in other aspects, is that – when your credit card company is eating it because it's not worth the time of investigation on their part, uh, I think this could eventually uh, reflect badly upon you when you want to do other chargebacks. That if you're, if you're doing too many of them, you'll get flagged in some way, and they may look negatively on your other chargebacks, even if you're very much in the right and rule against you. It's very arbitrary whether the credit cards rule in your favor or not, though. Though, though if they don't get a response, then you, you always win. But uh, how many like? That's that's the one pl- place I would caution people is the s- very small chargebacks, like $30 or $20, where most of the time your credit card company is probably just eating it and never contacting the merchant. Uh, I, In fact, there's been cases where the merchant has just outright cheated me, and I've said, no, please don't eat it. Please charge it back. Please contact them and say, no, there's no way for us to do this. We just – this is our process, and uh, I get the money back, but I feel kind of dissatisfied. Uh, so uh, are, are have you – heard about what I'm talking about here before? I mean, I'm not an expert in how they do this, but I do know that if enough people were complaining about, say, a certain hotel in Vegas and doing chargebacks, they would start to have a problem with that specific hotel. So more people, in my opinion, should be doing this because then the credit card companies know that there's a serious issue with fraud at that hotel, which there is. There just isn't enough people reporting it to their credit card. Yeah. But I, I think especially another there's one other yeah. there's one other way real quick that I also would recommend, and it's certainly not a guarantee and it's state by state. But if you file a complaint with the attorney general of the state that you're in, maybe that you live in or that you stayed in, um, the attorney general is there to combat fraud. 
they do not, they're there to eliminate scams. And it's pretty easy to go online or to print out some forms and mail them in about being a victim of fraud at a hotel, of a scam at a hotel. And so if you're saying that somebody advertised one price and forced you to pay another, uh, you know, the attorney general is there to enforce fair advertising in hotels and in anything that's going on in their state. So what I would do is file a complaint with the attorney general. Obviously, some states that have a higher influence of casino and hotel money floating around them might not be as receptive to these complaints as, say, a state without so much. Um, so it just varies, but I think that the attorney general is a great way to also seek justice in this because even if it's a $25 resort fee, they could follow up on that and actually get you your money back. Yeah, and w- one other thing I saw on your website that I think would be useful that, that, that can work, especially if there's any kind of problem you see in the hotel with your room or whatever, uh, you said, you know, just talk to the manager and, and try to get the manager to waive it, which I, I know immediately, like if it's just, hey, I don't want to pay this, I think a lot of the managers just, they're so used to hearing this and people saying they don't want to pay the resort fees, it's just like an instant no usually. But uh, what I've found, though, is if I see a legitimate problem in the room, does that have to be a major problem? You know, like the, the, the shower's water pressure is bad, uh, uh, or, or I had to, ch- when the room I checked into was, was faulty in some way and I had to move rooms. Not just because I didn't like it, but there's some, there's some problem with it. I had to move rooms and go through that trouble. Anything just made my stay, something unexpected that happened that was their fault in some way that made my stay less pleasant. Uh, one thing you can propose, and I've done this, is say, well, can you at least give me the resort feedback because of everything that happened? And I have had them say yes to that before as kind of a compensation for their, uh, would you suggest doing that? Definitely. I think even just a nice ask to the manager, depending on the hotel, you might be able to get the resort fees waived. And then I think hotels definitely use, are using resort fees as a bargaining chip to make people feel better or to hope that guests have a better stay after something goes even very minusculely wrong. So I think exactly like you said, just a polite ask is a great way to get your resort fee back. Yeah, and and also anyone who feels guilty about doing the like I understand if if you, some of the listeners here may not want to go through the trouble and these things being described here, and and I understand that if you just don't want to, it's if just something not worth it for you to do, that's fine. But uh, if anyone feels guilty about doing this, you shouldn't. And the reason you should not feel guilty because this is deceptive. It doesn't matter if they're all doing it or most are doing it. This is deceptive. This is being done to trick you. And therefore, you should not feel bad to get back this money. It's not, it's not like just in, inventing reasons to get back part of the price of the hotel uh, because you just feel like paying less and screwing them. This is them tricking you and you standing up saying, no, if you're going to advertise it at this price, I want it at this price, and you've got to learn to stop doing that. And I'm not going to pay more than that price. And that's completely fine morally for someone to do. So never feel bad about asking for that. And, uh, you know, if you, so if you can find any way to get the resort, resort fees back, especially one that's not a lot of trouble and it's not going to be a big hassle to you, then that's fine. I, I have a question for you, though. Uh, I, I think you and I are alike in that, like, a lot of times on principle, we'll, put, we'll both put in the effort to get things back like this. That's why when I read the story about you in the CBS News article, I thought, oh, yeah, this, this person kind of reminds me of me a little bit because I, I have put in a lot of efforts back to get back you know, relatively small amounts of money when I feel like uh, I was wronged. So, um, when, when, for example, when you were traveling in, uh, in Key West, 
uh, were you alone or were you traveling with someone else? No, I was actually traveling with my parents. I was visiting oh, them okay. in Florida. They lived in Florida in the winter, and we took a mini vacation. So okay. I, I it was, was th- particularly upsetting to me to have this happen while I was traveling with them. I was going to ask because some people, you know, if they're, if they're uh, traveling with someone, especially uh, you know, someone that they're romantically involved with, sometimes the, the person they're with doesn't see it the same way and just feels like this is a hassle or feels like, you know, why are you creating a problem everywhere we go? And so... Uh, I, I was wondering if that that had happened. Are, to are you bringing your own life into this truck? Well, at, at some point, not now, not now, because <laughs> now, now that the the the, you know, the girl I'm with now, I've been for a long time. She's uh, supportive. She she doesn't you know do all this herself, but she she understands why I do it and uh, and supports it. But uh, so she's worn calluses. She's got calluses. No, no, right? she's you know what? I'll tell you the the. <laughs> the the first week she actually came to Vegas when I lived in Vegas and she she came there in '09 to see me for the first time since we were in college together. There was an issue at the hotel and I got seventy five dollars back for her. She came and stayed at the hotel and she she was so happy getting that seventy five dollars back and was impressed that I, I was able to get it for her and that actually scored points for me. So I, I knew at that point that that was a good sign for the relationship. And sure enough, you know, nine years later we're still together. A great sign. <laughs> So, have you ever uh, had this issue where where you're you're with someone and they don't like uh, that that you object to these sorts of things? You know what? I'm I haven't had this issue, but I'm sure it comes up. But still, people who you know have I know that some people just do not feel it is polite, perhaps, or I don't know what they're afraid of. I mean, as I said, I, I would encourage everyone to challenge this. But you can always just say, "Okay, oh, politely, you know, could I talk to the manager?" Yeah. The manager comes and says, no, you have to pay, pay. And then later when you're away from that person, <laughs> dispute it with your credit card, you know, file a claim with the attorney general. Easy breezy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So I, I, I so I, anyway, I, I thank you for coming on here. Uh, killresortsfee.com. Now, is there anything further people can do to uh, help with the general fight? We've talked about just personally what they can do to take their own resort fees off. Uh, is there anything they can do in general if they want to assist with the fight against resort fees? Yeah, one of the big things that I would encourage you to do is call your local politicians. Call your state politicians, call your senators, call your congresspeople. Uh, This is an issue that is not going to go away. It's exploding like wildfire. It's going to places like, you know, motels in New York City. So there's no end to this. And we're going to need some help, and politicians should know that this is a concern. I've been doing all that I can, um, but, you know, I'm a one-lady show. I've got sample legislation, and some states and state legislatures are interested in taking it up. So expect to see that soon, probably within the next year. Okay. Well, I think that's great. And, uh, you know, you're, she's also on Twitter at Kill Resort Fees. And killresortfees.com is her website. I, I think this is a, a very noble cause here. I think that travel, tra- travelers will be thrilled if and when this changes. I know I will. And I think people have gotten begrudgingly used to it, but still everyone hates them. Everyone hates resort fees. So if they were to just disappear one day and, and it were to be understood that, that certain activists made this happen, I, I think you'll be a hero to many people. So uh, please keep me updated. You know, if you... Uh, if there is some kind of real movement in legislation that can, or, or lawsuits that will put a stop to this, or at least partially put a stop to this, please just you know let me know. You have my email, and uh, I'll report it out here. So yeah, you know, thank you for coming on the show and, and staying up late. And 
I wish you luck in your endeavors here, and I'll, I'll be watching myself. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Okay, thank you. Good night. So that was uh, Lauren Wolf, the attorney. Good for from her. DC. Yeah, very, very uh, good for her. And, and we got Trader Ruski on, by the way. He kind of just uh, kind of snuck him on here. Hello. What's happening, guys? Yeah, this is one. And I, th- and I think before this started too, did, well, didn't they give you like you had an option if you wanted the gym? They have a special package, twenty five bucks. You can have the gym, internet, and something else. We ended up if you were going to use all those things, um, then you'd save ten bucks. I'm pretty sure some like, of them. Ha- yes, yeah, some of, some of them. Well, that you wasn't know. first. It was actually in the early days. This did exist in some places. Some places just hit you with a resort fee. That was my first experience. Was in, in Arizona. Where they just told me you're paying seven bucks a night whether you want to or not, and I said, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, this is there's nowhere in the documentation when I booked where it says this, so I'm not paying, and it's illegal for you to not give me the key when I've paid in full." And uh, so they you know, eventually backed down. But uh, then, yeah, some places were giving you an option, but then that went away pretty quickly, and <laughs> it's been for quite some time now. Where it's just mandatory, and that's why it's so ridiculous. They they can say, "Oh, it covers this and this and that." It doesn't matter what it covers. If it's part of the required hotel uh, price, then it doesn't matter what it covers. They can claim it covers whatever they want. If, if you have to pay it, it, it just covers everything. So that doesn't – they can't break down the price like that. What if they said, uh, well, the room is only a dollar a night, but all that covers is uh, one square on the tile in the bathroom. And, and the rest of the room is, is covered by the resort fee. They could say that too. That's how far it really could go. And just in case you guys think that I'm being ridiculous and exaggerating, as I said, there are places in Vegas where it's not uncommon, especially on weeknights, for the resort fee to actually be more than the base hotel room price. So that brings me to the associated topic, and that is the increase of resort fees in Las Vegas. And I I wanted to get her on first and you know she's going to bed and I want to put it through a, a list I'm reading of, of prices but uh, here, here's what's going on in, in Vegas they keep re- they keep raising the resort fees and for the reason I said before because they're all competing with each other if you remember at some point Caesars was advertising they have no resort fees in any of their properties but then they were getting killed because online all the MGM properties and the other resort fee charging properties were showing up earlier in the price list because it appeared they were cheaper when they really weren't because they were charging the resort fee and Caesars wasn't. So on, on the list, then Caesars came up more expensive. So they, they realized that they were making a mistake and that the goodwill from not charging resort fees was not offsetting it enough. So they, they went to charge resort fees as well. You will hear from this list, they're all kind of similar. And so no, not one company is not worse than the others. As much as I'd like to bash Caesars here, as much as I'd like to bash MGM here, they're, they're, most of them are doing it, and they're all kind of sticking to around the same price point for the type of hotels they're offering. But they keep increasing them every year, and this has been the backdoor way of raising prices on hotels. So rather than raising the base price, they're keeping the base price essentially you know, close to the same, and, and they're raising the resort fees. And you may say, okay, well, that's fine. You know, they, they would raise the base price anyway. Like Some people may say, What's the difference if the if the hotel price is one hundred twenty dollars, and they're charging eighty plus a forty dollar resort fee rather than just one twenty and no resort fee? We're still paying one twenty. Why does it matter? Well, it matters because they're not being truthful about it. They're, you're not being an informed consumer. You're not 
knowing what it's really going to cost until you're near the end or at the end of the booking process. It's just something they should not be doing. It's very deceptive. It just shouldn't be happening. So, you know, wouldn't you be mad if you saw you were getting a $1 a night hotel room and then you get to the end, it's $120? you would be furious. So why is it okay if it's 80 and 40 to make 120 It's It's the same thing. Not to the same extreme, but the same thing. So they've been going up every year. They went up in 2018. And in Vegas, it's particularly bad where most hotels in the city of Las Vegas, not just on the Strip, but just most hotels in general in Las Vegas now charge resort fees. There's only a small number that don't, and a lot of them are places you probably wouldn't want to stay anyway. So here are the resort fees at Caesars Own Properties for 2018. Caesars Palace and the Nobu Hotel, which is in Caesars Palace, now charges $39, up from 35 The Cromwell, 37 up from 35 Paris, 37 up from 35 Planet Hollywood, 37 up from 35 Bally's, 35 up from 30 Flamingo, 35 up from 30 Harris, 35 up from 30 The Link, even the crappy Link, formerly Imperial Palace, that's 35 up from 30 the cheapest one is the Rio, which is also the only one which did not go up. MGM properties, you'll notice similar numbers. Aria, 39, up from 35. Bellagio, 39, up from 35. Vidara, 39, up from 35. Mandarin Oriental, which is part of the MGM properties, that no casino there, 39, up from 32. Four Seasons, 39, up from 32. Delano, which is part of Mandalay Bay, 35, up from 32. MGM Grand, 35 up from 32. Mirage, 35 up from 32. Mandalay Bay, 35 up from 30. I guess they have to raise the resort fee in order to uh, pay for new windows. (laughs) Maybe too soon for that joke. New York, New York, 35 up from 30. Monte Carlo, 35 up from 30. Excalibur and Luxor are both still 30 as they were last year. Circus Circus, the cheapest one, only $27. Same as last year. Station casinos. Green Valley Ranch now thirty four ninety nine up from uh, well it's up at four dollars seventy eight cents from whatever that was before around thirty. Red Rock thirty four ninety nine also up four four seventy eight. Palms and Palms Place are have not increased but they're thirty one ninety nine. Palace Station. Palace Station is not a very nice place but still twenty one ninety nine resort fee up from sixteen ninety nine. Sunset Station, nineteen ninety nine, up from uh, around nineteen dollars. Santa Fe Station, sixteen ninety nine, up a dollar. Texas Station, sixteen ninety nine, also up a dollar. Boulder Station, sixteen ninety three. For some reason, that's six cents cheaper, up from uh, uh, about sixteen dollars. Fiesta Henderson, see even Henderson is happening, fourteen oh six, and Fiesta Rancho, thirteen ninety four. These are the same as last year. Now, what about uh, ones that aren't part of big chains of properties? There, well, Venetian and Palazzo. Went up from 32 to 39. Wynn and Encore went up from 35 to 39. Cosmopolitan went from 30 to 35. Treasure Island went from 30 to 32 to 35. Tropicana went from 29 to 35. Hard Rock, which may be... It's going to be rebranding soon to Virgin, so maybe they'll change it at that point. But right now it's uh, 31 from, th- from 25. Stratosphere. Not exactly the nicest hotel, but you're still paying $30 resort fees up from 25. Golden Nugget, 29.50 up from 25. Hooters, $29 up from 20 Downtown Grand, $23 up from 20 Silver Sevens, $21 up from 15 Orleans, the Orleans even has a resort fee, $21 up from 15 Suncoast, $21 up from 15 Aliante, $20 up from 13 
Samstown, $20 up from 13 Ellis Island, which is a Super 8. Uh, Cal mentioned that Super 8, which is at Ellis Island, is actually a $20 resort free up from 13 Now, Gruff, I don't know about you, but I have in my day stayed in some Super 8 motels. Yeah. That ain't no fucking resort. No. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm sorry, I misspoke. It's not 20 It's It's actually 18 I'm sorry. It's, it's a very reasonable $18 at the... Ellis Island Super 8, up from 13 uh, Artisan, $18, up from 12 The El Cortez, which is really a dump, $15, up from 11 So that, I mean, even the El Cortez is charging resort fees now. It's just outrageous. So uh, this is really insane. And uh, here's some other hotels that are not raising the resort fees, but are still charging them. Alexis Park All Suites, I don't know where that is, but $14. Arizona Charlie's, both of them $7.50. Cancun Resort, $25. The Cannery, $7.90. Desert Paradise Resort, $17. Downtown Grand, $23. Eastside Cannery, $11.29. Fortune, whatever that is, $10. Golden Gate, $20. All the Hilton Grand Vacations properties, which are mostly condos that I think are being rented out, $25. Hilton Lake Las Vegas is $22. JW Marriott Resort and Spa, $20. Lucky Dragon, the casino may be closed, but the hotel will still charge a $28 resort fee. The M Resort, $17.53. I wonder where they come up with numbers like that. Mardi Gras, $5. Oasis at Gold Spike, $20. The Platinum, $15. The Plaza Downtown, $18. Polo Towers, it's, uh, condos being rented, uh, $28. Renaissance Las Vegas, $21. Silverton, $17. SLS, the former Sahara, they're still charging you $32. South Point, they're way, 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 way south in Las Vegas. You know, the very first hotel you see driving in, despite their remote location, still $21 resort fee. Tahiti Village, timeshares mainly, $17. The D, downtown, $20. Tuscany Suites, $28. The Westgate, formerly the Las Vegas Hilton, $34. That's crazy. That is not a nice hotel. It's, it's not terrible, but it's not a nice hotel. It's, 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 it's a real has-been, $34 resort fee, crazy. The Westgate Flamingo Bay, $17. Westin, Las Vegas, 29 And that's not a very nice Westin, by the way. It's kind of in a bad area. It's uh, got a tiny casino. The Westin Lake, Las Vegas, is 29 And then Wild Wild West, which I think may have been a stations property at some point, but it's, it's not anymore. Wild Wild West is charging $14, and they are a day's in. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's insane. So th- those are the ones charging resort fees. Here's the few hotels that don't charge resort fees in Vegas. America's Best Value Inn, one just called California, which I've never heard of before. Casino Royale, which is a total dump. It's good location, Center Strip, but it's a, it's a dump. Desert Road Resort, Ilara, Four, Four Queens, Fremont Downtown. You know, those are two different hotels downtown. Lucky Club, Main Street Station, which, by the way, is not a station casino. It's kind of confusing but it's it's different i always thought it was a station property until i just i just found this out yesterday it's not la quinta inn residence inn red roof inn they're not charging resort fees royal resort travelodge center strip there's two world mark hotels the world mark las vegas boulevard and tropicana and then the wyndham even though the attorney we said on here she talked about the lawsuit against the wyndham they are not yet charging resort fees in vegas at the wyndham desert blue or the wyndham grand desert but i wouldn't surprise me if they start soon 
And just in case you don't think you've paid enough with these resort fees, just in case you think you still haven't paid your fair share, they, they can still extract money out of you through parking because several of these properties also charge for parking, which amazingly, despite these high resort fees, is not included. So even if you stay at the hotel and pay the resort fee, you're paying for parking, which to me is insane. I understand if they want to charge the person who just wants to come in there and, and browse around and not spend any money there. I would think someone who's paying for the hotel and paying the resort fee should get free parking, but no. Caesars Palace and Nobu, they charge $12 a day for parking. Bally's, Paris, Char- uh, Flamingo and Harris and the Link and the Cromwell, they all charge $10 a day for parking. Planet Hollywood, believe it or not, they charge zero unless you use valet, but their parking lot's kind of far. Aria and Bellagio charge $18 a day. Uh, Vidara Mandarin Oriental use the Aria lot, so of course those are 18 Mandalay Bay and Delano, $15. MGM Grand, 15 New York, New York, 15 Mirage, 15 Excalibur and Luxor are $10 each for parking. Win Encore, 15 for parking per day. And Hilton Lake Las Vegas, despite being way out there, $12 a day for hotel guests, 15 for non-guests for parking. Now, at the MGM and Caesars properties, which makes up most of this list, if you are uh, basically their second-tier-level card, then you get free parking. So it's uh, MGM, if you have an M-Life card, Pearl, Gold, Platinum, or Noir, then you don't pay for parking, but you do pay resort fees. At Caesars, if you're a Platinum, Diamond, or Seven Stars, you don't pay for parking, and if you're a Diamond or Seven Stars, you don't pay resort fees, which right now is the best benefit of Diamond, is that you, you, get, a, you get out of the resort fees. So uh, that's the one silver lining here. Anyway, this is, is very obnoxious. It, it, it keeps going up. Some of these cheaper hotels I listed really do have prices, even sometimes the Rio, which are cheaper than the resort fee, which, if you think about it, it's just crazy to where the majority of the price has a resort fee, and these resort fees have taxes. Because uh, as Lauren mentioned here, the governments are getting quite mad that the hotels are dodging room tax by splitting off some of the... Uh, hotel price into a resort fee and then not charging tax on it. So they're demanding the taxes charged. So you got to pay tax on these resort fees as well, which makes them even higher. So uh, this, keep in mind these fees, you can go find that you can find them on VegasCasinoTalk.com. This is where I, I listed everything I just told you here. You can find on VegasCasinoTalk.com. And the thread is called Las Vegas Resort Fees Increased for Most Hotels in 2018. And it's in the Las Vegas Forum. So go check out that thread if you'd like to see this list. And I I don't know anybody who's ever said that they believe in resort fees. They think it's fine. They like them. Like nobody likes paying fees, but like, I don't, I've never heard anyone even defend them. I've never, other than people in the hotel industry, I've never heard anyone from the outside say, yeah, this is actually okay. It's, it's, it's cool. It, it makes sense. Like no one, everyone hates them. Everyone thinks they're awful. That's what's amazed me of how this has gone on for 13 years and it's still legal. And obviously the only answer must be that those in the hotel lobby, and I don't mean lobbies of hotels, but the lobbyists for the hotel industry are making sure the politicians who might be against this don't do it. And there's various ways lobbyists can do this, both by donating to campaigns and also uh, threatening to support the opposing candidate with, with their money. So a lot of un- unfortunate uh, corruption in government that allows this sort of thing to continue. 
And ho- hopefully the voices will get loud enough to stop this, but uh, I'm not all that optimistic. Uh, Calwatt, anything you have to add to this? No, I mean, I kind of was saying it before. I just think it's all bullshit, man. I, it's it's amazing to me that they are able to get away with this, the, the, the deception, and then the fact that they're raising the fees across the board. I mean, yeah, it makes me not even want to go, you know, honestly. <laughs> and, and just the greed. $7 a night is one thing. But then they're bumping it up to thirty, forty bucks. I mean, that is a that is just ridiculous. Yeah, it's get, it's getting out of control now, and hopefully, uh, this greed will be what brings them down. Much like the greed of the super users on Absolute Poker and Ultimate Bet is what brought them down. Where if they if they really were careful about it and kept under the radar and just didn't make it so obvious that they were cheating, then they would have gotten away. No one would have known. Now, are they lowering their advertised rates commensurately, or is this they're just this bumping is, this up? They're bumping this up as their way of raising prices over time. And you know, if prices go up over time, right. it's fine because of inflation. But you've got to be honest about it. You can't. Uh, right. You, you. I don't mind if hotel rates go up with what the market will bear. And you know, nobody likes paying high prices for hotels. But if that's if you own a hotel and you notice that your hotel will fill up if you charge a, even if you charge a higher price, then you'd be stupid not to. And I'm fine with that. I don't. Nobody has a right to a cheap hotel room. But what they do have a right to is a hotel room where, when they see a list of prices that are being advertised online, that it's very clear to them what price they're re- really paying. And you don't go through a lengthy booking process only to find out at the end. And sometimes not even that clearly that it's much more than you thought it was. That's 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 just uh, very deceptive, and there's many laws against this sort of thing, as, as Lauren mentioned. And uh, hopefully, something will be done. And and yeah, you know, I I might be actually rooting for them to keep raising them to crazy levels, and maybe that'll get everyone's attention enough. I think when, like let's say these go up to sixty dollars eventually. I I think eventually there's going to be a breaking point, and the public's going to flip out. Well, the reason I asked you that is that I mean it, it definitely is all about the fact that all these bookings are done online and they're trying to kind of get up there in the rankings. Uh, I mean, I was wondering if they were essentially just raising that as a way to kind of lower their other price. You know what I mean? Like just continuing to do that. Uh, Some are doing that. Like I I have to think that I don't know what they're doing year by year, but like the ones the cheap hotels that are charging a $25 base rate and a $35 resort fee. This this definitely is benefiting them when people do searches and they say, wow, $25 a night to stay in Vegas, awesome. And then they go through it. What? How, how is it $200 for three nights if it's $25 a night? Oh, man, taxes and resort fees. Like, you know, so there's that shock, but the problem is it, it draws people in. And, and the problem is that you, you can't even hit the back button and select something else because they're all going to have this problem. So uh, I... I don't even know if the hotels have been like as far as the the prices that have been going up. I, I don't even. I think that maybe it's going up at the same rate approximately as they always have been, but mm. uh, just the way they're doing it is so deceptive. And and it is partially. You know what I mean, though. Like if one hotel sees that they're five dollars more expensive than another, they could drop that price and oh, just raise oh, okay. the resort fee oh, by five dollars. Okay, I wasn't understanding that's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they they can. Uh, the problem is they they. They tend to only res- 
they do sometimes raise it in the middle of the year. They tend to like to roll it out essentially like once a year to raise them. There's, there's no rule about that. They can do as much as they want. I think some of this might be to prevent confusion of the staff of how much they charge because then you're getting, you know, people who made previous bookings. Uh, you know, I think they want to do it a good ways out so this way you don't have many previous bookings at a lower resort fee price. I think it becomes too confusing for staff if they keep raising it at different times. Uh, but, yeah, that that could be You know, at the, at the end of a year they say, well, I noticed the competitor is, is – uh, Five dollars uh, cheaper. You know what or, I mean? Like I, I know people that, for a living, what they do is digital marketing, and they'll they'll do anything they can get can do to get you know one up in the the, the search listings or one up in any oh, yeah. kind of listing. Oh, of course, of course. That's that's, you know? that's a big thing. Like the search engine optimization. That's a, a SEO. That's a, a very uh, big thing in on uh, the internet. Has been for a very long time, and that's it's a similar concept that you want to show up first. You want people to see you right. first, and there's big value in that. And this is a way. And to a do lot it. of that is bullshit as well. By the way, <laughs> you're saying as far as uh, what what's bullshit the. The fact that people are doing it, or some of these SEO. There, there are a ton of SEO firms out there that I mean, it's really no different than selling diet pills. I mean, they're they're basically playing on people's fears, and it, they really cannot deliver the kind of results that they're claiming that they can. I've seen that. Yeah, I have seen that. I have seen that. Oh, fact- it's it's all over. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's someone's job. You know, in their their marketing department to look at these listings and you know see if they can uh, you know drop the price by X amount just so they're one or two listings above the next guy. Oh yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure that's that's very valuable to have that position. Yeah. And and yeah, then raise the resort fee in order to still get the same price for the room. So absolutely. And and I'll tell you what's even worse is where people prepay for the room because there are, there are some rooms that you can get a discount by prepaying. Mm-hmm. I usually find ways around that where I can get essentially the same price without prepaying, but uh, the easy way is just to prepay, and they'll often give you some kind of discount, sometimes up to 20%. So you prepay that, and at that point, once you realize there's a resort fee, or if you didn't read the fine print or whatever, they, there's no getting out of it at that point. You've prepaid, and you can't cancel. So that's especially bad. And that's, I think, what Lauren was talking about here. She had prepaid. $400 for a Key West hotel gets there they, they say uh, another $20 please and she was furious so yeah it's 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 a frustrating thing and I actually do hope though that this gets ridiculous enough to where they get destroyed by their own greed that eventually there'll I, be a breaking I could point. definitely see that happening like I, it just takes the media kind of grabbing hold of it. You know the kind of thing, we're going to get to this topic about Wynn, about the, how the media grabbed hold of his story, which of course is an extension of this whole Me Too thing that started after Harvey Weinstein. But all it takes is for the mass media to take hold of a story that starts to interest people. So r- really, I think all it would take. I don't know why the media isn't jumping on this because they, I mean, they don't have to worry about lobbyists and all that. So. I don't know why they're not jumping on these resort fee story. Like if they, if the mass media got a hold of this resort fee thing and really pressed it, then there would be enough outrage to where things would change. At least I think they would. But but the thing is, it's, this is just one thing that everyone just doesn't like, but kind of just deals with and forgets it. 
there just isn't the outrage yet. There's private, quiet outrage, but not mass outrage. And I'm just surprised that all these years have passed and this hasn't happened yet, especially in this day and age where it, it seems like it's so easy for the media to find something they believe is an injustice and then push it. And if it resonates with people, then it, the story catches on and then things start to change. So I, I'm hoping for that to happen one day, but it, it just hasn't yet. It's kind of weird. And you can't even blame, you know, maybe people say, oh, you know, blame Trump because he, you know, he has a lot of hotels named Trump. Well, first of all, he doesn't own those hotels. They're just licensing his name. But even if you ignore that, this has gone on since 05. So George W. Bush was in office in 05, all the way through the beginning of 09. But then we had Obama for eight years. Now we have Trump, who's been here for over a year. And in and, and all these administrations and in these different makeups of Congress, there has not been a serious effort by politicians or the FTC to change this. So you can't even blame one one political party or another. You can't. There just has not been interest on either side, and it probably is because of the lobbyists who influence both sides. So that is all with that topic. And Jay Stat says uh, what a nice scam it is to charge for parking in the middle of the desert. Uh, Beer and Poker asking, was Chicago Joey on yet, or is he still... Is this still the intro? <laughs> well, it's uh, not time for Chicago Joey, but it's also not the intro. But let's let's go to the next topic. I'm going to talk about uh, Steve Wynn, and then after Steve Wynn, we will get to Chicago Joey, provided we can reach him. Let's see, see, let me tell you about Chicago Joey. He was contacted by a listener who asked him to come on, and Chicago Joey agreed. So then I was talking with Joey and asking if he'd like to come on. You know, and he said yes. So I added him on Skype. You know, He gave me his Skype. I added him. He agreed to come on. He said he'll be up late. I added him on Skype, but then he has not responded to my ad request. So uh, I'll resend the request here. And yeah, we're going to be on for a while, and he's probably up late. So hopefully he'll see this. Maybe he's just busy or who knows what. But uh, let's see. He hasn't sent me any messages. Yeah, I haven't heard from him in like three and a half hours. So it's not guaranteed he's going to be on, but he said he would. Hopefully he will see this at some point when we're on here. And then, But he's agreed. He's agreed he's going to come on. It's just a matter of getting him on. So let's talk about Steve Wynn and... You guys missed probably last week's show where we talked extensively about him. But a lot more has happened. Was there a show last week? Did something happen? <laughs> I think only in our heads. So Steve <sighs> Wynn, Steve Wynn uh, has been under fire recently due to allegations of sexual harassment and the fact that he actually made settlements in the recent past with women that he had allegedly sexually harassed at his hotel. It came out, uh, I guess he has this long battle with his ex-wife. This is kind of strange, the whole thing he had with his ex-wife. You don't see this very often. So Steve Wynn is 75 years old. He just turned 75. In 1963, at uh, the age of 21... He married a woman named Elaine. 
And I assume she was probably around the same age. So a long time ago, obviously, someone marries in 63. We're talking about, uh, you know, people who are pretty old now. And unlike, or sorry, shall I say, like many successful men in the mid-80s who had aging wives, he decided to probably trade up. He decided he was done with uh, being married to the older woman when he's you know, as rich and uh, well-known and powerful. What You know, why not just bang young chicks, he probably thought. I, I, he didn't say this, but this is my assumption because that's what a lot of uh, rich, successful men do when their wife gets older. So 23 years later, in 1986, he and Elaine divorced. I have to imagine he probably cheated on her or whatever. I, I don't know this for a fact, but this is all very common stuff. Yet a lot of people around that time, and, and still... Don't we know for a fact he cheated on her? Didn't get a hand job and well, sex that, that was late. I'm talking, I'm talking through 86. Oh, okay. So they divorced in 86. By the, at that point, very standard stuff for a, a, a rich, famous, powerful guy with a wife he's been with for 23 years. I'm not, saying yeah. it's right, I'm not saying it's right, but it's very common. What was uncommon was five years later, in 1991, he remarried her and stayed married to her for 19 more years. Until two thousand fucking weird. Until two thousand ten. So I, I've my assumption, and I said on last week's show the most you didn't hear, was that you know, she got older, he started cheating on her, they they got divorced in eighty six, maybe because he was cheating, maybe because he just thought that he'd rather just bang young chicks and not be married anymore to the wife who's older. At this point he was in his mid forties. And uh so he probably did that for five years and kind of felt empty. I'm guessing that the women he was doing this with, he just didn't feel like he had the love, the uh, deeper connection like he had with his wife. And probably, you know, they started talking again and he would probably apologize for whatever he did and said he misses her so much and these women can't substitute for what they had and all that. So they actually got back together. So at this point, when he remarried her in 91, obviously this wasn't about sex. Obviously he was ma- he was not marrying the, the hottest chick he knew there. In 91, the, the woman... Maybe he should do the kinky shit he liked. Maybe, I don't know. But been, you could, I'm sure you could still find that, especially in Vegas. But uh, obviously something brought him back to her, probably the you know, emotions that he had from being with her for 23 years that he probably never could quite shake for those five years not with her. So they, they got remarried in 91, and she must have been you know, around 50 by that point, is my guess. They've, they'd gotten married 28 years prior. They stayed married for 19 more years. During that time, he was cheating on her. We know that for sure. Because in 2005, he settled for $7.5 million with a manicurist who claimed that, she, that he pressured her into sex. So this only came out now, 13 years later, because his wife is, you know, for, for, they got divorced in 2010. They've been in an eight-year battle ever since then. And by the way, he married uh, somebody else very quickly after uh, divorcing his wife in 2010. He met, married a woman uh, named Andrea Hissom in 2011. Maybe he was cheating on this. Elaine with this Andrea. I have to imagine he was probably younger. But uh, he, he's been in a long divorce battle with Elaine ever since. It's just been dragging on and on and on. They're, they're, they've been divorced for a long time. They've been divorced eight years, but the, the, the battle for money has been raging on since. And a very recent filing in January of 2018, this is what started the whole controversy, revealed the $7.5 million payment, which up until now had been a secret. Nobody knew. So 
this was in her court filing and was found by someone. Maybe she tipped them off too, but it, you know, it was found. Any public, any court filing is public record and can be accessed by reporters or whoever. So it was found there about this seven point five million dollars settlement in 05. People say, "Oh, what's this? What is this?" Steve Wynn settled in 05 with someone for $7.5 million for sexual harassment? Interesting. So, of course, in today's climate, with women coming forward against written powerful men who have uh, sexually harassed them or raped them at some point and had gotten away with it. This That's was, that uh, hashtag pay me too movement, yeah. right? <laughs> that, that interested many people, and that's, this started a chain of events which became problematic for Steve Wynn. Now, we talked about this last week. Wynn Resorts put out a statement to employees that they posted on company bulletin boards basically saying that the company supports Steve Wynn and that these are just allegations, blah, blah, blah. Women also came out after these reports surfaced in the media. Other women came out and said that Steve Wynn did other things, that uh, a masseuse came out and claimed that he routinely pressured her to give him hand jobs at the end of the massages, and eventually she did. And other women complained that he would sit in the sauna with a very short robe with his dick hanging out and would just like act like that. that he would just act like that, like everything is normal. Like they'd come in and say, oh, yeah, Mr. Wynn, did you need something? He's like, oh, yeah, can you bring me some more towels? And his dick's just like hanging out there. So, so they, Can they, you imagine? Like, like, does this guy think that like, this is sexy or something? The women walk in there and see that shriveled, beat up old sausage just tucking, dangling down there. That's fucking horrible, man. So, so, they, like, <laughs> so apparently women were claiming that they just didn't want that job where they had to interact with him in that sauna. Because he just always had his dick hanging out, and it seemed like on purpose. He never made reference. To, like, they didn't say he made reference to it. Being, it just would be out, and, and they were just supposed to ignore that fact as they'd walk in and, and see that. So, Look, as a dude, you know when your dick is out. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Like, you just know. You know? So, so they complained about that. And I, I have to assume that this filing – I didn't see it. I have to assume the filing from his ex-wife was probably something saying – Hey, you paid seven point five million to some manicurist that you sexually harassed and cheated on me with. I I don't want to have that to come out of my divorce settlement. Like, why that that money should go back to me is probably what she's saying. Uh, that that she, at the very least she shouldn't be having to pay half of that. So I, I bet it was something like that. Why this is coming out now? Like, why wouldn't she, why would not why would that not have been part of the case when the divorce happened in two thousand eleven in two thousand ten? You know, that's a little peculiar to me. Doesn't really matter that much, but I, I don't know that much about divorce proceedings. I've never had it, thankfully. But uh, I, I have heard of cases where you the, can't can't get divorced if you don't get married, Druff. Yeah, well, that's 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 a good point. Okay, but, but I I have seen I, I know people personally who have ongoing situations long after the divorce. In matters such as money, where there's the you know, they can take the spouse back to court, you can claim you didn't know something. So I, I bet it's something like that. Where the uh, I think it even happened to Phil Ivy after his divorce was final that his ex-wife is taking him back to court. So there's there's a lot of different ways that your ex-spouse can take you back to court, and apparently Elaine was doing so. And there's probably a lot of money at stake. So this has been raging on for many years here. So at this point, it was kind of up in the air what would happen to Steve Wynn because Steve Wynn is 
obviously the name and face of the Wynn Hotels, both the ones in Vegas and the ones in Macau. He's um, also the dangling penis of yes. the Wynn Hotels. And before that, he was involved in many other hotel ventures. In fact, he was the one who built the Bellagio. In fact, if you like the Bellagio, if you like the design of the Bellagio, if you like that uh, Chihuly chandelier made of, of that uh, blown glass on the ceiling at the check-in area and the conservatory, that little garden they have, all, all that stuff was Steve Wynn's idea. Steve Wynn, when he built the Bellagio, was obsessed with it. And he was micromanaging every single detail, which pissed a lot of people off. It pissed a lot of the design people off. It pissed a lot of the people off uh, who were investors because they thought he was wasting a lot of money on needless stuff. There was actually a big controversy with the investors about the $750,000 chandelier in the lobby, where he turned out to be right because that ended up being an iconic part of the Bellagio. But at the time, they thought, what, a glass chandelier for $750,000? Are you insane? So he did battle with a lot of the investors to the Bellagio, and he, he was very difficult to work with because he every little bit of the Bellagio he wanted his hands in, and everything had to be just right for him. And then oddly, he he ended up getting rid of it after a while and and uh, starting the win. But yeah, that's why it's owned by MGM now. But uh, yeah, he's been part of the Vegas hotel scene for a very long time and a very active part. He's not just a CEO who handles kind of upper-level business matters. He he, ver- he gets very involved, especially about the look and feel of the hotel, the decor, but even operational issues sometimes he will get personally involved. This is just someone who really feels like the, his hotels are kind of part of him. So for him to not be involved anymore is a pretty big deal. And what about his name? Since the name is Wynn on the hotel... If he's not involved because of a scandal, do you remove that name? The question. So there's a lot that can happen from this. And you guys might remember we talked about on this show, there was a big competition for a property in the Boston area. Because the Boston area, they, you know, they can go to Foxwoods. It's a bit of a drive. So to have a casino in the Boston area would probably be very lucrative. You imagine that that Boston metropolitan area, a lot of people just being able to go to a local casino. I think that casino would make bank, especially because only one license was going to be given away. Caesars, yeah, but was, no one there is going to have any money anymore after the fucking Super Bowl, man. <laughs> That's true. Caesar, we got to get bad guy on here to do his fucking victory lap oh, for the yeah. Eagles. We got to get him on here. Caesars, they competed for that license, and then in typical Caesars fashion. It was found out that Caesars, when they were getting involved with you know building the Cromwell or renovating the property to be the Cromwell, that the company that they were contracted with to do it was very much involved with the Russian mob. <laughs> so Caesars was doing business with a Russian mob without realizing it. And so once that came out, they realized that they would never get that single license in Boston. That, that would pretty much disqualify them. In Boston, they were only going to give out that one license to whoever was like the perfect, impeccable candidate. So once it came out that Caesars was accidentally in business with the mob, that was that. So they actually withdrew once that came how, out. How accidentally do you think that actually was? I actually think it you was think? because they're that incompetent. That's what I think. I think they didn't even know. I, wow. think, they, I think they didn't know. So, so Wynn ended up winning it. This, this really helped Wynn that Caesars fell out of the process. 
So they ended up winning it, and it's, it's in the process of being built. And now there are some – ever since this stuff came out, there's been some questions in Boston of whether they're going to have licensing issues before they even open. So that is something else that could be a very big consequence. And might this have to be sold to somebody else? Or might this whole thing just kind of fall apart and be converted to something else? Uh, it's, it's, this is from uh, February 1st. Massachusetts gambling regulators want to know why Steve Wynn and Wynn Resorts failed to disclose a $7.5 million settlement that is to that manicurist when they were applying for the state license in 2013. The settlement will be a primary part of the investigation as it moves forward. The Massachusetts Gaming Commission announced Sunday that it's reviewing the license it issued for Wynn Boston Harbor, a $2.1 billion casino and hotel project set to open in 2019. The commission could ultimately decide to alter, suspend, or revoke the license as a result. So that is something else that uh, they have to watch out for. That They're in the middle of building this thing. It's about halfway done. What if they end up losing their license? What a mess will that be? So... Still, at that point, Steve Wynn had not resigned, and he was, I guess, kind of quietly hoping this just would die down. And maybe the situation would go away, at least enough to where he could continue to be CEO. Though there, were, there was a lot of talk that resignation, either under pressure or forced by the board, might be possible. So... What was needed to get rid of Steve Wynn swiftly was the knockout blow. They needed someone to come in there and deliver that knockout punch. Someone who has a lot of firepower. Someone who would benefit from Steve Wynn struggling. Someone maybe a little bit like Steve Wynn. After all, Steve Wynn is an old Jewish Republican billionaire hotel owner who gets very involved in his own properties What if another old Jewish billionaire hotel owner with properties in Las Vegas and Macau, uh, what if another one didn't want that competition anymore? Hmm. Who might I be talking about here? Can anyone else think of any other old Jewish Republican billionaire hotel owner in Vegas and Macau? Anyone? Sheldon Adelson. Thank you. That's Sheldon Adelson. Now, what can he do about it? Well, Sheldon Adelson... Hopefully not whip his dick out. <laughs> I'll say this for Sheldon. He, I, I've never heard of him involved in any kind of sex scandal. He seems to keep it in his pants. That's. Uh, I'd never heard of Steve Wynn involved in one either until recently. I just have a feeling that like Sheldon Adelson, that's really not him. I, th- I think that just... All, he may just be one of these guys where like the like, sex isn't one of like a, a primary motivator to him, like it was for Win apparently. Oh, poor bastard. <laughs> so, so Adelson, he owns the Las Vegas Review Journal, which upset a lot of people when he bought this what, like two years ago or so. We we talked about it on the show, and of course the concern in Las Vegas, where there's really only two major newspapers, that uh, I think the most prominent one is the Review Journal that if he owns it and he's such a major figure in the city, how can there be fair and unbiased coverage of him? That if he owns the paper, everyone's going to be afraid to write anything negative about him or the Venetian or Palazzo or, or the Sands Corporation, which he owns. 
So isn't that a major conflict of interest? And and you know, the, some so some people who were on the staff there actually quit. Some stayed on and swore that they wouldn't be influenced by the ownership. Of course, Sheldon himself said, oh, no, 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 we're not going to do that. We were hands off completely. But obviously, he he bought a newspaper for one reason and one reason only. He he obviously had no interest in the newspaper business until now. At that age, you don't decide to just buy a single newspaper unless you're trying to control it. So, I mean, it was smart, but obviously he bought that newspaper. And newspapers are on their way out anyway. But he bought that newspaper because he wanted to control the news, at least a lot of the news in Las Vegas. It was very clear to everybody. So he did that. And there hasn't been that much talk about him owning the Las Vegas Review Journal really recently. But I don't I, I assume Sheldon didn't know this himself because he only bought it recently, but that someone brought it to Sheldon's attention, maybe someone who wanted to kiss his ass who worked for the paper. Said, "Hey Sheldon, I I don't think you know this, but uh, 20 years ago, in 1998, we had a big story about Steve Wynn and sexual harassment. And we were just about to print it, and we killed it. We killed the story under pressure from Steve Wynn. Oh, God. So, that... You know, so Sheldon, uh, what do you think? Now we don't have proof of this. Sheldon's claiming he didn't know until they already published the story, but I, I don't believe that for a second. So, so I don't think Sheldon knew about this uh, because he wasn't involved with the paper back in '98 or anywhere near '98. But, but it, it, I am assuming someone came to Sheldon and said, "Hey, you know, this happened back in '98 that uh, there were similar claims about Steve Wynn's conduct, and that they." And there was actually a court filing back in 98, and that uh, under pressure from Steve Wynn and his attorneys, that the story just disappeared. It, it never got published. And I guarantee you, he was just like, print it. <laughs> so, so, so now, so, so, right. So then, uh, what, what should we do here? Should we, should we mention that our own newspaper, nobody knows about this. So it's not like others have brought this out. Should we just voluntarily come out with something that nobody knows? And voluntarily come out and say, yes, our newspaper killed a story under pressure by Steve Wynn 20 years ago. Like, what newspaper would ever do that? Would put it, throw itself under the bus like this? Well, maybe a newspaper that's owned by someone that would rather see the fallout from this than worry about the consequences for the newspaper that he only bought to control bad stories about him in the first place. So, yeah, if this is the only thing that ever comes out of this paper for this guy he's just thinking money well spent oh yeah you know yeah, what i mean yeah he's at the, loving right, it at, at this loving po- it at this point he's got his money's worth it's it's that's a free roll from him at this point because he uh, th- this is very valuable so obviously he said oh yeah sure <laughs> print it let everybody know that uh, you killed the story we, this newspaper killed the story 20 years ago. So in a very, very weird and unusual circumstance, I've never seen this before, where a newspaper without any kind of provocation from third parties. It's not, it's not like the story's about to come out and they got ahead of it. They unearthed the 20-year-old story that would probably never be known about themselves that's unflattering. How often does someone just come out and say, hey, you know, 20 years ago I did something bad. Nobody knows about it. Nobody ever probably would know if I didn't say, but here it is. Here's something I did 20 years ago that otherwise no one would have known. Like, nobody does that. Nobody does that personally. Nobody does that professionally. But that's it what... It kind of makes you wonder what else they didn't print. Right, right. right. So... You know? So, uh, this is what it says. In a lawsuit 
uh, a Mirage cocktail server. The Mirage uh, at the time was uh, under control of Steve. You know, Steve Wynn owned that at the time. A Mirage cocktail server alleged supervisors did not protect women from gamblers who harassed them. She said waitresses were sent to, quote, sexually, quote, accommodate high rollers at the resort's uh, luxury villas through the 1990s. Another server, upon bragging upon her first grandchild in the early 1990s, was reportedly pressured into having sex with Steve Wynn, who said that he wanted to experience sex with a grandmother, according to a court filing. (laughs) Come on. Come on. I, I, you know what? That's one fantasy I've never had. Who the f- Oh, my God. <laughs> even, I'll tell you, even grandmothers who just had kids young and then their kids had kids young. There's a, there's a girl I know who's a month older than me, so yeah, basically the same age. And, and she's not bad looking. I've known her a long time. I never dated her. and you know we, It's just someone I, I've been friends with for a long time. There's never going to be any kind of... You know, you know, romantic connection or anything, but she's a grandmother. And the weirdest thing too is that her oldest grandchild is older than Benjamin. Her oldest grandchild is eight, and she's just turning forty-six. So, to me, that would not be a plus. That would be kind of a, a weird feeling. I'd have to put that yeah. out of my head. I, even if I, you know, I had to just keep saying, "No, look, she's she's the same age as me." We're born within a month of each other. Like I, I'd have to just like repeat that to myself and ignore the fact that she's a grandmother of an eight-year-old, because otherwise they would feel weird to have sex with a grandmother, especially a grandmother of an eight-year-old. Like that's there's there's something not right going on there with people that have like <laughs> granny fetishes. Like even grandpas don't have granny fetishes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now Steve, Wait- there, there's something biologically wrong with it, Druff, because you're supposed to want. To have sex with a young, fertile woman. That's, that's the whole biological drive. Other, yeah. other than bad guy 23, I don't know anyone that's got a grandma fetish. You know? <laughs> He's going to call in about that. Uh, in the, <laughs> uh, by the way, you may say, well, Steve Wynn's 75 years old. You know, maybe, maybe that's the, you know, maybe when you're that old, maybe you, you, you can develop that. Well, no, he wasn't. This is in the early 90s. In the early 90s, he was like around 50. So he's, he's not that much older than we are here. When he had this uh, this grandmother fetish, according to this court filing, uh, and I have to think this is probably true. This is such a weird thing. Like, who else would make that up? How, how can you make up? Yeah. Like, like, if you're going to make up an allegation about Steve Wynn sexually harassing you, even if you are a grandmother, like, I don't think anyone would like roll that into the false allegation. It just, it just wouldn't come to mind. Well, there would be so much skepticism that there would have to be some serious proof. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So then, so. Two, two of those cocktail servers spoke to Review Journal courts reporter uh, Carrie Greer in 1998. And uh, Greer actually says now that she remembers that the publisher of the Las Vegas Review Journal, Sherman Frederick, said that he doesn't want to run this until these women go do lie detector tests. He was afraid. Yeah. What if they're lying and then it comes out they're lying and then they get sued by Steve Wynn? And what, you know, Steve Wynn brings some other consequences upon them. They just wanted to be sure. So they. Actually- I, would, I would be skeptical too. My grandmother comes to me. Oh, this <laughs> billionaire is sexually harassed. I mean, this billionaire says know? he wants a grandma. Yeah, I mean, the billionaire wants granny sex. Okay, so so the polygraph results came back. The two women actually agreed to do it, and. I, I assume they came back uh, positive. It doesn't say what the results were, but uh, 
that she was ordered to delete the story. So since it doesn't say in the article that it, yeah, it says that the results came back. If they were false, I think that would be very relevant. That she's falsely killed. But it says she was ordered to kill the story. But what she did is she saved a printout of the story. <laughs> Just in case good, she needs good it. Good for her. It's like the, the Lewinsky blue dress. Yes. She tucked that away. Yes. Right? And, and she also... Uh, she also saved the $600 bill for the polygraph examinations, so they could prove that was done, too. She said that she couldn't recall who told her to delete it, which that seems a little bit strange to me, but uh, since you might be protecting someone. But uh, she said, I always wanted to tell these women stories. That's why I saved this file for 20 years. And uh, the review journal attorney, Mark Hinneberer, he was working there in 98, and he reviewed that story in, uh, for liability reasons. He actually edited parts of it and sent it back to her, showing, you know, I edited this out, I took out that out, and he was claiming it for liability reasons. And he deleted key parts in the story, including the granny <laughs> and the allegation that her supervisor told her that if she didn't have sex with him, that she would be fired. So that, that wait, wait, wait! I got an idea. Druff, was there a big bad wolf involved too? <laughs> yes, Steve Wynn. You know what I mean? They could be, <laughs> could be like one of those weird. Things. Maybe he dressed up like Little Red Riding yeah. Hood. You know? I think I think he dressed up as a big bad wolf, and she was Little Red Riding Hood. Wait, no, no, she was the granny. Oh. Wait, hold, hold on, she was the granny. Right. So, so I guess we need a third person. We needed like like a younger cocktail waitress to be Little Red Riding Hood. And he was the wolf. I'm sure there was one in there. Okay. I, I, I mean, I could see that as like a that could be the scenario that played out. Drew. This this is a little red Riding Hood weird pervert porn scenario thing. It's got to be. So it was found on a, a fax. Oh, Grandma, what big teeth you have! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Steve Wynn, what uh, hanging junk you have from the bottom of your robe? Grandma, you have something hanging down from your nightgown. What is that? <laughs> So this Hennuber, this is the uh, attorney for the Review Journal back in 98, he actually wrote on a fax cover page back then, my edits attached would not run until cleared with Sherm. Sherm referring to Sherman Frederick, the publisher. This is, of course, before, long before Adelson owned it or was involved with it. So Hennuber actually uh, still works for the Review Journal. So they're writing this article. The Review Journal's published it. This is their article, remember. This is not some other paper trying to make them look bad. This is their article. They're writing about their own attorney who's still working there. It's a very weird story. Yeah. Uh, and he would not comment. He's citing attorney-client privilege with the newspaper's previous owners. Uh, Sherman Frederick, who is no longer the publisher, he said he doesn't remember the story. He said, you've lost me I don't remember any of that. I certainly don't remember paying for any polygraph tests. But uh, the examiner, the polygraph examiner at the time, Ronald Slay of Western Security Consultants, said that a, a top official of the Review Journal came with the two women for that polygraph test. And he said, when, I show, when he showed up, referring to the top official of the Review Journal, I knew this was a bigger deal than normal. So obviously this... Sherman Frederick remembers he just doesn't want to admit that he did this. Uh, now, it's not clear why this was killed. It's not clear if there's a bribe involved. It's not clear if it's just pressure, uh, lawsuit threats, uh, other kinds of consequences that, that Wynn's people may have threatened with. 
but whatever it was. Well, I'm sure they were getting a ton of advertising dollars from them regardless. Right, things like that or, or, or access to things. Who knows? But there's, they may have uh, – and remember, the Wynn Hotel didn't exist then. And Steve Wynn owned a lot of prominent properties on the Strip. And there were a lot fewer prominent properties on the Strip then in the late 90s as there are today. So, you know, the guy who's owned the Bellagio and Treasure Island and, and – and, uh, uh, and the Mirage, and Mirage, yeah. So, well, so Nugget too, he owned it, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so they may have been afraid to really, really piss off the guy who owns all of these. And, uh, for- and, and, and Trader Risky, now that we we got you got your attention here, let me ask you a question. You ever been hanging out somewhere and you didn't realize it, and your dick was just hanging out? <laughs> the, the package? No, I'd feel a nice breeze. I think. Yeah, you'd notice it, right? <laughs> exactly. He could say he's blind, though. He didn't see it, but I don't know if, you know. What, what does blind have to do with knowing whether your dick is out Exa- Exactly. So <laughs> so then uh, Thomas Mitchell, the, the guy who was editor-in-chief in 98, uh, he said he remembered that uh, the, the newspaper used polygraph exams sometimes, but he didn't know if, yeah, he didn't remember this one in particular. And I mean, all this, how do you not remember that? What no, was the bigger story you do remember? No, it's BS. There's no way that uh, if you if you're a high person at the paper, there's no way that you could forget about Steve Wynn killing a story and polygraph tests about him having sex with a woman because he wanted to bang a grandma. I mean, you you don't forget that 20 years later. That's not that's not just a thing you say. Well, there's so many stories you run forget. It. This is a very very memorable story, especially the fact that yeah, you killed. don't forget the the grandma banging story. Yeah. Come on, so. Uh, an attorney who worked for the newspaper in 98 named uh, Kevin Doty said that uh, this Thomas Mitchell, the editor-in-chief, actually asked him to set up the polygraph tests and that uh, Thomas Mitchell was the one who went with the women to that exam. That That's the one the uh, polygraph guy remembers. And the one who wrote the story, who was told to, keep, to delete it and ended up saving the printout of it, this uh, woman, Gear, she said that she was called into a meeting with Wynn's attorneys in Sherman Frederick conference room. But, uh, of course, uh, Sherman Frederick said he doesn't remember the meeting. So, uh, obviously, this was very damaging because this was showing that uh, not only was this occurring as far back as 98 and probably much farther back than that, but also that... When exerted pressure to hide this. Yeah, we call this a pattern of behavior, right? Yes, a pattern of behavior and cover-up. So right. this was the final knockout blow. It was kind of on the fence what was going to happen, and then it needed something to push it over the edge. And this one definitely pushed it over the edge, and that was that for Steve Wynn. The knockout blow, it's victory by KO for Sheldon Adelson over Steve Wynn. The knockout blow occurred, and Steve Wynn resigned. So here's the statement. This was a statement that was published yesterday, and uh, Steve Wynn also said in a pre-statement to this statement that he's making sure to publish this uh, prior to Wednesday evening so Poker Fraud Alert Radio can cover it, and I thank him for that. In the last couple of weeks, I have found myself the focus of an avalanche of negative publicity. As I have reflected upon the environment this has created, one in which a rush to judgment takes precedence over everything else, including the facts, 
I have reached the conclusion that I cannot continue to be effective in my current roles. Uh, therefore, I'm translate rough. Yes, He's go basically ahead. saying I was caught with my dick hanging out. Yes. <laughs> right? It was. Therefore, effective immediately, I have decided to step down as CEO and chairman of the board of Wind Resorts, a company I founded and that I love. That part's true. He, he really was very obsessed with uh, all of his work like that. He, he was someone who th- – this is a very tough thing for him to do, for sure. The Wynn Resorts team and I have built Houses of Brick, which is to say the institution we created, a collection of the finest designers and architects ever assembled, as well as an operating philosophy now ingrained in the minds and hearts of our entire team, will remain standing for the long term. I'm extremely proud of everything we've built at this company. Most of all, I'm proud of our employees. So basically, he's saying that uh, he carefully oversaw everything that was being done there and how it was being run and and uh, it was pretty much existing in the way he wanted it to be. He, that, that It became what he wanted. This was all designed by him and now that it's all established, once he's gone, it'll be fine. It'll continue the same way. So he says, the succession plan laid out by the board of directors, which I wholeheartedly endorse, now places Matt Maddox in the CEO seat. With Matt, Wynn Resorts is in good hands. He and his team are well positioned to carry on the plans and vision for the company I created. I want to thank all the employees who have made Wynn Resorts the most admired resort company in the world and for the support I have received from them in recent weeks. Most importantly, I want everyone to continue to be proud of this company and the many unique ways it will forever continue to delight guests. I'm surprised he didn't thank all of the masseuses that gave him handjobs. Well, he did mention delighting guests. I guess he yeah. say that uh, I hope they it will delight guests the same way that my female employees delighted me over the years. <laughs> God, you know, I'm actually I'm, I'm kind of surprised. I don't know a whole lot about the corporate structure there. I mean, is he just the CEO and there's a board that he answers to, or does he just outright own this thing? Uh, I'm not sure either. I, I wondered that because you would think a guy, a guy of that age, you know, maybe he's just like fuck it, I don't care. <laughs> you know, but but he does. That's what I was going to say. With it. this is unusual in that he really does. This is kind of kind of his life. Well, other than getting you know, having sex with grandmothers and getting hand jobs, uh, he aside from the the sexual kinks he has, this really seems to be his life and always has been. Of just uh, he even mentioned it. There were the, the finest designers and architects and an operating philosophy that he wants. Like this, he was always. Very, very attached to his hotel work. It's not just money for him. To him, it's everything has to look perfect, have the right look and feel, ha- oper- operate the exact way he wants. And if it doesn't, it pisses him off. Even if it does well financially, it pisses him off if it isn't the way he wants it to be. He's, he's very controlling in that fashion. In fact, uh, when he was building the Bellagio, a lot of people working with him hated him, both for, for the expenditures on the art and also just in the philosophy and, and micromanagement and, and super attention to detail that he was getting involved with. So I really believe, even at this age, that I, I think he really just wanted to be part of it until the day he died. And Sheldon Adelson isn't too different. He's not Sheldon Adelson is not as obsessed from the design perspective, but uh, he also is very hands-on and uh, also is <laughs> someone who doesn't want to... Really? Not, not the, no, not hands-on him. He's not... <laughs> Uh, but but he also doesn't want to like, – he's older than Steve Wynn. He's, he's in his mid-80s. Uh, I don't think Adelson is going to ever step down until he's in the ground. And Wynn, I think Adelson is going to die happy now that this is all transpired. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, 
But uh, yeah, maybe maybe now Adelson's gonna die. He's gonna okay, I can go now. My life is complete. I can go. Nothing left to do. I've taken down Steve Wynn. But uh, I, they have a lot of similarity in that, and I think Steve Wynn really would have stayed with it. And Steve Wynn is also well known to be mostly blind. He's had some degenerative eye disease that has robbed him of most of his vision, but that still hasn't stopped him. You'd think someone with that much money would say, look, I don't, it's hard to do a job, effectively, any kind of job when you're just about blind. But he, he still continues. You know what? I, I just thought of something. I don't know when this started, but if I were blind, then I'd be more open to having sex with grandmothers. Because then I wouldn't see them. Then they, you know, for, for, for all I know, they could, they could, in my mind, they could, they could be you know, like a twenty-five-year-old hot chick. Truff, even if, <laughs> even if your eyes are closed, you sit down on a leather couch. You can tell whether it's worn. Okay, <laughs> you can tell whether it's kind of beaten up. Come yeah, on. Yeah, well, it's, it's true. Your other senses can get more sensitive when your eyes don't work. So maybe that's true. Anyway, that's uh, so he's resigned, and Sheldon Adelson. Delivered the final punch, the final knockout. Now, maybe this would have happened anyway. It was kind of going that direction, but this really hastened it. And I'm still surprised he stepped down unless there's a a, a board of directors that he is answerable to. Or I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe he's facing some kind of pressure that I don't understand. But especially because this happened so long ago, like... Yeah, guy that old? Does he really? I mean, I don't know. I was hearing. I, I hear what you're saying. They're a public that, company, aren't they? Um, what? Oh, they are. Uh, they are. They are a public company. That's right. You're correct. Okay. I mean, well, you might not have like that. You know. Yeah. Then yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. Then then it makes there sense. is a board, and I had been reading that there was some talk about uh, the board possibly removing him. So, like, the board hadn't said they were going to, but there's talk about how that could happen. So. It could yeah. have been at that point. It was either he was either told by the board that you have to resign, or we're going to get rid of you, or that he realized that this final straw here, and what also might be preceding even more coming out, uh, that even if nothing more comes out, that it's too late, that it's done. So yeah, because I, I, I think that if this was a private company, I don't think he goes anywhere. I don't think he cares. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I agree that if if uh, there was no no one on the outside who could pressure him enough to make him leave because it really was important for him to stay. So yeah, he, he's only leaving because he has to. Yeah. And with everything going on now, if this even happened, you know, two, three years ago, he might've been able to not leave. Yeah. This is the worst timing for this to come out too. So, uh, so it's maybe now that he's out, maybe the license in Boston can be preserved. There's of course this new tower that's coming up in, in Vegas and people are wondering, also, you know, what are they going to do with the name now that if, if Wynn has resigned in disgrace of, of being a sexual harasser, a serial sexual harasser going back decades, then do you really want the name on the hotel to be Wynn? In fact, uh, there's been suggestions on uh, if, if they're going to change the name, that they, maybe they should have uh, a more appropriate name up there. Maybe the name instead of Wynn should just be Elaine. <laughs> So maybe it should be the Wang. <laughs> the Wang. <laughs> Spelled like, good. you know, W A Y N G something, you know. Yeah. So 
That'd be a good idea, yeah. W-A-Y-N-G. So, that is yet to be determined. There would be positives and negatives to changing the name at this point. It loses the brand recognition, but at the same time, it loses the brand recognition. And think think of what they could have dangling from the ceiling if they did rebrand it that way, Trev. <laughs> <laughs> they, they could, in fact, they could have like a tie-in. They could have they could have robes in each room that are too short. Yeah, why not? Then just like the maid knocks. Uh, hello, hello, it's, it's service, service, and then the the guy wearing the robe opens the door and is. Dong is hanging out. It's perfect. Just like Steve Wynn. Everybody can be their own Steve Wynn when you stay at the Wang. <laughs> oh, God. What, what about... How well would that do? What, what if there was a hotel where it was considered... It's considered, like, okay for the guests to sexually harass the, uh, the, the female employees. Not, like, rape them or anything, but, you know, like, just, just sexually harass them. You think that would get a lot of business if, you, if, there's, if it's tolerable and permissive? Isn't that what Hooters was founded on? Uh, no, Hooters, you're supposed to just stare at them. Here, here you actually can go a little, a little further. So, I wonder how... Like, I, maybe they should convert I, to that I'm theme. guessing that in today's climate, that's not going to go over yeah. real well. I, I guess the boat was missed on that one. Just yeah. a hotel, hotel aimed at perverts who uh, want to grope women and sexually harass them. And uh, Well, why does it have okay. to be women? They could be male, uh, you know... Yeah, they, waitresses and all that kind of well, stuff. Yeah, they, that the, they can open up a, a San Francisco branch for that. <laughs> well, and they could probably fill every room by now. I mean, they're close to eighty percent occupancy, probably. <laughs> all right, so that's that's what's going on there. We'll let you guys know what happens as this story continues with the Boston license. Isn't it amazing how many? You know, titans of various industries are falling just because of their dicks. You know, I it mean, it's amazing. incredible. It, I, I thought about this today. I thought when I was thinking about like what we we're going to talk about on the show, and I thought about this topic. I thought, can you imagine if this Harvey Weinstein thing never came out this like last year? Like if that just never happened? Like how many things would be different right now? Just this one guy. How much? So many things changed across so many industries. How many powerful men have been brought down? Like, just it, there's been such a major change just because of this one guy who was caught sexually harassing women over decades, and uh, and everyone covering it up for him. So and like, and Cosby like just disappeared. Oh yeah, Bill Cosby. Like it, had to, it had to be a white guy. I mean, he's the big winner. Oh, he is a huge winner. He's, 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 oh yeah, he's a huge winner. Kind of like how uh, how Gary Condit was a big winner when nine eleven happened, and everybody forgot about the intern he was banging that got murdered. Like that, just. Uh, uh, now, how did Bill Cosby not cause this wave? Uh, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, well, you know, because it was more well known than fucking Harvey Weinstein. Somehow it was seen as different. It was seen like that he was like an outright rapist rather than a sexual harasser. And, and while being a rapist is wouldn't one, that be worse? Yes, it's much worse. But I think that's what prevented it from extending to others because uh, it's much more common for a man to be a sexual harasser than a rapist. So like people didn't really think. Well, I wonder how many other rapists there are. It just it's just one of these things. You think, okay, this guy's just sick. There probably aren't many like him. Where where when there's sexual harassment, you think, okay, I bet this is happening everywhere. I think that's what it was. It was a, it was much easier to picture like the Weinstein stuff happening 
uh, with a lot of of others. And, and also the thing is that nobody was covering for Cosby. It was like uh, I, there were rumors out there, but it was kind of different. It was kind of part of the outrage was the fact that it was it was so well known in Hollywood that Weinstein was doing this, and no one was speaking up, including a lot of those who who claimed to be you know such advocates of feminism and women's rights. And there was, there was like a big hypocrisy angle to the whole thing too, and uh, it it just. I think it exploded also just because people could picture that this wasn't just unusual. Just seemed, I mean, I think that all makes sense, but it also just seems weird to me that. Like, well, but I think I, it, I would it, think though, there'd be more outrage over this. Like the stuff Cosby did was fucking horrible. Man, he drugged women and then raped them, and it was it was the worst. It was, it was of all the different things that were alleged yeah. here. I say he was the worst because he was actually just drugging women who he'd invite women up to his room sometimes under the guise of, of helping the careers and then uh he would drug them and rape them you can't get much worse yeah, than give that. them jello pudding pops that were laced with fucking you know god knows what <laughs> yeah and i'll you know i'll bet that did like when that woman from temple university was was interviewed you know i mean it probably got the first you know rose mcgowan or whoever was the first one just you know I, i'll bet that loosened up a lot of things it was like the first crack in the dam well, it was, yeah, it was, and, and I, but I think the reason this caught on with everybody so much, it, it, a few things kind of came together, and and it was also just something that it wasn't that difficult to picture could be happening elsewhere, and then women they saw it and they recognized this as similar to their story as well, even if it wasn't with Weinstein, their their story, even men came forward that were harassed with people by people like Kevin Spacey, and so so a lot of people came forward because they go that this is a lot like my story. A lot of people thought we're with Cosby. Not a lot of people are getting drugged and raped who are, who are, you know, somewhat famous or well known. So, and thankfully, not a lot of people are doing it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's that, that's why I think that one was just seen as like a. An, it's kind of like how with OJ, people weren't thinking about like, oh, I wonder how many other celebrities are murderers. Like, it's just you just kind of see it as like that one individual did something awful rather than this is something chronic happening everywhere. So, OJ was never convicted, Druff. He was convicted of uh, he he lost a civil suit though for wrongful he death. He did lose a civil suit, and, and, absolutely. And he was convicted of a of a different crime years later and spent a lot of time in prison for what crime he committed. But he's out now. He's oh. out now, and he's he's uh, going around Vegas and taking pictures of people. And uh, and he's suing. Does he have a big lawsuit against the Cosmopolitan? Yes, yeah. The Cosmopolitan kicked him out, and he's suing them. So he's he's uh, he's very active again. He's over seventy, but he's he's over he's very active again. And talk about a guy that fell from grace, Jesus! Yeah, I remember seeing him in the, the Naked Gun films, and I thought, "What a likable guy!" So I was like, "Yeah, I'm watching these films, and go, wow, OJ can act too!" Like I was. Uh... Well, I, I used to watch the Fat Albert cartoons when I was a kid. I used to love some of that shit from Bill Cosby. Well, you're about Bill Cos- I thought you were talking about OJ. Well, I'm just you know you're reminiscing about stuff okay. that you used to watch with him. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. Well, it's, it's very sad. You know, you know what actually caused this? Uh, Bill Cosby, what he he kind of did it to him. It probably would have come out anyway. But what was really pissing off? Like it was a black comedian who who really outed this. Like he was doing a comedy routine and talking about Cosby and, and the rape allegations that had been. A lot of people around Hollywood had heard about them, but like people just weren't really talking about it. But what was pissing off a lot of black people is that Cosby was. Always bashing other black people for for uh, you know, for not speaking well for for a lot of black men going to jail. So he was basically saying to the black community, "Hey, you got, you got to be responsible and successful like me, 
stop being such losers. Like he kept saying this to his own people, and a lot of them were getting very angry. And some of the points he was raising were actually correct. Like, like he was he was bringing up valid criticisms that they should within the community be rejecting a lot of the destructive behavior. But uh, but he was he was doing it in a way that was, it was really kind of kind of offensive and getting a lot of them angry at him. So a lot of black people didn't like him, and so it was a black comedian who brought out, "Hey, this guy's all acting all high and mighty, criticizing us and criticizing all other black people." What about you? You're a rapist. <laughs> so, so then that uh, – and then with, with Cosby, the dumbest thing was he or I assume someone who worked for him from his Twitter account put out a picture of himself that, go ahead, meme me. So like for people to make memes of that picture right oh, around the no. time this came out. So, of course, all these people started making rape memes about Jell-O pudding pops and rape and like a, it just exploded from there and then everyone started sharing it on the internet and that really woke everyone up to the – thing that was going on and then it just all collapsed from there so uh i got a message from one joey ingram so right around the time i said we're going to have him i said we're going to have him on at 11 p.m pacific time it is 10 55 p.m pacific time as i record this and uh and and perfectly we're even right up to this topic on the agenda everything everything fell into place so we're going to call up chicago joey before he was going to come on the show, I was going to just play Chicago Joey talking about this, but I think it's much better to have the live Joey talking about this rather than play videos of him. Uh, but if, if after he's on, if we if I need to reference what's on there, then I will play the videos too. Uh, if you are listening to this show in the archives, what you can go do, if you want to watch the videos first before it comes on here, you can pause it and just go to his YouTube channel, which is Joey. Ingram 1, or no, Joe Ingram 1. Joe Ingram 1, J-O-E-I-N-G-R-A-M 1. And you can see his latest two videos. It's very obvious which two. One was released today, one was released a few days ago, both about the America's Card Room cheating situation. And I even have something to add that I'll ask him if he knows, but I, I have something to add to this whole thing, something that was told to me about one way that cheating might be taking place there that he may not even be aware of yet. So I'm going to bring that up to him as well and see if I can add another piece of the puzzle because someone came to me with something that uh, I found to be interesting. While I have not verified it, I think is credible. So uh, connecting him on... I wonder if he's going to connect on video or just on audio. I told him it's an audio show. We'll see if we can reach him. Chicago Joe, are you there? Shows he's there. Damn it! I, I knew this was not going to work. I knew there's going to be some problem. There's, there's always a problem. I, it just doesn't work for us. Okay, I'm, I'm going to hang up on him. Try again. Oh, here we go. Hello, hello. Oh, Chicago Joey, is that you? Is that you? Yeah, brother. Hold on. Let me put these headphones in here. One second, man. All right, beautiful. All right. Um, make this work here. Sounds la- Where are you right now? Sounds like, like a crowd's behind you. What the hell is going on here with this? Have you guys seen that Cosby stand-up he does about, uh, what were they called, the Spanish fly? No. All right, cool. I got it working. Okay. All right, so uh, so Chicago Joey, welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. It's the first time you've ever been on this program. In fact, this is the first time I've ever spoken to you directly. I think this is the first time we've spoken directly. I mean, I feel like we've kind of 
you know, like chat at uh, random times on, on like Twitter or something like that. But yeah, I think this is, this is the official time, official first time ever, my friend. It's uh, it definitely, you definitely go way back in the industry, man. I got a lot of respect for anyone that's still out here kind of kicking it and especially making content now. You know what I mean? I know how, I know how just that, to be able to do it for that long of a time, you know, I think it, it takes a special kind of kind of person for the most part. So yeah, I man, it's definitely nice to be able to chat with you here officially. And we have like a we have an actual sort of thing happening too, which is yeah, that's uh, this you know, right? One one of our listeners uh, told you that he'd like to see you on here, and he said yes. And I said, oh great, I can you know, have Joey on this show. And you know, I I wish that I had even like uh, half the audience you do. So. Uh, Matt, so I, I, yeah, I, I'm I mean, very impressed with with what uh, you've done here because very quickly you you rose up and and, and got very popular with these uh, I don't know we call them video blogs or whatever you do there it's uh, people love them and you have such a, a large audience because poker is not a very large audience to begin with it's a it's a niche market so to have as many people as you do I, I found to be very impressive especially in the the time you established it but where are you right now it's kind of loud where you are yeah I think I think a lot of that's just from you know, having good guests. Like when I first started off, I, knew, I had a lot of friends that I played with too. So I think a lot of times I just really leveraged the other guests that I had and their popularity and their audience as well too. So while we were both known for you know playing PLO at the time or playing poker, I think if you, I guess if you try to, you know, if you try to get certain guests on or certain people on or talk about certain topics that might gain more, I guess like, I don't know, more of a mainstream audience than... You know, it becomes a little bit easier to build up that, build up the audience from that standpoint. From just like if you're interested in pure numbers or views or listens or whatever. Wait, uh, and Joey, Joey, you tell them. You're not throwing no softballs. You tell Drew. <laughs> oh my God! I, I just told my friend that too. I was talking to her and I said, uh, I said, yeah. She said, oh, like, what's the podcast? I'm like, yeah. Well, the, you know, like their community. I always talk about how I'm such like a fucking softball pitcher. When I ask people, I'm never going to ask someone the hard questions. And listen, guys, if we had fucking Phil. Or one of these people on my podcast right now, there would not be no fucking softball questions being thrown. But for sure, hey, there would be questions Joey, being asked, man. Come on. Joey, I, I defended you every time. I don't know if you remember me, but you, I'm, I'm, I'm better known as Austin to you, I think, from well, that I, crazy I, I, Ohio I, poker game. Oh, well, listen, of course I, of course I know you, my young friend. All right, and, cool, cool. And to be fair, I do throw. I'm not, I'm a, I'm not like... A mean, you know. I feel like maybe Todd got a little different style than me. You know, he's going for the jugular. He's going for like, you know, you're calling, you're calling Todd a dick. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, it's not. I, call him I don't asshole. think it's even. I don't even think it's that. I think it's just you, you have a different style of, of sort of trying to get a guest to open up. And for myself, I'm not really trying to necessarily get to the bottom of a case or trying to like, all right, motherfucker, tell me. It's more like I, I when I you know when I'm trying to ask a question, I'm, I'm not forcing someone to answer. I, I don't even if they want to be honest or if they want to lie, if they want to give me their version of what the truth is to them and they want to not be perceived a certain way when they come off on my show. Like, I feel like for me, that's not really style I want to I want to do and I want to go upon. But I I'll, I'll let you in on a secret. Maybe, maybe it's let... just not I haven't had the right guests to do with that, though, because I feel like there's certain guests right now where I, I would I, I wouldn't take that approach with them. Well, I'll let you in on a secret about Druff. He's what a perfectly nice guy. Mm hmm. Until you're someone that is costing him more than two dollars and fifty cents on something, and then he will just fucking nail you to the wall. It's all over. <laughs> he doesn't care if you're a single mother working double shift at a restaurant Jesus. somewhere. If you bring him uh, a meal that has parsley on it and he asks for no parsley, uh -huh. it's, it's over. You're gonna lose your job. 
<laughs> right. he, must, he must hate the strip clubs then, man, because they might they're costing a lot of money at the strip clubs if he weren't there. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't go to them. It's a good point. I'm not, I, even even before I was with uh, my girlfriend, I wasn't a strip club person. But uh, so so Joey, how long have you? How long do you go back in poker? When when did you really start playing poker seriously? A long time ago, two thousand and seven. Two thousand and seven. Now you were kind of kind of long ago. Yeah. Were, were you like twenty one at that point? I was twenty two at two at that point. Okay. Yeah. Or twenty twenty one. I started twenty one at the casino, losing all my money, and then wanting to die, and then I started playing online when I was twenty two. Yeah. See. So this is we got the old people on this show. This is this is the show where everybody's over forty five. So you're you're the youngster for us here. But uh, Damn, man. yeah, I I I, re- I go back to uh, to o- early oh one. I was on the very early days of online poker. Not the very earliest, but but pretty early before the poker boom and all that. So it's a uh, you know I've seen a lot happen. And uh, where are you by the way? It's it's very loud where you are. Where where are you at the moment? What's with this signal? Can you hear well, us? You at a bus stop or something? Yeah. Where are you right now? I am. I am at the win at the win poker room. Or I'm sorry, the win uh, right now. There's the no win. one walking around there with their dick hanging out, is there? Yeah, like. like uh, let, let me look around. Is there anyone with their dick hanging out walking around the win? Uh, no, I don't see, not see anyone currently right now. Have, that, have you heard those way. allegations about Steve Wynn? I have heard the allegations about Steve Wynn. Yeah. Yes, I was actually with people that work at the win. Work for the win tonight. And um, they're very big fans of Steve Wynn, so I, I oh. will. I will. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of sucks. Steve Wynn's a did legend it, of Las Vegas. Did any one of them see his dick? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I was going to ask the women I was with if they got to actually see Steve Wynn's dick or if they were sexually harassed by him. But yeah. I decided tonight was not going to be the night I asked them that okay. question. All so, right. fair enough. So, so about this America's Card Room thing, and that's that's the main reason we have you on because I, a lot of people were surprised that. Uh, you know, to, to see you, of all people, coming out and saying that uh, there's all this malfeasance on what is the big, one of the biggest, uh, one of the two biggest American-facing poker rooms at the moment online. Uh, right. That that you know they'd expect this from maybe someone who's a long-time losing player, or a fish, or or a conspiracy theorist. But they say, hey, if it's coming from Joey, it, it's got to be something pretty credible. So, uh, what? How long have you were you suspecting something was going on? Well, I mean, I think you've always or always think about the botting, potential botting going on. I mean, I've been thinking about that for years. I've been playing online poker essentially. You're always sort of worried about it, potential collusion. And you know, there were some bots on PokerStars Popman Omaha a couple years back that were the biggest winners on the site, took out over a million dollars minimum in the games. And you know, so you're always aware that it's probably existing. So, and on ACR, like, I've always thought there was bots in the games for sure. But, you know, you're not, I'm not super suspicious of it just because there was a lot of also fun players, too. And there's a lot of regulars who you could tell you just you either knew them or they just played like actual normal people. So I feel like now I've played enough hands of poker in Omaha where I, I can they can normally tell who has a, a, a natural human dynamic, who's making adjustments in session and... When you're playing a lot of tables with someone, you have a pretty good feel for you know, what, what just what something real feels like just from playing so much. So I've always kind of been on the lookout or thought about it, but I try not to obsess about it because it'll drive you crazy. And instead of you trying to get better at poker, a lot of times you might just justify it by saying, oh, I'm good, but I'm losing to bots or I'm losing to cheaters or whatever. So I never really, you know, I just 
don't let myself get too carried up and wrapped up in it. But sometimes, I guess, you know, over these last few months, and I've always suspected there was some sort of collusion going on at high stakes, but obviously that just sounds, you know, there's no way to prove anything like that. And I've talked with others who felt the same way, but I didn't really think much about it. And then, you know, over these past, I guess, like a month or two, something about the games on ACR, I, I don't really know how to explain it. It just seems like the botting with these type of accounts that would show up and play all the tables and then also play like reasonably well, which is not that common for just like these new guys to show up at 50 cent dollar and one, two and just play all the games. It just, it's not like it's something that it's just not how it's ever really been on that site for the most part. It's just never been that way. So I feel like that started to shift. And then also I noticed a lot of the fun players, those same guys, there was like a nice mixture, but a lot of those guys went away and they were replaced by these random accounts that would show up that were maybe, you know, six, 17 or 16, 2016, 2017 registration date. It just sort of like, I don't know what is about them. They didn't, it's not like you'd think they play that well in terms of their stats, but like they just seem to play pretty well post flop. I'm not really, I just, it's like very strange, just felt weird. And then with these, you know, I mentioned the potential super using account or potential super users on there. And then it's, I started really paying attention to playing with these, these really weird accounts who I was like, these guys cannot be winning pre- with these pre-flop stats, but you just would never end up getting value from these counts. There's just something you would never be able to get a river value bet from them. You'd think they're playing so wild, but when you get all in, you, you end up losing against them every time you'd actually get all in pre-flop in a, in a spot you think's good or on the flop or on the turn. You're just like, you know, what's kind of happening here? And, you know, obviously it could be variance. It could be a sample size, but to me, it really felt like it was more of something to, to take notice on. And then, you know, there was a couple accounts, but this one account specifically from Turkey with no city that showed up. And, you know, I was already kind of like on more alert, but he sat down like, a, you know, at a one, two game with me at this time. And something just incredibly fishy happened, like three hands in a row. This guy made just these awful plays. I'm like, I was like, I'm already like on alert. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. So then the third hand happens. I'm like, I, I know, I know I'm going to lose this hammer to sky. Just, this is like, this is the trend. This goes with these accounts on here. And then I get in with aces. He's got some terrible fucking four card hand and, and, and end up stacking me. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to not, I think this, you know, it seems like he should be awful, but I've just seen this been happening a lot lately. So I watched him play that later that session. He moved up to three, six, then he moved up to two, four. And I played with him at the two, four gable at a full table. Then it, I, it broke down to shorthand. I sat, I sat out cause I didn't want to play him. I watched him play heads up against this guy. He played for, I mean, 45 minutes minimum, something like that. And played solid. There was no swings at all. There was no anything, no fluctuation in chip stacks. Just like, I'm like, all right, you know, like, Obviously, I don't know what this guy's doing, what's happening. And then he went to sit me heads up. And I was like, oh, man, I've, these motherfuckers, they're going to, this is what, this is what's going to happen here, huh? Like, this is what's going to happen. So he sits me heads up and I'm like, I'm going to play two hands. I'm going to sit out. First hand, he min three bets me. I go, come, I just watched this guy play solid poker for past hours, never making a mistake. And now all of a sudden this guy's in here, min three bets me heads up. Of course, I flop a very good hand. I'm like, I could, you know, I'm like, well, I probably should just call here and just fold any river. I don't prove my hand, but I, I had a hand you, you can always just go all in on the flop with. And so he bet the flop. I raised. Of course, he stacked me with bad kings. And I'm like, all right, this motherfucker. So pretty much from that point on, I've been like, I am dedicating my energy to looking into this. And then very soon after that, I got a message about an account who was, uh, he was create my own energy account who was alleged to have been also the green spirit account where this guy sent a very detailed report 
on his experiences where this player asked him to collude at cash games with him and also talked about his own experiences watching this player play on more than one account. And I think there was actually two account, uh, two other accounts that, that he included, so it's three totals, Craven RNG and two other accounts. So with the combination of my suspicion of, of bots and just the rampant bots sort of stepping up at the lower stakes, the combination of me feeling very weird about these accounts I was playing with and then the combination of this information being sent to me about colluding at high stakes pot in omaha and also in the tournaments i was just like man this is just this is fucking and it was just on my mind for so long i've been thinking about it, obsessing about it talking with friends about it about should i put this out there should i say and i messaged the guy phil acr ceo uh you know he got back to me six days later i said i'm gonna make a video about this stuff about i think there's widespread cheating going on with botting these potential super using and the colluding in these games and i'm gonna make a video much you know i'd like to talk to you about it first and he messaged me back six days later and I, to me i mean that that shows me where your head's at that shows me that to me i, I that just tells me all i really need to know yeah so yeah. i end up making the video a little bit later and um and yeah that's the, that's where we're at right now okay so uh, let me uh, cover a few things here so uh, first, for those of you listening, when, when Joey talks about a fun player, he's referring to like a recreational player, a type of player you'd want to have in the game. So just for those of you that didn't understand that, that's what he meant. Uh, and so uh, these are a few different and separate allegations uh, of the, the collusion and botting. That's, those are separate, but they, they can be associated. You know, bots can also collude with each other. So uh, that can right. often go together. Super using is, is different. That doesn't require uh, collusion or botting. If, if you're a super user, you can even be uh, a bad poker player. And if you can see all the cards and you're playing against a very good guy who can't see the cards, you're, you're still going to kill him. Is that such a gigantic advantage to be able to see everything? So, so th- like like the super users who beat me back on Ultimate Bet and, and Absolute Poker, these were not even good poker players. These were the owners of the site who didn't know how to play poker very well, but they didn't need to because they could see so well. So, uh, so, so my question is here: uh, the super using. I just, I just muted him for a second because I'm pretty loud there, but he can still hear me. Uh, the super using. The that would be separate. That would be actually something coming from within, unless this account was hacked in some way. But I don't think it was. So it, that would probably be coming from within America's card room, where they're actually cheating their own players. Where whereas the botting and collusion, that would re- likely be players not associated with the network, and the network for whatever reason either doesn't care or is just too incompetent or apathetic to do anything about it. So. Uh, are are you how is let's start with the super using how sure are you that there really is super using going on yeah i mean you know whether like i said whether it's super using whatever it is to me right now my whole point wasn't you know i think people said like you got hard evidence on, on that thing and the video i put out today i had hard evidence for that because these accounts have been banned for what you know when that came up but in terms of that man you know if i I've, how firmly i believe it I firmly believe 100% something fucking weird is going on with this account and other accounts. I don't think it's just, you know, whether that's actual super easy. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it's capable of. I don't know what people, I don't really know what could possibly go on. And when I initially made it, it was with the intention of drawing awareness, potentially something happening in these different situations. But after dealing with America's card room and their process, I, I have absolutely no faith that these guys will either be able to ever police this on their own and ever be able to properly get rid of it to begin with. So when it comes to this, there there is really no win. If there's a super user on there, they're not going to tell me. They're not going to say, oh, that was a super 
per user account. Right. There's no way I'm going to be able to really verify it. There's no way I'm going to be able to prove it. There's no way I'm going to have evidence on there. But when I put this out there and I say this, there are many other players who come along and say, yeah, man, like I felt very weird on this site playing as well, too. And now, you know, these are players who are winning players on the site who. So it's not like these guys are some losing crazy guys on there say that. But I think when it comes to that, you know, I don't really know. I don't know if I'm going nuts. It's just something I've never felt before. It's something I've never experienced with with playing online poker myself against these accounts. And like I said, my point to draw awareness and I was hoping they would do something about it, draw in a deep investigation. And I don't think that's going to happen now. So from this point on, you know, I'm just going to say what I believe. And yeah. if that, I don't recommend anyone play on that site for the foreseeable future at cash games tournaments, is just a lot of bad Americans on there. So at least you got a shot potentially win, even with these, you know, who knows what's really happening in the tournaments on there, but I'm still never going to recommend anyone play on the site in, in the near future, no matter what. And as this is going to be proven to be true or not true, it doesn't matter. I don't, I don't ever think it will be either way yeah, uh, with, if, with if, what we're dealing with right now. If, if, so uh, as far as the super using goes with, with the situation uh, on America's card room, uh, before I, I continue, is it true that on America's card room that when a hand goes to the river and there's a showdown, that uh, you cannot, in the hand history, see the whole cards of the losing hand like you can on all other sites. Yes, that is correct. And that is actually something somebody pointed out. I mean, I've known that because I've always wondered that too. But there's been a couple more. You know, I, I've gotten a lot of messages from people. And um, just pointing more things out, man. Pointing more things out. The sit and goes. Uh, I got pointed out about a Russian and bot ring that was previously banned who are now operating, allegedly operating again with very similar approach and statistics. And these guys in the past have previously been banned. I got a, I got put on to potentially what might be happening with the jackpot sitting goes on there. And they sort of, you know, just kind of wanting people to look more into that too. And then some people pointed out their cash outs and there might be some sort of shadiness happening there with the cash outs and the cryptocurrencies. I don't know much about that. And then also this people said, well, if you thought about maybe looking into why this might be going on and what benefits it might have with the hand histories. And I was like, oh, that's a really good point. You know, I never really put much thought into exactly why they do that. So, yeah, I definitely been thinking more about that today. Yeah, so that, that's a, when this all occurred with, on Absolute Poker and Ultimate Bet back in, uh, in, in 2007, 2008, uh, the way that we came up with it, I was one of the, the early victims of it on Absolute Poker. I was one of the original people who came forward about this, the belief that there was uh, super using going on. The way we did it, of course, people started pooling hand histories and, and analyzing the data and found that the accounts suspected of being super users just never made a wrong decision. They, they never called a river bet when they were losing. They, uh, they they always put in action when ahead, even if it was very unlikely for their hand to be ahead. And they never put in much action from behind, even if it seemed uh, very obvious that they should be putting in more action unless they knew what you had. So it, these people operating those accounts were not very smart. They were super obvious about it, and that's what made it easy to catch them on Absolute Poker after about six weeks and, and prove it. But much like what you're running into, and something I was concerned with, this is what I immediately said, is I said, crap, I can't imagine Absolute Poker admitting to this because it will make them look bad no matter what's happening. If, if, if someone hacked the system, it'll make them look bad. If it's happening internally, it'll make them look bad. So we know what's happening, but they'll never admit it. And it, it took the, the proof with the numbers and the hand histories that were shown. But uh, fortunately, Absolute Poker did show all the whole cards when a showdown uh, happened, so that made it easier. But it could have still been proven without that because these 
accounts were not ever calling a losing bet on the river, which you know, that by itself is just incredibly suspicious. Now, I'm not sure if the ones that are on America's card room uh, are doing that or not. They may be smarter about it, but uh, if that is happening, that would be separate from from all the botting. And I, I it can all be happening together, so I don't want to say it can't be. But but uh, let's let's focus on the the botting and the collusion, which is that's something that's much easier to prove. And I, I see you were already uh, in the video released today. You were you were already showing uh, some very very strange things that were happening with certain accounts involving tournaments. Uh, and, and as far as botting is concerned, this is a problem, which I'm sure you know, especially on small networks or small to medium networks, where sometimes they don't want to chase out very active players who keep games going, even if they are bots, because they, they're, they're getting games to run. They're act, kind of acting like unpaid props. So they, they don't want to get rid of them. And they, they'll do all... I, I battled with this on Bodog going way back, right? One time I played a, a limit hold'em bot on a very suspected limit hold'em bot. I I was able to exploit a glitch in the system to take the button eighty consecutive times against the bot there. So some guy who was a supposedly a supposedly a non-bot, so they claimed, who was a winning player on there and knew that I was a big winning player on there, was willing to give me the button eighty consecutive times. And I said, if that's not proof it's a bot, <laughs> I don't know what is. So uh, nope, they didn't believe me. So. It was very frustrating, you know, trying to convince Bodog at the time that there were bots. They wouldn't ban any of them. These these sites don't like banning bots, especially ones that aren't huge. So uh, I, I can see the the problems you're running into now. As far as the bots, you're uh, what evidence are you seeing that that bots exist on there? So can you ask that one more one more time, Todd? Uh, as, as, He's busy getting a Jack and Coke drop. Come on. Okay. Well, that, that's that's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, we're. Uh, I'm. Uh, yeah. Whatever. This way is. I don't like. Okay. So, what, what, what what's your evidence as, as far as bots? What is your evidence that there are bots on there? Todd, my evidence is as I observed America's card room all constantly with these fucking Eastern European accounts and their play patterns and how they always are playing seemingly two at a table. One, they're they're just they're inundated with the games they are crushing the 10 cent 25 cent 5 cent 10 cent games for the highest win rate over 200,000 hands that is i've ever seen in my entire existence of observing the games there are bots that have been confirmed at the nolan and hold'em games there have been nolan bots reported on the sub forum and wpn on there if you take a look at what is happening with these accounts and and how they work and how they operate in the plo games and the way the style that they play I don't think anyone out there could conclude that there is not something weird going on with these accounts. And it's, it's just, to me, I really do believe that without these bots being allowed, I don't, ECR's cash games and PLO used to be very small to almost non-existent. There was no volume on there. For there now to be a mass amount of volume all the time at one, two, 50 cent dollar, 20 cent, 50 cent, 10 cent, 25 cent, 5 cent, 10 cent. It's just, it just doesn't make much sense to me. There's, there's, to me, I mean, you know, I just actually was sent, I think it was a year or two amount of hands from PLO 10 to PLO 100 that we're going to try to take a look through data and run similar uh, data analyzation that they did to detect the PLO bots that were on PokerStars as well. But, you know, once again, man, this is one of these things, right, where, you know, what, what's the hard proof, right? Well, I mean, I don't know what the really hard proof is outside of the Nolman Hold'em bots being out there, just like these sit and go 
But what's the hard proof here? What is the hard proof of the PLO bots? What's the hard proof of the home bots? You know, I don't fucking know how to figure that out well, right now. If I, if I can so give some su- suggestions here, uh, you know, because what people are going to want to see, what will really kind of scare America's car room, really make them have to well, act. They're, they're, listen, they're already a little bit scared now, I'm pretty sure, Todd. So I, I think they're definitely a little bit little bit worried about the current, uh, current situation. Oh, oh, yeah, that, that's I, I, I'm sure they are. I'm just saying, from from my experience with dealing with all these type of sites, doing this type of thing, and the denials and all that, uh, the, the more hard numbers, the more like like data you collect, and then say right. this is their yeah. win rate. Like I saw your video today about the tournaments, which we'll get into in a little bit, about showing these insane tournament caching rates and and this this exploit that can be used to sit at the same table. We'll talk about all that shortly. But that I was glad to see that because that is like like. Hard stuff, which is very hard for, you know, very tough for America's card room to ever deny that something weird is going on, and how is it going right. on, and how are they not catching it, and, and when they are catching right. it, you know, who, who, you know, who has been refunded, and what's what's really happening, and how widespread is this, and then they can't just say, oh, nothing's going on. They they, they have to address it at that point, or it looks horrible. Uh, so so the the more of that that's out there. Uh, the better, and and that's uh, that's why I was asking on Twitter. You know, can you, can you, the more uh, like proof that's put out there, and, and I know you're just kind of bringing this out there, and you're kind of all collecting it. So I'm, this isn't a, a criticism. I'm just more. No, they only let you get one. Who is that? It's fucking signal in here, man. My God. So who is that in the background? I hear some girl talking in the background. Who is that? Nothing. Nothing. Or nothing. Or nothing. Or nothing. nothing. Uh, we're all, everyone, everyone here, everyone here. Nothing's happening. Nothing to oh, see here. No, okay. I'm just with a group of people. I was a group of people right now. Okay, okay. No, we, we just like to interfere yeah. in everything here. That's why, that's why I need to know these things. But, okay, so. Can I ask, let me ask you a quick question, Joey, if I could. So, sure. you know, I, obviously I wouldn't say I know you well, but every interaction I've had with you, I've always thought you were a real upstanding guy. And at what that being the case, and you keep it real on your your podcast and all that. At what point do you say this is enough is enough? Like I just I can't trust playing anywhere online. Yeah, I mean that's where I'm at. I don't trust play. I'm not going to play anywhere else online right now. Yeah, I mean Pavada. You know who knows what's happening there. I mean Ignition. I'm there. I'm sorry, ACR. I'm not playing on there anymore. So yeah, I mean I'm I'm not playing more online right now. Maybe WSOP.com here. Maybe the legal sites, maybe the untracked American sites, the browser sites. When I have a really good understanding of who the players are, but I mean, I don't know, man. It's not. I'm better off pursuing my time and energy on doing other other things. You know what I mean? Because it'll it'll sites. yeah. Well, it'll sure. it'll drive you crazy. You know, and, and to the point of distracting you from being able to play well. I would think. Yeah. It, it, it's, I'm sure it does. And by the, as far as the bots, I have a, a uh, question. Are, are you noticing any of the suspected bots playing just insane hours every day, like 20 hours a day, something a person wouldn't do? Or, or are, 20, they sp- are they spreading this no, among not, accounts to where they're not doing that? And, and honestly, it's almost suspicious, Todd, because as someone who's played an insane amount of session, hands and long sessions and long hours, sometimes you're just going to play a long session. And, man, I should not give this fucking scratch away to these guys, man. But... <laughs> I know these fuckers, I know these bot guys are out there watching this stuff. I know that they're, and like, that's why I'm almost hesitant to even make the video today and even talk about, you know, why I know or why I suspect or what, because there's, there's reasons why I suspect the bots. There's reason why I suspect uh, the, super, the the thing is just like, for me right now, it doesn't make sense to really even say like the, I guess, you know, certain thing, even for the tournament video today, I try not to say some things about it outside of just like these obvious things, because these guys I'm assuming are going to watch 
and you know they might not but i'm assuming these people are going to watch i'm assuming and and like i said who knows how deep this goes and who could be involved but you know kind of uh i don't know man it's just it's such a, i feel like i'm like i said I'm, i feel like i'm going crazy right now honestly guys i feel no, like i, I don't think so see I, I think you're onto something that's what i'm trying i i think you're onto something i believe you and that's uh like i i I want this to be outed. I want I want everyone to believe it. I want uh, I, I want there to be the type of intense pressure on them here as there eventually was on on Absolute Poker uh, and Ultimate Bet ten years ago. So uh, because I, yeah. I, I think I think you're right about this, and I think what you're observing, and you know, sometimes you know, just as a a longtime player, as someone who's very familiar with the game as you are, and and, and uh, you know, you start to notice some of these things, especially some of these really crazy things, and you say this couldn't be right. There's got to be something happening here, and uh, so I, I'm glad you've done that, and and the, the more that gets out there, the better. And y- yes, unfortunately, you do risk giving away the way you the ways you've detected them, and then allowing them to hide from it in the future. But unfortunately, that's just something that you have to do. There's not much around that, uh, in, unless the poker site on their own will quietly help investigate. But since it seems like they're stonewalling you here, you're only the only thing you can do is put it out there on your well watched. Uh, video podcast and, and get people to uh you know get players and and people in the community outraged about it which which so far you have everybody's talking about it and uh i, I want to ask you about something there's something i know about that i have not revealed anywhere yet but i wanted to reveal on the show and, and bring it up to you i'm going to keep it uh not super detailed though i can give you more details privately if you like uh i i have i am aware of a way that was brought to me i i Never tried it myself, but it was brought to me. A way that people can easily create multiple accounts that they can use at the same time on the Winning Poker Network. Are you aware of that? Did you, did you get the question? No, I, I my signal is like going okay. in and out. I, I was saying, I, I I'm a, you say something about making multiple accounts. Right, I, I'm aware. I am aware of a way. I'm not sure if you know about it. And I'm, I'm only going to reveal limited details on this show, but I'll tell you privately. I'm aware of a way that people can create multiple accounts on the Winning Poker Network and play them at the same time. Are you aware that that can be done? Oh, yeah. There's a specific yeah. way. I know, there's a specific way I know to do it. That's not even hard. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, outside of the obvious, you just make a different account on different different browsers. Yeah, I mean, that's that's all I really know about how to do that. Yeah. Well, uh, I I will. I'm not going to give out the instructions. Obviously, I don't want people to learn this and and, and do it themselves. But it involves uh, what are what are known as like the agent skins. There's there's there skins to the Winning Poker Network that are not the big well known ones like America's Card Room, Black Chip, True Poker, etc. There are some kind of unknown little sites that feed into it also that you can get accounts on that don't require any kind of identification. You can just create unlimited yeah. accounts on them. And then and then there's ways, once you have those accounts created, it, it, whatever, you can make whatever fake name, you know, John Smith, and then fund it with, with Bitcoin. Uh, you can make tons of those and tons of just fake names you make up off the top of your head. And then there's a way that I won't explain on here to actually log into all of them at the same time on your on one computer and have the network unaware of the fact that it's all the same person. And it's not even that hard. So uh, that's... Wow. wow. Yeah, so th- that's that's very concerning, and that may be what's going on there, in that wow. it's, it's so easy to do this. And the, the big flaw here is the fact that uh, there's no know-your-customer process, that they can you can just create, using this method, you can create unlimited accounts under phony names, 
and never have to prove who you are to either buy in or cash out. Well, I'm assuming that's Poker King for a number of different, for a few different reasons. But yeah, it, that's fucked up. I didn't even know that's. I mean, this is crazy, man. This is what we're this is what we're dealing with, Todd. You've been around online poker a long time, man. This is what we're dealing with now, man. It's just sad. Like this is our best option as an American to play is play on a like. This is what we're have to fucking deal with right now. It's just it's sad, man. It's just like I, you know, it's just damn, man. It's like it ain't worth it to even. You know, I don't know, man. It's crazy. Well, yeah, it's, but it's, it's crazy. worth it. It's worth it to out. It's worth it to make everybody aware of it. If you don't want to play anymore, it's fully understandable. And if you want to make everyone yeah. aware to where they don't play and they boycott it for that reason, uh, then that totally makes sense. And this even affects the lower stakes. Unlike the super user scandal uh, ten years ago, which they only went after the, the high stakes players. Uh, here, they're running. You know, the you know, supposedly running these bots here at, at uh, you know twenty five cent, fifty cent. What was the lowest stakes you oh, saw yeah. these bots? What was the lowest stakes I in Pilo? I I think they, they I think there's one on a uh, five cent ten cent little little Clory, little old Clory and the Clory's ten BB per hundred win rate over at the five cent ten cent PLO tables. I think that five cent ten cent, and then at it, it, no one would hold them. I'm pretty sure they go down to five cent ten cent. I don't know if they go lower than five cent ten. That's amazing! Well. Wow! And oh, then, it's and the sit and goes. It's the three dollars up to eighty dollars. Yeah, so there's no getting away from this. This isn't like the super user where you say, okay, as long as I stay away from high stakes, it doesn't affect me. The, the, these bots, because they can just run and basically print money at the lower stakes, they'll, and they, they'll run them a lot at lower stakes, especially because they're, they're considered more under the radar there. So uh, here's, let's talk about the video you released today. Because I was asking, uh, give some proof, give some proof. Well, today you put out a video with, with proof about, uh, <laughs> about tournament colluders, and, and uh, you found a very big exploit in registering for tournaments on that network uh, can you explain what you put out in that video yeah so first of all i gotta i gotta give a shout out to my to the source you know I, like i said i've got a lot of messages over these past few days about all sorts of things and this was this from this one guy and this guy was adamant man he's like four, 44 bars guys doing this bro he's doing this exploit man and he's like check out these other accounts listen to me i'm not crazy listen to me these accounts have been banned man i got 13 accounts banned i've been telling the security I would tell I tell them this till they listen to me. They don't believe me. I had to show them. I showed them, and then so I'm like, all right, bro. Like I got you. Let's, I'm listening to you, bro. I'm listening to you. Give me the names. Let's hear what's happening or what's going on. And he's like, I, you know, he got on the phone. We were we were wrapping it up, and he's like, man, listen, dude, you've got to watch this, Joe. You've got to watch this. These accounts all join at the same time, and depending on you know different accounts or different thing, that there's might be a, a bot. They might be a ring together. It might be, you know, if there's regulars doing it, they might dump chips to each other. But there are these guys that are going to join the table. They'll tink down on their decisions each time. And then sometimes they'll all be at one table and just all stall down to the money. Sometimes they'll just be at five at a table but play regular. I don't know if they're card sharing or if they're botting or whatnot. Then he sends me the accounts that were that were allegedly banned. And then I'm like, these absurd in-the-money cash win rates, 60% plus. Some of these were 80% plus. Two of these confirmed as banned by ACR and Twitter. So then I take a look at the other name. I, I just go searching. I go investigate on Sharkscope. I find, I found like 30 total accounts, maybe like 35, 30, 35 total accounts where it just had these unnatural in-the-money percentages. And digging around them, their player, I'm just like, what the fuck is these go back for, for like a year, or even more than a year minimum? There are accounts that used to be sleeper sell free roll agents that got activated who played thousands of free rolls who are now 70% in the money finishers in these tournaments that just all of a sudden came back to life 
yeah, four you accounts may- banned, and that, it's just it's it's crazy, man. Yeah, these yeah. guys are just winning so much money with these absurd stats and win- it's just yeah, what that's what's happening. And man. I wanted to talk about that here. So so first of all, this exploit, if I understood it correctly from watching your video. Uh, if when a tournament has already started and there's a, and they're seating people at a new table because the, you know they had to open a new table because there's more people registering, uh, you're saying that if, if you register like a bunch of people right at the same time for that tournament that they'll all get sat at the same table. Yeah, basically, if, if you if you if us three if we want to go play at a table, we would go look at ACR lobby when the tables are nine or six at full, whether it's on break or late registration or when it gets down to the end of late registration. All we'd have to do is when it gets there, we all enter the table at the same time and we're going to be next to each other at that table. And now obviously you guys can understand if you're a smart guy, I, if I'm, so I'm never going to get caught. If I was doing this at tournaments, I would do it in, so, in all these micro spots. I mean, I feel like I'm giving away now for these guys to do, but I'm never going to get caught doing this thing. Maybe sometimes it might just be I have two or three counts at a table and I know the cards. Maybe sometimes I might decide to dump some chips one time. Maybe sometimes you might dump, uh, dump chips rebuy. So this is from the smart perspective. And then when you go into what's happened with these accounts, which is like a whole nother web of things, I mean, it, it's, yeah, you could just tank down and you give me four accounts and my goal was to play three. It's, I don't, it's yeah, that's what's happening right now. And, and these accounts have been banned, but the loophole's still open. We could go do this. Last night I watched it take place. So, so you're, ta- and you're talking about, when you say sit down at the table, you're actually saying like, like register for the turn, wait till the late registration, wait till the table is open with maybe like four open seats, and then all four people say, No, I no, want- no, no. You wait till the tables are all full, and then a new table will open when you register, and you'll be the first person to sit there, and your friends or be the second, third, or fourth person. But, 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 the, but the key is all to register together like right at the same moment. Exact yes, at exactly the same moment. Correct. Okay, okay. Once so, the game, once the other tables are full. Yes, and so then, so then, as he, as Joey was saying here, then once you have your own guys all at the same table, that's an incredible advantage because, uh, as he said, you can you can dump chips, you can share whole cards, or even if you're getting close to the money, uh, each player can play as slow as possible to to, yes. to, to stall, stall, stall the money. So you found accounts, many of whom were banned, and so what what percentage cashes in these tournaments? Like ten percent, typically. So I think from looking at that, most of the uh, tournament players have about somewhere between 27 and 33, 35% cashes in the money over samples. These are, you know, the bad, the, the worst ones are going to have lower than 27%. So some of the accounts, 25, 24. And then, yeah, these accounts are all over 50 min, basically. So 50 min for the low end guys, and then they go up to 85. But, but in these tournaments, in the tournaments they're playing, what percentage cashes just in general? What? Um, you know, it's a good question. I'm not. I'm not actually sure. I have to go look into. Um, you know, look into what that what that looks like there. But I, from the other accounts I looked around that were playing in these ones, it looked like they were about that same 33 percentage. Okay, so so they are they are cashing a lot of people you know, a lot more than like uh, other tournaments with like 10 percent. Here you're saying like a third of people cash in these tournaments, but but still for, for to go from that to 83 percent is insane. So yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, I couldn't find I couldn't find anyone else at these rates. I looked at regulars of all ca- all caliber bad regulars good regulars the best regulars i i found nothing close to anything like this yes so that's so that and then a lot of them were banned too so it's not even just you guessing that there's something going wrong obviously something yes right and that and that's what it, that's what you know confirms it for me when these guys are banned well then that's confirmed that's this something's happening here why would they be banned why would all these counts be banned yeah and that's a terrible so, that's a terrible bug they have there to allow people to be able to sit together at the same table for for you know many reasons that have been discussed so uh, and then you, you mentioned the free roll sleeper account. So I, I, that was the most interesting part of the video to me was was that 
Joey showed that there were accounts that did nothing but play free rolls and weren't even very good at them, and then then would go dark for a while and then just suddenly reactivate and then start playing real money and killing it at like the seventy or eighty percent cash rates. So, <laughs> what the fuck, man? Honestly, yes. what the hell? So, like, so come on, yeah. So that's that. That's some hard evidence that he showed in today's video. That, that he put on his channel on Joe, Joe Ingram one, and that's the type of stuff that that yeah, America's card needs to answer, and and also they need to answer how could they be so stupid to allow this this exploit here to where people you know, who all register at the same moment uh, late can all be plopped at the same table and have a massive advantage if they want to cheat or collude with each other, or if it's all the same person, that's especially uh, becomes easy. So. Right. So yeah, these these are big flaws there. So even in, you mentioned before, maybe they can play tournaments. Uh, no, because <laughs> there's, there's this going on, too. And now if it's a huge yeah. tournament, if there's only a small percentage of the people doing it, then it's not going to have a huge effect, but it's, it's still cheating. It's still an effect. It still shouldn't be happening. Exactly. Listen, Todd, I'm happy that, that you know, you, you definitely, you clearly get what I'm coming from. You've been around for, like I said, you dealt with the absolute poker. I don't even know how you, that was, that, that whole story is just insane. If no one's seen that and really research absolute poker and go watch the ultimate beat, watch, learn about ultimate bet, like, People used to say to you, oh, we're crazy. You guys were nuts. And then Absolute Poker, this is how they got caught. People don't know. These dumb motherfuckers, they sent a hand, they sent a tournament hand history reports, all the hands for everyone, for everyone at the table by accident to a player. And that's why the, con- that's like the concrete way these guys got caught. There's yes. no disputing that. Like, that's, think about it. That's how you got to catch these guys. They got to fuck up so bad where the site set, like, it's, it's like it's it's but i mean it's what it is man this is, this is where we're at this is what it is well, and um and yeah i don't know but like yeah you know what with, with this uh you know and kind of what i want to put out the video today was is that i just want to give people an idea of what we're working with here so this is the very this is the easiest exploit of all time okay this is just simple this is easy straightforward this is rocket science so these accounts weren't caught by acr these accounts were caught by a rogue guy who just cared a lot so without this rogue guy, these guys would never be count. That this would never be changed. It would still be ongoing. So now, if we can't count on ACR to fix this issue and catch these players, how can we ever count on them to fix and catch issues with bots, with super users, and with colluders? To me, that shows that we have. There's no chance these guys have any any way to be able to do that. And you know, I think that's the biggest takeaway for me is just like if this is going on and it's allowed to happen, then how can we ever put faith in these guys to be able to do anything? of high level of quality when it comes to these other areas. Yes, and and it, it is true that a lot of times these things have to be reported by the players. Ideally, you think that security catches everything, but uh, PokerStars is very good at their, their but but even they they had they dealt with bot rings that really went on for too long that they should have caught earlier. So it, it's very hard to have perfect security in poker, but especially with a large site, but at the same time, some of these sites like of America's card room size tend to be way too lax and they want to find reasons not to believe reports because they don't right. want to. They don't want to ban active users who are suspected of being bots or colluders or whatever. So they try all as hard as they can to dismiss uh, reports of wrongdoing, even when it's it's pretty clear there is. So the only thing is uh, players can do is really create outrage, really uh, hold their feet to the fire, and force them to be. Uh, it, to give an answer, and Joey, I, I applaud that you, someone who has a uh, a voice that's heard by a lot of poker players because of the popularity of of your YouTube channel, that uh, you can really put it out there and really put pressure on them. And then, so I I encourage you 
to keep the pressure on and keep it hard. And, and then I encourage all the players, all the people listening to this show and all the people who watch uh, Joey's show to, if you play on America's Card Room, to contact them to demand answers. Post on forums you demand answers. Just make it clear that everyone's getting pissed off and then they're going to have to address it. The, the more noise that's made, the higher chances that America's Card Room will finally address this and give some kind of answer. And if the answer sucks, then keep pressing them and say, no, 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 no. We want a real answer here. And we want something done. And that's, that's the only way things are going to change. Great idea. I, I actually really like that idea a lot, Todd. I, 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 I should have thought, you know, and obviously people are kind of doing that. They're voicing an opinion, but maybe push them to really kind of do that. I think that's a great idea. You know, maybe that'll, maybe that'll help. Maybe that'll help them see all these comments. And, and honestly, maybe it'll help other sites out there, too. Because after this gets done, man, I don't know. Let's see what else is out there, Todd. Let's see what else is going on out there. Oh, man. yeah. Let's... let's, let's the, pr- the problem see. is the problem is whenever there's a lot of money at stake and whenever people can uh, write computer programs or, 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 or cooperate to cheat, there's always going to be a certain percentage of, of the population that just wants the easy money. They don't care if they have to cheat to get it, and they'll do it. And as long as there's a way to do it, they'll do it. And it's, wor- it's worth taking the chance to do Even if they get some accounts shut down and they lose the money, uh, as long as it's lucrative, they'll keep doing it. And uh, it's, it's up. if the sites don't want to police themselves, then the players, unfortunately, have to police them. And that's the way... Unfortunately, online poker has always been. So, well, this is our world, buddy. This is our world we're in. So, it is. We got to make the we got to make the most of it here. So, so yeah, man, I appreciate you. Uh, you know, I appreciate you guys having me on up here. And definitely, definitely nice to nice to chat with you. And I guess uh, you know, yeah, man. If anything happens here, if you ever want to talk more about it, you know, just hit me up, man. Hit me up whenever on Twitter. Hit me up on Skype, and just let me know, man. Happy yeah, to, happy to chat with you whenever. Yeah, I, I think I'll. I'll, I'll let you know in case you want about the these uh, multiple accounts of the way that there are, people are able to do this because they, you, you may want to know that as well. I'll give you more detail. I, just, I don't want to put it, the details out of here on this radio show and yeah, then, no, and sure, then, have, and then have people sure. have people uh, abuse it. Not th- I, I think my listeners are all, all, all fine, upstanding citizens who wouldn't do this. But <laughs> okay, so anyway, Joey, th- thank you for coming on. And if, if you ever if you ever can't find any guests for your show, I'd be happy to come on there myself and uh, and ch- chat oh, me on there geez. about whatever. Listen, you got it. Hey, you can't close mouths. Don't get fat. No, I've definitely thought, you know, me and Todd, I've, I've, I've thought about having Todd on before too, but I, I, I feel like like in the past seven months, I haven't really done too many guests. You know, I've kind of just, I've kind of been trying to figure out what I want to spend my time on. And I thought it might've been more poker, but man, I come back to this and it's like, this clearly can't be what I put my life into and what I spend my time and make my main goal. So I'm kind of trying to figure out what my direction is going to be with everything. And well, Joey, that, that's Todd, what I was going to say to you. Cause I've watched some of your recent videos and i can kind of tell that if if i were someone that made my living playing online poker i would be doing what you're doing which is trying to figure out what i'm going to do next because it's just it's a mess it's just a complete cesspool you know and you're 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 a smart talented guy man i i mean you don't need to deal with this shit (laughs) well i i wish i didn't yeah i just love Love, I love playing poker for better or worse, man. I just love playing Pot in Omaha. I love competing. I love playing against having like a fair chance, man. You know, that's what, well, I, that's I, what I, I want. Get that, I get that, but you chance. gotta, yeah. yeah, I get that, but you gotta, if you have no confidence that you're actually playing fair and square or you're playing humans for that matter, yeah, I mean, where you know what I mean? Like, where right, is the yeah. where is the challenge then? You know, oh, believe me, that's what I. That's just the question I've been asking myself for the last month or two. I mean, like you said, with yeah. the videos you've seen, where my video direction's gone, it's just this, I'm thinking about this all the time because it, it goes from being my main focus in life to to now. It's like, well, I don't think I don't think they can realistically be a 
possibilities. So it's just, I don't know, figure it out, man. You know what I mean? Figure it out. And, and in the process, you know, hopefully try to create some poker content people out there enjoy. And, um, and yeah, kind of just keep, keep, keep at it, man. Keeping at it, you know, so what we can do, keep at it. Yeah. And, and, uh, so a question about you, you're called Chicago Joey, but right now you're in Vegas. Do you live in Vegas or Chicago or somewhere else? I definitely live in Las Vegas now. No more Chicago for me. Oh, no more Chicago. All this time I thought you were actually in Chicago. See, that shows you how much I know. Uh, well, I just moved out here in June, so it's, it hasn't been too long. I've been officially Las Vegas with me. Oh, man. It, 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 for some reason, this kind of bothers me. I, I kind of, I, I just always pictured you, like, I, I even see on your YouTube channel, you have, like, this, this banner with a Chicago in the background. I just, it just, you being in Vegas is so unnatural to me. I just, yeah, I, I'm, I'm I, having that, a hard time processing it. Yeah, the, that, the Chicago me with the banner, that is, that, that background's left in Chicago at my uncle's house. So that background will not be existing anymore in any of my videos ever again. Really, okay. and I will not be living in Chicago. I doubt ever again as well, too. So why why did you give up in Chicago? Is it too cold? Yeah, man, it's just cold. Vegas is amazing, man. You know, the Strip here is just like it's just the most to me. It's one of the most unique places in the world. It's just so much history, so much energy out here when you're on the Strip, man. Everyone is there's a lot of poker players in the community and business people that live here. Everybody comes to town, and you can get to see your friends, get to see people that you know from, you know, the, the poker world. They're just people I've met along my life road, I guess. So, so yeah, man, I love Vegas. It's, it's awesome. I love it here. That that is true. Living in Vegas, when I, I was there for eight years, uh, you, you you really get uh, an opportunity to see a lot of people that live elsewhere because everyone visits. So, yeah, people who live in other states, they just always seem to come. So that that was one nice thing I remember there. So okay, Joey. Thanks for for coming on the show. Good to have you finally. And uh, you know, I'm going to keep spreading the word about this thing, and I'll be following your your situation with it. And uh, uh, ho- hopefully, we'll get some answers here. Hopefully, we'll find out what's going on. Yeah, man. I appreciate that a lot. So I, you ever need something, man, or if you ever, you know, like I said, want to chat about something or whatever, feel free. Get in touch with me, man. I appreciate uh, you know, the listeners out there who even proposed the idea for tonight. And you know, man, and obviously, you can tell I'm pretty fired up about this particular topic so yeah. I, I do enjoy talking about it a little bit because i've just spent so many hours on it and yeah and, 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 and by the way don't think you're crazy like that's what, that's what I, I i dealt with this back in 2007 thinking that i might be crazy about the super users and i wasn't well sometimes you just know sometimes you know it's really happening you just gotta put Fuck aside dude. the doubt I couldn't, I couldn't imagine being you guys back then man it's just i couldn't imagine it no precedent at all i just couldn't imagine it yeah okay well th- thank you for coming on joey and uh very good to have you on the show finally. All right, boys. Take care, man. It's, it's, it's nice catching up with you again, man. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right, brother. See you guys. Yeah. Joey feeling uh, kind of, uh, I can tell you, kind of feel beaten down from this whole thing. I mean, it's, it's, well, you know, it's it's what he's been doing for a decade. And it it probably feels to him like, you know, the the thing that he's poured his heart and soul into for a decade is just, you know, he doesn't know what the hell is going on. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. You know, it's it's like a helpless feeling too. When you, when you see things like this happening and you go, so you go to the site and you go, okay, we've noticed these things. uh, You know, can you guys take care of it? And then they either just don't answer you or, or give you a response. that's meaningless. And you go, crap, who's going to advocate for me? Who's going to stop this? What can I do? So then you go, okay, all, all I can do is go tell everybody. And then, you hope that will do something, and, and it's it's frustrating because there's you're using these sites to make money, and all of a sudden you're going to go, well, what do I do now? Do I keep right playing and try to brave this, or or just give up, or give up? You know, just in principle, 
there's no easy answer to that. And and uh, but yeah, you can tell if you look at his videos, the last two he did here, you can even tell he has like a stressed out look to him in these two videos that he just uh, put out. I I can't say as I blame him. Yeah. So, but one thing I, I won't miss though is the background noise. <laughs> I feel like I I feel like. Uh, uh, oh, it's even worse, Druff. Like, uh, whenever the background noise is playing, just like the sound effects, I can't hear what anyone is saying. Oh, really? Like, yeah. I, I, can't, I can't even hear you talking. Now, you, could you hear me well when I muted everything? Uh, well, yeah, I, I could then. Yeah. But when it wasn't muted, you can't hear anything. Yeah, I know. It was, <laughs> well, that's Skype's problem. But, yeah, he was, sometimes, right. guys, you know, we, we got to do what we can. So this, if this was not something that was time sensitive then i would have said okay you know we'll, we'll call him back some other time when he does not the win with the background noise but since right. this is going on right now and he just dropped a video today showing proof of of this tournament bug which that's amazing that they have this bug that if a new table opens after registration's over basically like re- late registration that just one new table will open until the next one opens so you can just all fill it at the same time with with a uh, Registrations all done together. I mean, that's that's an amazing hole in security there. By the way, don't think if this... there wasn't a, if there wasn't a lot of money involved, it would almost be really funny. You know how incompetent that is. Well, by the way, yeah. uh, in two thousand seven, there was the same bug, but not online in live tournament registration for certain World Series of Poker circuit events. Right. I, pl- I played in one. In uh, it was actually at the Rincon. It's in northern San Diego County. It was at Harris Rincon, 2007. And I only went there. It was a $5,000 buy-in tournament. I only went there because everyone convinced me that there was some other thing going on at the same time that was bigger and that there was going to be, like, no pros over there because all the pros would be at such and such other event. Well, it turned out to be, like, totally not true. There were, like, a lot of really good pros there, and I was very frustrated. But anyway, I, I registered, like, slightly late. I don't know, like, five minutes late or something. And I'm placed at a table that they don't even start it yet because it was actually like me and one other person. But then more people start showing up, and yeah, it was just consecutive registration. So whoever registered late just all got put in that table consecutively. So someone could have stacked that table with all their friends and colluded easily, which I thought was terrible. Like, you should never be able to choose who you play with at a tournament, but there you definitely could have. Uh, I don't think anyone knew this in advance, and the people I was put with, it was, it was a tough table. I was like all these named pros there. That were uh, good name pros, not even like the name pros who were just name pros for dumb reasons, but actually suck. These were like all good name pros, but it didn't last very long. That was the first table to break, but like we discovered that each one of us, we, we like we were all in the registration line together, so they didn't even split the tables up. So now the table didn't last long, so it didn't matter much, but it could have. So that that was I couldn't believe that existed, and I think that went on for a while. I think even the, the World Series of Poker may have had that mistake. The main World Series of Poker also may have had that mistake, too. Uh, it hasn't been like this for many years, but uh, I was very surprised to find that. And that tournament, that tournament broke my heart because I had something happen at that tournament that I've never had in any hand of poker in my life other than this tournament. And here it was, deep, five from the money in a 5K buy-in tournament. And that was flush over flush over flush on the flop. Hmm. Never seen that in my life ever again or before. Have you ever had that happen? Four ways? Did you say floor, no, th- four three, ways? Three, three, flush? three ways, fl- three way flush on the flop. Yeah, well, 
That's I don't very, know. My memory is, is fuzzy because I mostly played PLO. Oh, okay. I've definitely seen it a lot in PLO. Well, yeah, PLO is a different story. But yeah, with with, yeah. with with Hold'em Boy, that's unusual. I've only had it happen once. To flush over, flush over, flush yeah. on the flop. So, and of all things, it has to be late in a high buy-in tournament. Like, that's, I, I think they paid 18. This is like with 23 left or 22 left. Something like, and I, I was uh, obviously not the highest flush there. So it was it was such a weird hand, too. It was me against Shane Schlager against Gavin Smith. And I had Gavin Smith covered, but Shane had me covered. And I had 8-9 of diamonds. Uh, Shane had queen-4 of diamonds, which he played for some reason. And then uh, uh, I think he played really weird. Like he limped, he open-limped with it late or something. And then I think I raised him with the 8-9 of diamonds on the button. And then, then Gavin Smith called it ace-10 of diamonds on the, on the big blind. And the flop came all he's, diamonds. He's a professional. So it all came. Was it, what did you say? It was queen four of diamonds? Queen four of diamonds. He limp limp called. He, yeah, he limp called. Yeah, that's. Uh, I didn't understand that. He, he was he wasn't he was a good player. I don't know why he did that, but he played that weird. But anyway, well, so the flop. I'm not saying he's not a good player, but that's that's a terrible. Play. It was so anyway. The flop comes all diamonds, and I think, oh sweet, please no, yeah, please just no more diamonds. That's all I'm thinking to myself. So it checks around to me. I bet quick call, quick call. Then okay, they both have a diamond, and there's also a straight draw out there. So I think maybe they're drawing for a straight. Maybe someone has a pair. Like, I'm like please no diamond, please no diamond. Well, no diamond, no board pair. Checks to me, checks to me. Well, I'm you know semi short stack. Uh, Gavin Smith is even shorter stacked. He's pot committed no matter what. So given the amount that was in the pot, given that I have a vulnerable hand to any diamond, I had to charge him for this point. Yeah, you know, obviously it was an obvious all in at this point, given what my stack was. I go all in. Snap call, snap call. I go, what the hell? Yeah, that's one of those situations where you're like, what is going on? Like, it was just super snap call. And, and like, especially Shane, like, it was a Gavin had made a little more sense. He was getting very short back. I go, what the hell? And then they turned over. I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. And, and I just left that place. Like, just, I felt like I got kicked in the stomach. It was like, of all times for that to happen, why can't this happen at some, why can't it be just some limit hold'em hand or, or, or some, uh, yeah, early in a tournament. It has to be late right before the money in a 5K buy-in freaking tournament. Why, why can't it happen in a tournament that the PFA forum is staking you, you know? Yeah. The fuck? <laughs> so, why has it got to be your I, money I, I, on the line? Yeah, you are a favorite, too, I think, to win the next three-flush flopped hand, though. So yeah? you lost this one. <laughs> so you got that going for you. Uh, so, as long as you got your lucky shirt on, you'll be all right. But anyway, that's the reason I thought of this. Is that's, that's the tournament I remember that, that this was crazy, where just people... Anyone who got in line after in late registration just all ended up at the same table, and the only the only thing that didn't make it horrendous was the fact that it was the first one to break. So, but we stayed still stayed a little while. You know, it's still a five k buy in tournament. There's not many people busting like right away. So, but yeah, the, you what? what it, no, come on! I was <laughs> I almost made the money. I, 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 just I, kidding! I, I, I would have been the big winner if it wasn't for that damn flush over flush over flush. <laughs> oh, by, by the way, I also had Annie Duke on that in that tournament acting like a bitch to me, which I'm sure you're not surprised. Uh, she didn't know who I was. It just uh, the, the typical Annie Duke. Like I earlier in the tournament, I guess you're right because I was about to bust. Earlier in the tournament, I was very short stacked, and I was like shoved from middle open shove from middle position with a seven. So she was on the button with ace queen calls obviously flop comes seven high and I win. And she berates me for it. Can you believe this? Like yes. Like what <laughs> is like what is it's she, Annie Duke? Of course, I believe. Like it. I was super short stacked. It's not like I. It's not like I did something you know, 
really stupid. It's not, it's not like she. It was like raise, re-raise, and then I went all in with a seven. Like we're totally, you're sure it's totally crushed. I, I open shoved with a seven in middle position when I was very short stacked. Like who wouldn't? I'm sure she would have, but she berates me for it. I, I couldn't believe it. But then uh, what a fantastic segue that is, by the way. It is because we have an Andy Duke topic. This is the most natural segue I've heard in a long time. It's quite good. Yeah. So, Andy Duke, there, there, there's a lot of people who are angry at, at, at uh, CNBC right now. Because CNBC, they, they didn't make a smart choice. And let me preface this with a statement about networks like this. I used to be a big fan of the Captain Janks segments on Howard Stern, where Captain Janks, who was a listener to the show and then uh, got to be well-known for making what Howard called phony phone calls, and Captain Janks, he called himself the Captain Janks, the king of pranks, and he, he would call up other shows, sometimes TV shows, sometimes radio shows, and pretend to be someone that they would want to talk to. He'd pretend to be an expert on whatever subject they're talking about, or pretend to be someone important, whatever he, he pretended to be, whatever he thought would get himself on the air live, and sometimes on, on pretty major shows. Uh, one of the things he did that uh, people really enjoyed was uh, during the O.J. Simpson situation when when uh, I think O.J. Simpson was trying to flee from the police and his Bronco, where uh, he called up pretending to be I think it was Captain Janks who did this. Someone did this. Uh, called up and pretended to be a uh, a witness to the. It wasn't thing. Janks. It wasn't it Janks. Was, That's right. It was the best. Okay, okay. If someone pretended to be uh, a, bla- a black guy with a very obvious, like, fake black guy voice uh, doing this routine of the, oh, OJ, done, done doing this right now. So they're playing this on CNN and, and they're, they're buying it. So I, I always love these things, but especially like Janks, where he pretended to be someone of importance because it showed how people trust the media to be presenting you these so-called experts or, or so-called officials that you just take for granted that they must have researched that they're really talking to the right person, and in reality, they haven't. In reality, they, they do nothing. You just They just take you at face value for who you say they are and, and slap you on the air sometimes with a massive audience. So, yeah, they do almost no vetting. Yes, they, they don't. So then, then even with like a massive audience of millions of people, they'll, they'll still – it's amazingly it – at least back then, it was amazingly easy to get onto these shows uh, just – calling up and saying you're you're someone that they think they want to talk to, then they rush you on there. So what Captain Janks would do is he would be on there and they think they're talking to a mayor or an expert in some subject, and then he, he'd act normally at first, and then he'd sneak in Baba Booey or something else outrageous, and they'd realize, or he'd say something about Howard Stern's penis, and then they, yeah, they wouldn't know what to say. They think they're talking to, like, uh, yeah. having a serious interview, and they say, well, you know, uh, so... What do you think? Do you think this hurricane is going to be moving into the area tomorrow? He says, I don't know, but I think uh, Howard Stern's penis is going to be moving into the area tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that guy was a legend. <laughs> so, and they don't know what – this is live. And it, I love that because he was – not only was it just funny to watch the reactions, but it, it really made a point about how what we think we're watching that we should trust – Maybe you shouldn't because they don't really vet it at all, as, as Calwatt said. So getting back to this thing with Annie Duke, I've noticed that when it comes to poker, they're very uh, lax as far as who they choose as an expert. And if you're just a, a poker player and you're, you have somewhat of a well-known name in poker, then you can be a, a poker expert 
or even sometimes an expert in other things, and they're putting you on because you're a, a poker expert that they think people want to see who, who've ne- who's now branched off into other things. So Annie Duke has been posturing for quite some time as a business expert. She, she, she postures as someone that, uh, you know, she gives speech, motivational speeches, uh, other types of speeches where you're supposed to say, hey, Annie Duke's a big success. I want to Serious be like her. Serious question, Druff. What successful businesses has she run? None. So that's what's funny. She, you're supposed to listen to her about how to succeed in life, not just in poker, but away from the poker table. And in, in truth, uh, the only success she's had away from poker has, has been with the scammy companies, and even those companies failed. So CNBC, a, a guy at CNBC whose name is uh, Dan Schwabel, uh, this is on a, a segment of their website called CNBC Make It, and uh, this is uh, this is an article that was published on February sixth. So it was two days ago, which is a little less than two days ago now. It's at eight a.m. February sixth, and it's entitled "World Poker Champion: Colon Here's How to Make Big Decisions in the Face of Great Uncertainty." And here's how it starts. Once a world-renowned poker player and now a consultant and author, Annie Duke has learned firsthand about making quick decisions, career transitions, and embracing uncertainty. She holds a World Series of Poker gold bracelet, won the 2004 World Series of Poker Tournament Champions, as well as the 2010 National Heads Up Poker Championship. After becoming one of the most prominent names in professional poker, she went out to write a series of instructional books for other players. In her new book, Thinking in Bets, Making Smarter Decisions When You Don't Have All the Facts, Duke explains how to best manage uncertainty and make better decisions. Now, to the average reader, this sounds like a woman who transitioned away from a very successful poker career to become a successful business consultant and author. Someone who just is a superwoman who can do it all, who's just successful in everything she does. I I think her and Dan Fleischman must have the same publicist. Yeah. (laughs) They must. And the funny thing about her book thinking in bets making smarter decisions when you don't have all the facts she makes terrible decisions so let's let's talk about some of the problems that annie duke has had uh she was the one of the faces of ultimate bet until just a few months before black friday so that included way after the super user scandal which you would basically either not comment on or defend them she stood by when ub pretended to have new owners she uh Supported them all the way until, uh, you know, she was the face of the company and she owned part of it. She was, uh, you know, she didn't like to admit that, but the evidence was found that she very likely owned a decent-sized piece of them, as did Phil Hellmuth, and they both bailed out towards the end of 2010. Some people think that they somehow knew that Black Friday was coming. I think it was just a coincidence. That I think it was just uh, they decided to leave at that point for other reasons. But uh, she's more known recently... And she's always very callous and flippant about everything that happened with UB. Not only not an apology, but she she was uh, defending them when these uh, initial allegations came out and was very arrogant and obnoxious about it. But even past that, she also ran the Epic Poker League, which was an epic failure. So the Epic Poker League was something that everyone knew was going to be a fail from the start. Nobody understood how the business model was going to work. So this started in 2011, and the main two people in charge 
were Jeffrey Pollock, who was the former uh, World Series of Poker commissioner, and uh, his job is now held by Jack Effel. And the uh, no, hold on, let's let's slap Brandon on the show here. Is this the fraud show? Is this the fraud show? Is this thing even on? It's on. Hello, Brandon. Are you, are you sure it's even recording? Uh oh! Now you just made me worried. Crap. Let me let me see. Crap. Even on. Oh my! How did the fuck did this happen? This happened again. I can't believe it happened again. No, I'm no. just no, I'm just kidding. It's fine. It's it's recording. So, uh, anyway, we're we're talking about Annie Duke and the and the epic fail poker league. But this started in 2011. Jeffrey Pollock was involved. Annie Duke was involved. They both paid themselves uh, healthy salaries of uh, like three hundred thousand dollars a year. And uh, Matt Savage was a tournament director, but the, the they had that they had that big. Uh, Morality clause, and the first winner was Chino Ream. Yeah, how about that? Huh? <laughs> so, so, yeah, that was that was one of the dumb things that they that they claimed that they're only going to let certain people play if they if they had a, a there's a code of conduct they claimed that they had a conduct for dress behavior and uh, and also their uh, j- reputation. Just, yeah, the, the right, right, their reputation and their history in the poker world. So they had that. Some people said, you know, what is this? This is weird. That got a lot of criticisms in the first place. And then of all things, uh, as, as Brandon just revealed, the very first person to win an event was Chino Reem. <laughs> so, if you know, if Chino Reem is going to win, then why even have a, a code of conduct? Uh, so People might not even know unless you, like, really were in, into online poker back in the day, but there was actually a term. If you sent somebody money online and they never shipped it back, you got chinoed. Yes, yes, and and by the way, they uh, after this outrage, that was the first real uh, controversy with Epic Poker, but with not the last by far. But they uh, he won the first event in August 2011, and shortly after that, everyone was like, "What the hell? I thought you guys have a code of conduct requirement." So then they then they placed him on probation to try to make it look like uh, they were doing something about it. Right, and, and so. Uh, anyway, then then they were pressured to suspend Howard Letterer for for the full tilt thing because this was already this was uh, six months after Black Friday, five months after Black Friday, and then Annie Duke, of course, is a conf- conflict of interest being his sister. Uh, so they uh, anyway that w- that was the first problem, the stupid code of conduct. But uh, a much bigger problem was coming down the pike, and that was they had a million dollar free roll, which was guaranteed to the top 27 uh, leaders as far as the you know the tournaments that had been played thus far that there was to be a free roll for one million dollars for those 27 people and that what that is what really attracted a lot of people to the epic poker league because uh, there seemed to be value in this if you're a good tournament player and if you were willing to play all these tournaments to qualify then you would be playing with only 26 other people to win a prize pool of one million dollars. So this never took place. It never took place because the epic fail poker league fell apart. And this surprised no one because, or at least the falling apart, because it was never clear how the epic fail poker league was supposed to make money. Like it, it was never the, the business plan was horrible. They, they they just somehow had the idea that they're going to buy. 
TV space and uh, and televise these and somehow recoup it through ads. It was this is in 2011. Th- that ship had sailed by that point. So it, it it's uh, in in uh, on February 29, 2012, they filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. It was a company that called, was called Federated Sports Plus Gaming, and they had over $5 million in debts to their creditors, and their assets were under $200,000. And a lot of people got screwed who were owing money, owed money, but yet Annie Duke and Jeffrey Pollock, they didn't give any of the money back that they were paid. They were paid a very nice salary. They never gave back any of it. Uh, and this free roll was canceled. They said, well, sorry, we ran out of money. We're done. We're having no free roll, which is complete bullshit. Now, first of all, I felt that the casino was going to take place. That should have been, they should have at least been responsible. There should have been someone responsible here. The company shouldn't just be able to fold up and say, sorry, you know, we failed. So the free roll that we promised you guys, if you played and finished in the top 27, that's not taking place anymore because that was a big reason people were playing. So a million dollars was owed back to the players that was never repaid, and Annie Duke was such a piece of shit. She took you know this large salary of three hundred something thousand dollars, and she never gave that back. You know, if, if if she and Jeffrey Pollock were good people, they would have said, "Okay, this failed, but we feel so bad what what happened with this million dollar free roll. We're going to give up our salaries, and you can play a free roll for that." No, she, she she and Jeffrey Pollock made a lot of money from this, while the poker players who put up money to play for this, some of whom had lost, you know, many of them had, you know, uh, you know I, I, these were big buy-in events of finishing the top 27, may not, you may not even evade money. Some of these were big buy-ins. Uh, but even if they won, they, they risked a lot of money, and they didn't ever get to play that, that million-dollar free roll. So that's that, that was horrible, and that was never corrected, and that really hurt Annie Duke's reputation. And again, she was very flippant about it. She was never an apology uh, if people didn't hate her before, they really hated her after this. So, at the very least, you can say that Annie Duke is not a good businesswoman. Even if you want to put aside the personal stuff, it's very clear that she's not a good businesswoman. That uh, Not according to CNBC? Yeah, so, so, anyway, but she, just because she claims she's a businesswoman, and because they know she's a known poker player, and a female poker player, which makes it more interesting, uh, they, they just took it, took her at her word. And she, you know, she's publishing a book about making smarter decisions that she learned from poker that translated into business that uh, they published this stupid article. And a lot of people in poker are obviously not very happy. And, and then the this guy who, who wrote the article, this Dan Schwabel, he took a lot of heat on Twitter because he tweeted it out. And then a lot of people in poker saw it and gave very angry responses to it including even mild-mannered people like uh, David Tuckman, like uh, Cal Watt mentioned. But this this is what Danielle Anderson said, you know, D-Moon Girl. She she changed the opening about once a renowned poker player, blah, blah, blah. She's, she changed it to once a renowned poker player and now arguably the biggest disgrace the game has ever seen, Annie Duke, dot, dot, dot. Here, I fixed your article, your opening line of your article. Let me know when you want to interview a decent human being next time. I know people. You're welcome. You know, Druff, I mean, this article looks like one of those fluff pieces that we're talking about, though. It could. I mean, this looks like one of those articles that was written to help promote her book and was probably placed and paid for by a publicist. It's it's very possible, yeah. But the thing is, it's the CNBC. I I mean, I'm surprised they – I guess I'm not that surprised. Yahoo does it, too. You can do the same thing on Forbes. Hey, listen. 
That CNBC had that Tiffany Michelle on once. Remember that? What, was it actually CNBC? Uh, I know she was on some some kind of cable station that said stupid things. Google it. And and the actual term she used is this was right when Obama got reelected, and they had her on as a professional gambler, not just poker player. <laughs> oh, I remember that. She said, this is an exact quote, that during the second term, Obama's going to double down on America. I heard that. <laughs> oh, it was so cringy. I can't, I can't. Horrible. It was so cringy. I remember that. Terrible. 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 Yeah, well, so, so people were really mad about this, that they chose her to kind of represent poker and, and propped her up as some sort of uh, business expert when the 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 only the only two real prominent businesses that she's been associated with have been UB and Epic Poker, both of which had a very I bad mean, ending and cheated everybody. Don't these companies ever vet somebody? Like you would think they would. They don't, and that's what I was talking before you came on, Brian. I was talking about that and about you know, how how Captain Janks used to make those prank calls to Howard Stern. That they just a lot of times the media just doesn't vet anything and just print, print stupid things or has people on there that that, that shouldn't be. So this this was a case well, of that. And, and, and Druff, I I definitely agree with that, but I also really think that this guy is is writing paid fluff pieces. Yeah, I really do. If, if that's a good I mean, point, he's, I, he's the author. Of a book called "Promote Yourself" and "Me 2.0. and his—I swear to God, you can't make this up. And his Twitter feed is just him like promoting these articles. I don't think he gives a fuck at all. Okay, he probably doesn't. Now, if if this is if this really is part of his position at CNBC, where where he gets some money and they get some money out of it, and and his publicist pays for it, then that makes more sense. This is kind of like a commercial. Then that's a different story. Not that I can it's almost good, but, guarantee that that's what this is. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, I guess my anger about this, I, I didn't think critically, and I think you're right. I think you're right that this probably is a paid article. You're looking, you're looking at an ad yeah. to establish your credibility and help with sales of her book. That's what this is. Yeah, and, and I think the whole thing's going to backfire, too. Trader I mean, it sounds like. What's up, brother? Hey, buddy. Druff, look at your cell phone real fast. Okay. I'll look at my cell phone. Let's, let's see. You know, you know Kawap because... Oh, sorry, Brandon. Keep going. No, I just... Uh, Druff, you look at your cell phone? Uh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of things are popping up here. Let me see here. But Trader Risky, oh, yeah. I, I, I agree with you completely. You know, I yeah, mean... Yeah, right? <laughs> I don't know if it'll be worth the thing that they did. Here, here. That's uh, accurate. That's accurate, by the way, Todd, 100%. Okay, well, I, I can use it. You want me to use it? I, yeah, I just sent Todd Andy Duke's phone number. Okay, here, nice. here we go. We're gonna, see, you never know what comes up on this show. We're gonna, and I, right. it, it, it is after midnight, but it's, Colonel Faberstam is going to call her. Unfortunately, it's, it's 8 a.m. in England. He's going to forget the time difference. So uh, right. He's got a deadline because he's writing the column. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the Scotland Inquirer. Okay, so... so. But, but, Druff, before you call her, I mean, just to kind of finish what Traderuski and I were, were talking about, I mean, these media companies... First of all, most of them are shameless beyond belief. But as you know, a lot of these companies were really hurt by online, and they have a very difficult time making money. And so many of them are just ridiculously shady and, and printing these kind of like advertorial articles. It's it's all over the place. It's at websites that you would not expect them to be at. Yeah, I see I see that on ESPN.com a lot. I'm yep. scrolling down on ESPN. I'm like. What the hell is this crap? And it's like some 
half truth, you know, ad, what did you call it? Advo what? Advertorial. On ESPN, I read those. Well, and it, it's just happening. I mean, we all laughed about the fact that um, you could buy the cover of Card Player Magazine, right? I mean, we had a big laugh about that, and it's funny. Oh, yeah, that's poker or whatever. But all of these publications, are they whore themselves out. I mean, very few of them have any – I mean, they, they also balance it not, – not balance it, but they also do regular news as well. But this is a way that they have found to generate revenue is they establish a reputation and then they allow these kind of, you know, puff pieces that aren't going to hurt anything. They allow them to be bought and they allow the advertorials to be bought and published. And there are not that, people. Not that, not that fraud channel, though. Yeah, we, have one Am- we have one Amazon banner and that's it. Nothing else. Yep. It's, it's, no shady advertising, no advertorials, nothing. Right. See, look, look, look at the. Uh... Look, look at the site here and its integrity. That people should appreciate that, and and the fact that I run this at a loss. They really should. But there there are, um, you know, they make money placing them, and there there are people, and I believe that this this author guy was his name Dan something or yeah Dan Schwabel. He's probably one of them that he makes a living writing these things. Yes, yeah, so you know, he's, 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 he'll meet with uh, people that want to be profiled. He'll get the gist of uh, what they want in there, and you know he'll write the article. He doesn't care. He pr- he'll pr- he's probably he's probably laughing on the way to the bank. Okay, let's let's call up Annie Duke and uh, see if she answers. Now she may not. It's twelve fifteen a.m. She she may or may not answer. But fortunately, Colonel Fabersham is in London, where it's eight fifteen a.m. and he's got a deadline. And he he uh, he'll just embarrassingly realize once he has her on the phone that oh I forgot about the time difference. I usually call and people. Play in play to her ego, Druff, because if you make it look like. You know, you really want to talk to her. Her book sounds fascinating. You read about her on CNBC. Yes. Play to her ego, and it might work. All right. Yeah, and you, and you have a deadline. That's why you had to call now. All right. Here, here we go. Everybody yeah, be quiet. Mute okay, mute All yourself. Right. Everybody mute yourself. Okay, here we go. Why isn't this call completing? I hate Skype. It just it just sits there going calling, 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 and it doesn't do anything. It just bloody sits there. I'll give it a moment. Ah, bollocks. Voice message system. Got it. Okay. Well, that was disappointing. First ring voicemail. Well, it is twelve twenty. And she could be on the East Coast too, so it could well, be literally. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to save the contact here, uh, and uh, so this way I will have this, and we can try it again so in the future. Yeah, it, where where is she now? Does she, does she live in Vegas anymore? What does she live? Where does she live now? Anybody know? I know she has a house in L.A. And I know she's on the East Coast as well. Pretty sick. She probably has two multi-million-dollar houses. No, oh, I'm sure. She she sold her interest in Ultimate Bet for a lot of money at that one point, and then uh, she made a lot of money from that whole thing. And then, like even the three hundred sixty whatever thousand she made from the Epic Poker League, it was wrong and it was offensive. But that that really probably is only a small percentage of the of the overall net worth she has. She really cleaned up on UB when she shouldn't have. So. Remember, she also got Russ Hamilton to lend her money for a house, and then she stiffed him. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who, who do you even root for in that story? Like, uh, the, like I don't even know. Oh, like, that's tough. Who do you root for there? Probably. I mean, I hate to say it, but probably Annie. It's kind of yeah, fun I to know. see Hamilton get stiffed. I, I have to say that too. I have to say that. That'd too. be a good. That'd be a good Judge Judy. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my. All right. Well, not much more to say about that. It probably is an advertorial. And poker player is still pissed off. Uh, he- here's someone who's also pissed off, Gus Hansen. If it's not bad enough that he just has chunked off untold millions at the poker table. I, I don't know where he's the most all- losing player outside of Guy in history, isn't he? Yeah, I don't understand. Maybe, maybe even maybe even surpass Guy. I don't understand where all the money's come from either. Like, I know he did well in tournaments at one point, but he didn't do that well. Like he uh, he's he's lost just insane money. He had I some mean, business he sold. Yeah, and obviously every penny he ever got from any of the online sites, you know, all went in there, and I'm sure he was staked as well. He had to be. He never made thirty, forty million. Yeah, I know. It's and, insane. You know, Sponsorship. So uh, there's a lawsuit that uh, he's involved with for not even that much money. I mean, it's, it's a lot of money, but it's not compared to like what he's lost at at the poker table. But uh, let, let me, where is this here? It's funny when you get like a multi million dollar lawsuit that's not even as bad as like your last year online. Yeah, we're that, like, oh, oh, I, I can deal with that. You know? Are you kidding me? You know? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, probably his last hand online was worse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the amount of the lawsuit, which is one hundred fifty thousand, that's that, it is like one hand online was uh, literally for him. Yeah. yeah. So here, here is the story. Where'd it go? I had it up. Let me try it again here. Here we go. So Gus Hansen got involved with a friend, a business venture with a friend, and we know from our time on Donk Down how that worked out. But uh, he got in a business venture with a friend for some kind of music festival. It didn't seem like it was a good idea from just the description I'm reading. Uh, so he got involved in a music festival known as uh, De Gilst, called, which translates to Denmark the Best. And it was started by musician Rasmus Nor. And I would say N-O-H-R, but it's like the N like was... O with a cross in it that they have in Denmark. I don't know how you pronounce this, but N O H R Rasmus Noor, and it started in 2012. And it was originally Rasmus Noor's attempt to showcase his own music, but then it became uh, a sort of a popular festival there that uh, for for other aspiring artists in Denmark to showcase their music. So uh, th- that was okay. You know, if you start something like that with a, a, a low budget and it takes off, then great. You didn't risk much and. And it, it started to blow up a little bit. The problem was that once it was doing well, in 2015, Rasmus Noor wanted to expand it. So he decided he wanted to uh, get a loan, and he was good friends with Gus Hansen. So Gus Hansen loaned him $41,000. And then later, as... as the costs were going up, 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 and they hadn't yet really generated revenue. Uh, he, he he loaned him another two hundred eighty-three thousand for a total of uh, three hundred twenty-three thousand dollars in two thousand fifteen. So, for unknown reasons, about a year later, Gus Hansen decided he didn't want part of this anymore. He wanted to part ways with this company, and he said, "Okay, can you please freeze the accounts, and then we'll figure out the finances of how much I'm owed back." And uh, and then I'll leave. Well, right then, problems started coming up, and uh, there were disagreements about this. And uh, anyway, uh, it was determined at first that uh, by Gus Hansen that this guy Nord had 
taken $33,000 for himself that he shouldn't have, that, that should have gone to, to Gus Hansen. Uh, that that Nor claimed in response that he had to use that money to cover rent and expenses uh, at the 22 concerts that he was uh, playing at. So then Hansen got a lawyer and they looked into it further and they found that uh, even more money was owed. So they ended up filing a lawsuit for $150,000 in May of 2017. And uh, and they just had their court proceedings in January 2018. And uh, he, 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 he put this out on his – after he had attended court, he put out this message on his Instagram kind of uh, poking fun at the whole thing and, and himself. He didn't really say how the whole thing went. But after the first hearings in court, he wrote, New York City, the dedicated detectives who investigate these vicious felonies are members of an elite squad known as the Special Victims Unit. These are their stories. And then, then he continued to write uh, – can you write? Uh, nope. The Danish courtroom is a far cry from an episode of Law and Order, but still a very interesting day. So you know what the really shocking thing about all this is? What? That Gus Hansen had two hundred eighty-three thousand dollars to loan somebody. Yeah. <laughs> I, I maybe this was during a very brief poker upswing. Yeah, but this wasn't that long ago. This is two thousand fifteen. But he. So he's he's trying. You know, they're, they're, these court cases are always a long process. But if he does win, I wonder what the chances are that uh, this will go back on the poker table and get lost. You, th- you think he's going to hold on to that money? If he let's say he wins one hundred fifty k, you think he's going to just bank it and uh, not play poker with it anymore? Or you think it'll be gone in like a day? I don't think he does. He play online poker anymore. Well, if no, he doesn't. He hasn't played in quite a while. But what if he gets one hundred fifty thousand? You think he'll take another shot? I mean, he was here during the WSOP playing in Bobby's room the whole entire summer. Yet he never right. played in the tournament. So I don't think money is the issue. If he wanted to play, he could find you know find a way. I think he just got bored. I actually remember reading an article about maybe six months ago that said that he had started playing backgammon again and had just taken a long break from poker because he had gotten bored. And, <laughs> yeah, now he was getting intrigued again and thinking about, you know, dedicating himself to tournament poker. Um, so I, I don't I don't think money is the issue. I think if he wanted to play online, he would. But the, the stakes aren't high, you know, as high as they were before. He's stuck so bad. So really, what could he play for? I mean, well, what, what about, no, I, I, but not the U.S. sites. I mean, like the European sites, there's got to be some higher games still going. I mean, he used to play, you know, 2,000, 4,000 mixed games. I mean, those are the biggest limits that they ever had. There's no site now that has anything close to that. No, I know they well, don't have that. But... I, I, you know, he may very well have gotten bored, but I remember reading uh, some interviews at the time where, I mean, he was basically saying that he got he got hurt real bad. By the uh, the online poker he was playing, like I don't know if he was being staked or what. Like I don't know where the money's coming from. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I've always wondered, what yeah, is- like who who would stake him when he's just losing, losing, losing? Like who would continue to sink money into that? Well, okay, at its height, I don't think it was ever released. Maybe it was. What do you think? At at most, best case scenario. In the prime, he was getting from full tilt a month. 
you know, he was one of the original owners. So could he be, you know, probably he wasn't obviously getting Ivy money, but he, could he have been getting close to it? Seven, no, eight hundred thousand a month? No, I bet he was probably getting what Lindgren was getting, like two fifty a thousand a month or so. That's my guess. No, I but, think he was getting more than you think, Lindgren. You think more for the, more I, than Lindgren? I think he was too. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I, mean, I think he would have been in between the two. But he so was losing like 75%. He was losing at a rate that was way more than he would be making even from full tilt though. He was just I mean, he was basically funding those games. Yeah, it was so it was it was strange. I remember uh Well, and like I said, I know I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. I know for a fact that he was here this summer because I saw him. I read his tweets. Uh, you know, he played with Ivy when, when Ivy was between court cases. You know what was going on in England. He had to fly back and forth a couple times this past summer. Uh, so you know, he, he made it known in public that he was playing in Bobby's room with with Ivy, and those are obviously the biggest stakes of the entire summer. So again, right. obviously, money can't be an issue in the sense that if he wants to play. Obviously, he has some sort of, you know, bread and butter or gold mine or something that you know can put him in a game. I wonder if I, may, mean, I wonder if maybe this, this is someone who just has a lot of family money and just never revealed it. Maybe his family's just rich and he has access to a lot of money. Of I don't think so. You don't think so? I don't know. It's, it's so weird for this to be just this, this unlimited money to come to him. And obviously, well, look, either either he's made more money than any of us are aware of. Um, and is able to absorb chunking it off. But, I, I mean, I definitely remember uh, hearing, it was either hearing or reading an er- interview where he was like, you know, I have to, I got to take some time off poker. And, they, you know, he, he basically admitted that the financial year is start, starting to stink. Um, but, it, you know, it's either he's got more money socked away or has made more money than any of us realize, or he's got some friends that got money that are willing to invest in him, you know. Well, so that's happening. It's uh, this is not going to obviously. If he's still playing in, in Bobby's room, the one hundred and fifty k here is not super meaningful money even at this point. But it's still a one hundred and fifty k, and I'm sure the the principle of the matter too. So I'm sure it is if he's staked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty. I'm not saying that's the case, but it could be. Yeah, that's true too. I mean, if he's staked, then this could be the, the money he lives on. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, this is just these court cases move slow though. We we may not have an answer to this for a long time. I don't know if Danish courts move any faster, but probably not if he filed suit in May of 2017 and they just had the hearing in January. Sounds like the U.S. courts. So, uh, speaking of high rollers, the high roller events at the 2018 World Series are going to be introducing two things which are new to the World Series, and are, I'm kind of surprised that that these have, are going to be introduced, especially these high-stakes tournaments where I think some of the people wouldn't want things changed. They wouldn't want things to be experimental over there, but that's what's going to happen. The World Series of Poker has announced through KevMath, who listens to this show. KevMath is their social media manager. Does a very good job. A very, very good hire. But uh, KevMath tweeted that the big one-for-one drop, which is a million-dollar buy-in, and also, the uh, the 50K and 100K buy-in events will all have what's known as a shot clock and big blind antes. And this is experimental. They're, they're checking to see if this is uh, 
something that will work. So it's, it seems kind of weird that they would do the experiments at the super high limit events. But uh, the belief is that they're doing this because it's a lot easier to manage, that they're not going to have a massive field at a 50K, 100K, or million-dollar event. These are going to be small field events, easy to manage. If they catch something going wrong, they'll see it very quickly and, and, and uh, fix it or stop it. So that's why it's believed they're trying it at these events. The reason for these uh, additions are to speed up the games, especially the shot clock. And it's, it, the shot clock idea has actually been gaining traction in recent years. People have been getting more and more frustrated with the stallers, either intentional or unintentional, at poker tournaments who just take forever to act. Some people want to stall to the money, stall to day two, uh, stall you know, to because one later in a tournament there's one table, there's two tables left, and they want to stall and let people bust in the other table. Or sometimes people are just slow. Some people are just take too long for each decision, tank too long. I have to admit that this is frustrating for me when I play No Limit Hold'em tournaments in that people just tank forever. There can be hands that just take an eternity and you just want to play and, and you're just stuck. So there's been talk of the shot clock, that you, you have a finite amount of time to act, and if you don't, your hand's auto-folded. So this has been talked about. They're finally trying it there. And the, the World Poker Tour... Uh, implemented it in 2017. So they're doing that, and this this big blind ante, uh, that, I'm, I'm not exactly sure, I hadn't even heard about it. Have you heard of a big blind ante before, Brandon? I think Brandon got knocked off. Oh, he got knocked off, and Calwatt knocked himself off. Calwatt had to go. Calwatt, uh, he, he braved through the two interviews and... Uh, and the Gus Hansen discussion and the Steve Wynn discussion, but that was it for him. So just you and I. Okay, so Terry Ruski, have you heard of a big blind ante before? A big blind ante? Yeah, I think I have. Yeah. Is, That's uh, the, basically where the, the one person essentially puts all the antes in yes. and goes around, right? Yeah. Yes. So – so that becomes like a huge blind at that point because you're you're, you're putting in a, a, a ton of, of chips – uh, all at the same time, and if you're a short stack, that's really a killer. But uh, that they're experimenting with that, and again, it's to speed things up. It's because uh, the antes, people f- forget or on purpose don't ante, and then they have to count them, and they have to collect them all, so this way, you know, if the, if the ante's 100 and there's nine players at the table, and, and then you just, you know, tell the guy, put the big blind out and put 900 out, and it's fast. So this makes it collecting from one player instead of collecting from nine players. So that's, what, that's why that would be, it's another pace of play thing but it does have the unfortunate side effect i mean per round it's the same thing but if you if you're really short stacked and the big blinds coming that can really be difficult if, if you think about it if you let's say you uh, uh let, let's say it's 400 800 100 the round you're playing so if you have uh, 2500 left in your stack when the 800 big blind comes, at that point, uh, yeah, it's still conceivable to fold your hand if you get total trash. But uh, if you've got to put out 400, 800, and plus 9 times 100, then you're putting out uh, 2,100 and you're pot committed. That just, you know, obviously there's no way to fold at that point. So at that point when the big blind comes for a lot of hands, they will just be all in no matter what, unless they're really stupid. So... 
these are being experimented with. They, they are going to be part of the one drop of the 50K and the 100K events. The 50K and 100K, I understand more, but the one drop gets a lot of amateurs in it. A lot of like, rich businessmen type who want to play it. So the, the one drop field is kind of mixed. It's got some some you know, very good pros who are mostly staked in some way. And then you have a number of amateurs who, who may not be all that good. You have some decent amateurs, but you know, there's it, it, you would think all the million dollar tournaments got to be the cream, the creme de la creme of the of the poker world. It's not. There's there's a lot of amateurs there who are just rich, and I, I would think those people they're putting up a million bucks to play it. They they want to play something familiar. They they, they don't want a shot clock. It, in fact, a lot of times it's amateurs who want to take the long time to decide. So I think this may put off some of the amateurs some of these rich amateurs who are at this uh, million-dollar buy-in table. So I'm not sure if that's going to go over well. I don't care personally because I'm not going to play any of those events ever. I'm never going to play a 50K event. I'm never going to play a 100K event. I'm never going to play a million-dollar event. So it doesn't matter to me personally, but this is a test for eventually putting this in other events that I will play, which may come as soon as 2019. Now, how do I feel about it? Uh, the big blind ante I don't particularly like. I understand it speeds things up, but I, I don't think a big problem. It's a little irritating, but I don't think it's a big problem, the, the delay in collecting antes. Because it's not all at once. It, it's it's kind of just a, a thing that slows it down a little bit. But how much is it really slowing down? The real killer is when you have people tanking for five minutes. And, and then everyone... You know, people don't want to call the clock on them and be a jerk. and It's like you're always balancing, should I call the clock on this person and be the jerk who does this when they've got a major decision? But then again, you know, we shouldn't be stuck waiting here. So it's always a balancing act whether you do that and then if you have multiple people who are slow. So that, that's what really slows down these no-limit hold'em tournaments. Not so much uh, collecting antis. And, and when it's antis, it's kind of more in a, a uniform way that is pretty equal at all the tables. So... I just don't like the solution of making the big blind forced to put it all in because that really changes the game. and It, 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 it changes the whole short stack thing. You, you can't nurse a short stack very long. And I think because these tournaments, the, the structure dictates that a lot of people end up being short stacked, that you don't want to introduce something to make a short stack even shorter, which is what this kind of does. Because it just it hits you so abruptly. It's the same cost per round, but it hits you abruptly. So now you'll benefit from it if you get. Let's say you get short stacked on the button because you. Or let's say you just played the small blind and lose a big pot, and now you're short stacked. Well, now now you have an advantage because you you can play actual free hands until you get to the, back to the big line. So there it can help you, but it's uh, it, but the problem is that once the big blind comes, they're going to be forced all in. So it also takes away some strategy from stealing from the big blinds, because you notice a person's short and nursing a short stack and not and not very gambly with it. You can try to go after their big blind, and also know that no matter what happens, that if they call, you can't get hurt that much. When you know that they're calling no matter what, then you have to you you can't do this. You know you've got a hand that's uh, you know let, let's say you have seven eight suited. Uh, seven eight suited sucks running out uh, when you know you're getting called for sure by the big blind. That's not a good hand to have. Because it needs help to win. So, if you think there's a chance the guy will fold, then seven eight suit is a lot better. 
it starts to introduce things like that, the decisions that you really shouldn't have to make. So, uh, now there was a an anti-delay that occurred at the main event in 2006 that was televised. It was on day six. Involved uh, Jeff Lissandro and Perlod Friedman. And by the way, I have uh, a little story about that wasn't on the agenda, which I'll tell right after this. But uh, this was a, a pretty well-known hand where uh, Jeff Lissandro uh, and, and Friedman got at it because he thought that another player at the table, Dustin Holmes, had double anteed and Lissandro uh, had not anteed. So, uh, or was that? I'm trying to remember, it's so long ago. I thought it was something like that. But they got in a, in a big, uh, in big argument over this. And at one point, uh, Lissandro called him an idiot. And uh, and he said he was offended that uh, Perlod said that he may have robbed Dustin Holmes of chips and he didn't trust him. And at one point, when Friedman went over to get a floor manager, Lissandro said that uh, he'd take his head off. But when the whole thing was checked out, it turned out that Lissandro was correct, that uh, that uh, Holmes actually had not ante. So all the time that uh, Friedman thought that Lissandro had not ante and let Holmes ante twice. And no, it turned out that everybody had ante correctly. So yeah, a big blind ante would stop that from happening again, but that's very uncommon. You don't see many big fights happen over antes. Because, first of all, it's not that much. And and second, uh, usually it's identified who didn't ante. And I've seen it occasionally where they just go without it. Sometimes they can't figure out who didn't ante the last one, and they just go with one sh- short of one ante. They'll call the floor over, the floor will say, okay, can't figure it out, let's just go short one ante. And the truth is it isn't a huge deal if they do that. The ante is always very small compared to all the chips in play. So, now, Trader Ruski, how, how do you feel about this? What do you think of the shot clock? I, I'm pro-shot clock, anti-big blind ante. How do you feel? I'm, yep, I'm in agreement. I like the shot clock. It'll be interesting to see how it's going. Yeah, I like it too. I mean, yes, there's been times where I wish I had more time. And where where I would be bothered to be forced into making the decision, but I, um, I'm much more bothered by the times that the table just goes so slow, and I, I just want it to move, and it, it really takes away enjoyment from playing these tournaments. And, yeah, and especially then you get down to you know not too many tables. Like some tables are going so slow, and then others are going faster. Yeah, I've worried about that too. So, I mean, Right. Yeah, so we'll be a good way to kind of even out all the tables so that everybody's kind of playing at the same speed. Yeah, I've worried about that too where I think that maybe I'm getting screwed here because we're 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 forced to play more hands and people are just stalling so everybody else busts first because it's deep and like yeah. There this was this happened at the main event where there were two tables and one was going I think it was like 11 left, 5 and 6 or something and People obviously wanted to make the final table the main event, and one play, one table, everyone realized that it's to their advantage to all play slow. So everybody played super slow, 
and the other table played normally, and this created controversy. So, yeah, I think the shot clock is a good idea, even when it's not intentionally done, just uh, really to make things more equal. Is one thing that kind of sucks with tournaments is that a lot of your success in tournaments can often be dictated by who you get placed with. Just and yes, it's random. Sometimes you'll get placed at a, a table that's favorable for you. Sometimes not, but at least take the timing thing out of it, especially where people are intentionally stalling. So, for sure. And then, how many? What do you, what's the time? It, it, it's not being said what the time is going to be. Oh. Uh, but what do you think it should be? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I would think that. I mean, a minute? I mean, yeah, two I, minutes? I would say like 60 to 90 seconds. That's what was my, my head. Yeah. Somewhere in that, in that range. And I, I would even be okay with each person having like a, a chip. Like, three, like they have three timeouts or something. Or, something, right. or, even like just three a, chips. or even just a single chip where you can have an exception for a long timeout. Something where you can you can have three minutes instead of one. Or something like that. You can use yeah. once. And then that's it. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of, too. No, I like it. So, something like that. It definitely is too slow. The no limit hold'em turners are definitely too slow, especially the ones with the fast structure. That's really brutal when when someone's just super slow and you're just like, oh my god, if we we've got to speed this up and I got to accumulate chips or I'm going to be short stacked. Uh, especially when the other tables are moving moving fast. So uh, weird way to experiment, but okay, doesn't affect me how they're experimenting, and I hope they do implement it in 2019. It's it's unlikely they're going to change it further at this point. I don't think they're going to implement this in other tournaments. They can if they want, but they so far that's not happening. I'm guessing they're going to see how it goes and then implement it next year. So here's an ethics question. I, I wanted to talk about it also with Calwatt and Brandon, but they've uh, vanished, so talk about it with you, Trader Ruski. Uh, this is something that is going to come up as more and more online poker gets legalized in the United States. This has to do with uh, stolen money that is gambled and lost in legalized online card rooms. When I say stolen money, I mean that uh, someone deposits money that they should not have had access to. Stolen credit cards, uh, embezzled funds, whatever. Just money that they should not have and they did because they stole it in some way. And then they gamble with it and they lose to people who are not in on it. They lose it to legitimate poker players who have no idea where that money came from. So the question is, once it is determined that this was money that was stolen, whether it was embezzled or stolen credit cards or uh, uh, stolen funds in another way, what should happen at that point? So... I, I think it's pretty obvious that they shouldn't take it away from the winner. You shouldn't have to worry when you're at a poker table online that the guy you're beating might have stolen funds and that they may take it back from you. That would be a disaster. You, th- you think you want and the next day they come back to you. Nope, uh, that guy actually stole the money, so we're taking it back. I mean, that'd be dreadful if that happened. So I don't believe anyone thinks that that is the right solution. But what is the solution? Who should take the loss? Should, should the loss be taken just by the person who got it stolen from them? Or is the online poker room responsible in some way? And you may say, well, how can the online poker room be responsible? How can, you know, how, how can they know where each person got their money? 
Well, there's a concept called Know Your Customer, also abbreviated as KYC, which is a concept that when dealing with a customer who has, with large financial transactions, that it's the responsibility of the ones processing the transaction to know who the customer is, be aware that, you know, make sure that that's who they say they are, and know enough about them to where you would know if there's something suspicious about the funds that they have. So there is a minor know-your-customer process in the current legalized online poker rooms that is basically to verify your identity. So that does have a... It has a know-your-customer process just for identity reasons. So you can't pretend to be somebody else. A lot of that is, is to make sure that you're not either a minor or somebody who has restricted themselves from gambling at the casino associated with that online poker room or the online poker room itself. But that's about where it stops right now. They, they don't investigate you to see if you should have the funds that you do. But the question is, if, now for small amounts of money, then there really is no way. If someone, down, if someone deposits $1,000, they, they have no way to determine, hey, can this person have $1,000? I mean, even a person who works a minimum wage could save up $1,000 to play poker with if they live cheaply enough. So that something like $1,000 they, they could never do that with. But should the online poker room have some responsibility when someone is depositing, say, like $200,000 over a relatively short period of time? Should they have some responsibility to say, prove to us where this money came from? Prove to us that uh, how you got this money in the first place. And if you can't, then we can't take these deposits. Or should they just let whoever deposit whatever they want, provided that they're sure it's really coming from their own bank accounts and not worry where the money came from? There's also cons- so there's concerns both about stolen money and also about illegally acquired money that may not be stolen, such as drug dealers who are playing poker with drug money. So should there be know-your-customer procedures in place to prevent people from playing with drug money or playing with stolen money? And is this a responsibility of the legalized online casino in the United States? And the, the fear is that if they don't do this, then this will encourage people who want to embezzle or scam or steal in some way to get a poker bankroll, that this will encourage them to do so, whereas if they know that they won't be able to be successful because they can't prove that this money was was theirs and that they should have made it, then maybe they won't and, the, and this uh, dirty or stolen money will stay out of these legalized online poker rooms. And some of the concern about these rooms existing for money laundering will no longer be concerns. So before I give my opinion, Trader Risky, how do you feel about this whole concept? Well, I feel that, you know, they should probably put it in the terms of conditions. I mean, if somebody's buying chips or buying into a tournament or doing something online or walking into commerce or hustler or anywhere else, they're buying the chips in the establishment. Everybody's sitting down at the same table. And at that point, the players removed. They should keep the funds. The website or the casino should pay. Yeah. I mean, if if they figure, I mean, look, I mean, if we different, they're sitting there playing heads up all night. I, there could be maybe be a couple of exceptions, but I guess that's how 
overall feel. But when I'm talking about the like, do you think the online poker rooms should be expected by the government to do an extensive know your customer process for someone who's depositing a lot, or should this not be their business? No, I think it's a big privacy issue. Yeah, so I, I think yeah, I, I think that too. What, what's interesting is that, and the thing is, they really don't have this at uh, U.S. casinos in general. People, uh, people can bring in. And they had to fill out forms and stuff for buying chips, but other than that, they don't verify when you bring in uh, like a suitcase of money in, into a brick and mortar casino. They don't. They don't say, "Hey, prove that the suitcase of money was uh, that you acquired these funds legally." Nor do they make you prove this when uh, you're wiring funds in. Now, if they have if they have reasons to suspect something, they're supposed to report it. That they're supposed to do. But if they don't have any reasons to suspect it, they don't have to go through a process to prove you have the money you're losing. So now in the UK, apparently casinos actually get fined when stolen money is used to play at casinos, whether poker or not poker. And gets lost. Uh, there was one that happened in the UK with a council member in uh, in Scotland, in the uh, Dundee City Council. His name is Mark Conway, and uh, Conway was a, a quote senior IT expert. And used that to steal money from the council's accounts. He stole over a million pounds, which is more than like more than one and a half million dollars. And then he put this on William Hill and chunked it all off. So William Hill just recently paid five hundred thousand pounds, about half of what was lost, back to the Dundee City Council. And what's really strange about that is they weren't forced to do it. They actually voluntarily did it because if they had not, then the UK Gaming Commission likely would have fined them even more than that. So they basically did this to preempt a fine, which they could still get fined, but there's a good chance that now there won't be a fine because they just voluntarily coughed up half of it right back to uh, the Dundee City Council. And there's been actual fines that have been hit that have been uh, against William Hill in the past and Ladbrokes, another large provider over there. And some of these fines actually go directly back to the uh, organization that was cheated in the first place. Even though the casino didn't know about it at the time. So they're basically told they have to, they do have to have this extensive know your customer process for large amounts. And if they don't, then they, they could end up being fined. And the belief over there is that uh, if the casinos get fined enough, that they're going to stop coddling the, the high rollers who just you know, come in with a lot of money and say, whoa, 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 you've got to show us where this came from, otherwise we're going to get fined. So that hasn't happened. And in fact, I can't even think of a situation in the U.S., where a brick-and-mortar casino ever gave back any money that was lost in the casino that was stolen. I just don't think that ever happens, and uh, that's just a very foreign concept for anyone in the U.S. So, now, of course, uh, 
the UK and the US are very different things. You know, maybe UK obviously views, views this differently and views privacy and how you make your money differently. And I think in the US this wouldn't go over well. I think a lot of high rollers in the US, they specifically like it not known where they came up with their money, often because they want to pretend they have a lot more money than they do. If uh, if your net worth is, is 200000 and you gamble 150000 in one night, obviously that's pretty devastating to your bankroll. But to the people around you, you may pretend like you're a multimillionaire. Or that you're worth tens of millions. You may, you may pretend like you're you're a big shot worth so much money when in reality you're gambling away almost you know very close to your last dollar. So I, I think a lot of times when people bring money to the casino, I think a lot of times these high rollers they want to be seen as someone who's rich and important. They they don't want to have to prove where the money came from or, or prove that they're worth more than they really are or have to fight with it. But you know, should we really have this money or not? I think people just want to walk in and play. Also, it's just a pain in the ass. So, I don't see it happening in the U.S. But in the, in the U.K., it's been a thing. So, I, I wonder if when the... And this was brought up. I didn't just wonder this myself. I, I, I read a, an article about this on Flush Draw written by Haley Hintz, and I thought, yeah, this is a good, interesting topic to discuss because the U.K. does it so differently. And this is something that's likely to come up at some point if, if online poker catches on legally in, all, in the, the U.S. and appears in more states. Especially if it's more than online poker, if it's online casinos, you're going to start seeing a lot of money that's flowing into these online that may not be from uh, sources that they should have been from. I- I've had times playing live. I don't know if you have Trader Risky, where I'm sure I'm winning drug money. There's there's certain people who've been at the table where I'm pretty convinced they're drug dealers, often not very good players. You ever, you ever sat with someone you think is probably a drug dealer? Oh yeah, easy. Yeah, I I, I I mean, you know, there's a good percentage between commerce, the bike, and hustler. You know, I mean, because especially too, and whether they're, I don't know if they're stealing it, but maybe in some type of cash business or drug deal for sure. It's just like, and they play so bad, most of them, mm-hmm. and they just keep whipping out these fucking handfuls of cash. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Brandon's back. Well, yeah, I've been back. What do you mean? Yeah, Brandon's been back. I've been sitting here for twenty minutes listening to. No, you disappeared. You disappeared. I didn't see you. Well, I, I I disappeared, and I said I sent you a message, and I said I'll be back in fifteen minutes. I was driving, and I was getting home, and I didn't want you to hear the noise of my dog barking and the alarms going off, and oh. you know all that. I wanted to be polite, and now I'm back home. I'm in the office, and uh, yeah. 2007, the World Series. I'm not going to make mention any names, Kitty. but yeah, 2007. What, what's going on here? I'm sorry. Is that your, your Kitty my Boo dog Boo? just my dog jumped up in the air and almost knocked my tea all over. Oh, okay, oh, Katie. Yes, okay, tea is okay. in action, so okay. I'm painting. But okay, sorry guys. Okay, go on, Brandon. I'm sorry. I lost my train of thought. Something about 2007. Someone, someone names you don't want to mention. 2007, I'm not going to mention any names, but I was with a large African-American limit hold'em player that's been banned from a lot of casinos in Las Vegas. 
And we were playing at the Rio, 100, 200 limit hold'em. And I was going to take a break. I don't remember what it was, but we both decided to take a break from the game. Maybe it wasn't a great game. I don't know. And this gentleman said, well, you know what? Come take a ride with me. I need to take care of something. I'm like, well, where are we going? He's like, I just need to run an errand. It's right down the street. So went into his car. It's the only time I've ever been in this car. Took a drive. I don't remember where it was. I think it was a convenience store, gas stations. I don't know. Somewhere near the Rio. And I shit you not, this person who, again, I'm not going to name, sold a bag of cocaine to a former main event winner right in front of me. Right in front of me. Wow. And I was like, holy shit. Like, I mean, you know, not like right in front of me, but, you know, like it was 10 feet away, 10 yeah. feet away, got out of the car, and I saw what went down, and I didn't know that's what the pretense of where I was going. But, uh. Well, I, I, I got to. Yep. This, this wasn't as exciting as that, but I, I got to witness in, in uh, 2015 at, at Harris Rincon when I was playing video poker, and, and some meth head girl sat next to me and was talking to me, and I just let her talk for entertainment. But she uh, she was a regular there, and some Indian guy who you know looked normal, a middle aged Indian guy came up and uh, talked about going somewhere with her, and it became very clear to me that what was going on is that uh, she was going to be sucking dick or having sex with him for for meth, and then he got he became aware that I knew what was going on, and he got upset about it. And he told her that, like, she shouldn't say anything to me. She didn't say that's what she was doing, but it was too clear. He's like, you know, let's not talk about it to your – she's like, what? This Todd guy, he's cool. He's not – yeah, he's cool with everything. Aren't you cool, Todd? So I said, oh, yeah, I'm cool. And he says, see? See, nothing to worry about here. And then she – then what she claimed to me, though, after he walked away, that, that it was it was the – what was it? It was something like it was the reverse that uh, – she was he was going to be buying drugs from someone that she knew and that she was arranging that or something like that not but it was very clear as the other way around it was it was very clear that uh she was going to be getting from him in exchange for some something sexual so that, that that's what i got to witness not not as good as as a, a certain large gentleman who uh, may have been selling cocaine i'm not to, saying i'm not mentioning any names now yeah i know it's, no it's, names i know, yeah, a, I know. A, a certain know. one who's yeah. a, who sold to a certain main event champion that's that's much more that's definitely more interesting than that story but i figured i'd throw it out there so uh here's some texts we got from uh 513 i don't know who this is but 513 sent uh the three well the three well-known bots at five cent ten cent plo on america's card room are silly geek rum warrior and clory from the 916, does the Mandalay Bay charge less resort fees for the second, the 32nd floor now? Come on. That's, mm, that's cute. Okay. Too soon. Uh, Too soon. Well, I, admittedly, I made a joke about it too. When I was talking about their resort fees going up, I said they have to pay for more windows. Uh, then from the 205, Wynn never deserved his art collection. He's a weak pharaoh. And for the 480, uh, f- free to stay at the Westgate, good luck finding the resort fee. I don't, I don't know what that means. But does Westgate have a resort fee? Oh, okay. Oh, I see. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's interesting. Wow. He just sent me from Expedia. Wow. This is funny. I'm going to have to post this. This is actually. I see. This is Johnny Sprinkles. He's a new member on this forum. Uh, Johnny Sprinkles sent me a, a screenshot from Expedia, where. 
it says to stay at the West Gate. And keep in mind, this is not having to do with comps. He's doing it through Expedia. That's why at first I thought this was like a comp screen. But no, on Expedia, April 1st to 3rd to stay at the West Gate, which is, of course, the, the former Las Vegas Hilton. The price that they quote on Expedia to stay there is... Zero point zero. He actually sent me a screenshot where you can book on Expedia the Westgate from April 1st to 3rd for zero dollars per night. Wow. Because they have a resort fee. <laughs> so he says, good luck finding the resort fee, meaning that you, know, you probably you, – nowhere on the screen does it say a resort fee. So you'd have to select the room. There is a resort fee there. We know there is one, but uh, I think it's like 32 bucks or 34 bucks. But yeah, that, so that's what it, – it really has gone that way. I was wondering if this would ever happen. It looks like we finally got there where it's actually free to stay there, but then you have to pay the resort fee. That is amazing. I'm going to post it. This is amazing. That's a that's a great thing he found here. This is on the Expedia app from tonight. As he he sent me the, uh, the screenshot from his phone. Looks like he's an iPhone. He did it at 10:42 p.m. tonight. Wow. Very interesting. So, let's see what other texts we got here. Now let me ask. Oh, I'm sorry. Go on. Go on. Oh, I have no. a question. When you're done. Actually, I am done. Go ahead. Okay. I haven't listened all night. I was playing poker. I had some dinner. What is, can you just give me a quick, quick, quick uh, Cliff Notes version of Chicago Jimmy and then that resort lady or whatever it was, the expert, the well, lawyer? She, she, she gave a lot of different ways about uh, how to get around resort fees. You can, you can, she says there's a lot of existing consumer laws that you can use to challenge them, that you can sue them in small claims. And they almost never show up and just give up and, and just send you the money without even the court case happening you can you can charge them back on your credit card and they either just don't respond and you win by default or the credit card will side with you uh you, you can uh you you can ask you can write a letter to the attorney general in your state who she said they really care about these cases right Trump? You yeah she yeah she said, and and also that you could ask just simply if something goes and this one i knew about i do myself sometimes if there if something goes wrong even something minor at the property uh, a bargaining chip you can use to say, well, since this happened, can you at least give me my, my resort feedback? And they often do. So th- these these were suggestions she was making as far as it. And she was explaining why this you know, not only should be illegal, but, but why she feels it already is illegal in many states, the way the consumer protection laws are written. It's, it doesn't explicitly say this, but that it's uh, the way consumer protection laws are written, that uh, the price should always be clear what you're paying. They should never be quoting a false price to you as they do on these websites. So that's that was the summary with her, with, with, with Chicago Joey or Chicago Jimmy, as you call him. Uh, he, he was saying he, – he seemed very worn down from this, to be honest. He seemed very uh, depressed and like, like that – he kind of like he's quit online poker for now. He, he's he's very frustrated because he's running into a brick wall as far as America's card room cooperating. But uh, basically, the proof he's offered so far in a video today, the, the, it's a video showing various users, some of whom were banned already, that had insane win rates at tournaments as far as cashing, and that he found a that someone found and showed to him an exploit there where if you late register there, if everybody registers, like let's say you have four accounts on there, if you register all four accounts at once in late registration when a new table opens, you'll get all four sat together at the same table. And that then a lot of things can be done to cheat at that point. Hmm. So he found that, and then he also found, yeah, he claimed he thinks there may be super users, the ones that are just playing a crazy style and somehow always knowing the right thing to do. And then he also found there, you know, tons of bots there and tons of, uh, of colluders who uh, 
who do it and just uh, and, and invade games all the way as low as five cent, ten cent. So there's no getting away from them. And he says that America's card room just doesn't care, and he just feels like his only choice at this point is just to quit and tell everyone. So that, that's that's kind of how the interview went. So you're caught up now. That was the uh, the, the very short version of the long show. It just goes to show what a person you are. I got no tone. Oh. Jeez, what was that? Brandon, Anyhow, um, Brandon has a big problem with his voicemail here. It, it's, it's, it's awful. Every time, it's he's awful. On, every time he's on here, it just spontaneously plays. It's all right, awful. All right, it's disturbing the show. So, Jesus. Um, uh, Poker Stars has, has... it been a good show, though? That's, that's what I'm yeah, asking. Yeah, it's been a good show, and this one's actually recording, so it's, it's better. Poker Stars ha- has had a... Uh, they had a huge overlay on Super Bowl Sunday because it was Super Bowl Sunday. Now, Poker Stars is not accessible for US players. So this shows there is some interest in uh, in the Super Bowl internationally enough to where it can affect Poker Stars tournament. I'm surprised a little bit by this because tournament poker, if you play one tournament on there, I, I would think that if you play this this Sunday tournament there you can really watch the Super Bowl for and have full concentration for the most part. You know, these tournaments are kind of slow. You know, usually you're just folding hands and waiting. So I'm surprised that uh, people chose not to play. But they had a huge overlay on, on Super Bowl Sunday. I think this was like an anniversary tournament, so they didn't have a choice in the date unless they just wanted to reschedule it. But they, they wanted to run it on this anniversary. And they ended up with a record-setting overlay, at least for online poker. Uh, they got Chris Moneymaker to tweet out that this was happening, you know, obviously to try to get more people registering and bring the overlay down. Chris Moneymaker tweeted at 1.43 p.m. on Super Bowl Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday has caused great value at PokerStars as the Sunday Million has a huge overlay. You have about 35 minutes to register. Take advantage. So this was towards the end of late registration, 35 minutes left. They must have furiously contacted Chris Moneymaker and said, hey, put the word out. Of course, anyone in the U.S. who would mostly be following Chris Moneymaker can't, but... Uh, they they even brought him into it. They they had him earn his money. He's still on the payroll there. But they they had a ten million dollar prize pool in this uh, Sunday million on Super Bowl Sunday. See, it's a shame because they could have got that Barry Greenstein to do it just to get five hundred dollars staked into an eight sixteen game. <laughs> and and the overlay, All right? Yeah, the the overlay they ended up with was. One hundred billion dollars. Uh, it, it was actually one million dollars. Yeah, a, a one point two million dollar overlay. They fell short by six thousand twenty five entries. So they needed a lot more entries to, to make up that one point two million. And uh, they also got Negranu to tweet about it. As I said, massive overlay. He tweeted at one fifty four, about eleven minutes after MoneyMaker tweeted, and then. Negrano tweeted again nine minutes later saying, seems like a really good deal for players who choose to take part, I'd say. Who hates overlays, LOL. Okay. Do you think that Daniel is like watching this and, and cares about the overlays? Do you think Chris Moneymaker is watching this on Super Bowl Sunday and caring about the overlays? Obviously not. I mean, it, Super Bowl hadn't started yet, uh, but that's also what's weird. I guess they were afraid they would be playing during the Super Bowl. But uh, do, do you think any of them are watching these tournaments that they can't even play in? Obviously not. Obviously, Poker Stars... Of course stars, not. Obviously, Why Poker Stars... makes no sense. Obviously, Poker Stars pressured them 
and then pressured Negreanu to say it a second time. Like, well, I, I wouldn't say pressure them. Well, they told them to. I'm saying. I mean, you know, hey, can you do me a favor, Chris? Go ahead, and you know, it's not. Well, but Daniel did, kind of strong. Daniel did it the second time, which is weird. He did it at 154, and then again at 203. So uh, it seems like they were really pushing. Like, come on, get this out there. Really say it. You really emphasize this. Come on. Maybe say it again. Like, I don't think they were fighting. I don't think they're saying no because it's easy for them to tweet, but and it's nothing controversial to say. And they could, you know, frame it as if they're doing players a favor. But uh, I thought it was funny that they got guys like Moneymaker and Necronu to put that out there. Now, they do need to make this $10 million overlay. This is their 12th anniversary Sunday million. That's why it had the guarantee of $10 million. So they needed uh, about 50,000 entries to do this. And uh, they didn't get it. They got just under 44,000. So uh, they blamed it on the Super Bowl. Now, a million dollars is not that much as far as from their bottom line. It's a large company. They take in tons of rake every day, but still, that's that's the largest known overlay to ever take place in an online tournament, and uh, hmm. that just happened. It just they were unfortunate that their twelfth the twelfth anniversary of this was on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, there is a bigger overlay live at the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open in Hollywood, Florida, where they had a ten million guaranteed live tournament. And and uh, the first year, people actually went down and played because they were sure there would be an overlay. So how are they going to get $10 million guaranteed at, at a venue like Florida? Well, they did. They met the guarantee. Uh, PLOL from our site, he actually went to go play the initial year. Then he got the idea to register SHPRO.com or SHRPO.com. So he cyber squatted that name from them. And then they actually like sent him. They actually were going to sue him, and he backed down. They actually uh, sent a process server with legal papers to him. So then he backed down and gave it to them. But the following year, after they had a false sense of security, like what happened is all these people showed up there thinking there would be an overlay, and because of that, there wasn't one. So then the next year, a lot of those same people are like, "Well, there's not going to be an overlay. We're not going to come." And of course, there was an overlay because the people weren't coming for the overlay. So the, the, there ended up being an overlay more than $2 million that following year. You know, for the second year, they held that tournament. That was the biggest overlay that's ever been known to occur in poker. And the following year, they lowered the guarantee so this didn't happen again. So the, the, there's a sweetheart story in this uh, event, though. A guy named Kopchin from Belarus... The previous largest cash he had was $52. And he ended up winning 707000 at this one. And the funny thing was that when he was at the final table, th- this is the funniest one. Someone ran, uh, like, looked at Sharks, sharks Gope or something. Someone found that while he, he was at this final table, when his previous large cash was $52. So he's at this final table for hundreds of thousands of dollars where the top prize is 960000 uh, That they saw he had six tables that were open at the same time. He had this final table where he's playing for uh, almost a million dollars. And then he had six dollar eighty buy-in sit-and-goes running at the same time. 
or sorry, five. He had five dollar eighty sit and goes. Can you believe that? Why not just close those? Like, how can you even leave that distraction open? <laughs> That's funny. So, I think that may be the first time in history that someone played a final table for that much money and had dollar eighty sit and goes in the background. That's crazy. That makes no sense. What would ever be the justification to do that? That that's called a grinder. So, let's see what else we got here. Oh well, it's a good transition to the Seminole Hard Rock. The Seminole Hard Rock suffered a fate recently that's been happening in Las Vegas. You know, you guys, as has been covered on the show recently. We've had some robberies, the Bellagio Poker Room, and then uh, New York, New York also got robbed, uh, both times by guys, one white, one black, who looked like Humpty Hump. Uh, because this was all the way in Florida, Humpty Hump couldn't make it out there, so this time it was just uh, robbed by, by a regular guy. And uh, the Poker Room at the Seminole Hard Rock Casino in Hollywood, Florida, was robbed. <laughs> But this time, a happier ending. While they never caught either of the Humpty Humps who robbed the Vegas casinos, this guy from Florida was caught. His name uh, is uh, Dirk Davis, 24 years old. They actually arrested him in Georgia, and he's from Tampa Bay. He's being held without bond in a Georgia jail. Why Georgia? Because he also has a warrant for uh, for an armed robbery. So that's not his only armed robbery. But what happened was he uh, he walked in there uh, in the middle of the night, pulled out a gun, and said, "Is in the poker room," and said, "Give me cash." So he got a bunch of cash. It's not disclosed how much, and he left. Nobody was injured, and uh, because they publicized this pretty well, someone. Gave a tip as to who did this. And they're actually trying to extradite him from Georgia to also you know, face trial on this. So he did something in Georgia with this armed robbery. Now he did, did armed robbery here at the Seminole, Seminole uh, Hard Rock. Well, at least he's consistent. Yeah, he's got, a, he's got a career going. It wasn't just a one-time bad decision. At least he can't say, why did I do that? Why did I make this one bad decision? It's it's uh, he's someone who you can at least know what to expect from. And they said uh, the Seminole police chief William Latchford. I guess it's actually the Indian tribes police dealing with this, which is kind of funny. Uh, they said, uh, we received amazing support and coverage from the news media and strong response from the public, all of which helped identifying and capturing the subject. He said, it's not smart to attempt to rob a casino. Now, that's not true. Look what happened at the Bellagio in New York, New York. I think at Harris, too, another robbery. I, I think if there's anything you can take from this, it's that uh, if you rob a casino and you don't look like Humpty Hump, you're not going to get away with it. <laughs> I think that's what we've got to understand here. It's been the lesson recent. you got to look at recent trends. you got to look at what what's happening and what works out and what doesn't. Much like at the poker table. You know, you could, you could be at the poker table and if you're winning or everything's going well, you just keep playing the same. If you start losing, then you go, okay, why am I losing? You'd be honest with yourself and you have to change something if you're not winning. So here, you know, these guys, 
someone robs the casino like looking like Humpty Hump, gets away with it. There's a white guy does it, and the black guy says, "Well, I'll, I'll look even more like Humpty Hump." You know, I'm a black guy with a big nose that I can, especially I can put on a big false nose on my on my uh, and glasses. I can look like Humpty Hump too, even better than this guy. Even better chance I'll get away with it, and he did. This guy in Florida, he didn't look like Humpty Hump, nor did he attempt to, and he failed. In fact, think if everybody who robbed casinos looked like Humpty Hump, how could anyone be identified? It would it would just be okay. Another Humpty Hump robbed a casino. Like there's the there would be no way to describe the person. You would already know what they look like before they do it. But then once they took off the the Humpty Hump nose and glasses, you couldn't identify them anymore. I I think that's a very smart disguise. Yeah, and that's lazy because he could have got one on eBay very easily. Yeah. He's not listening. You know. He's not. He's not uh, watching the news. He's not understanding the recent trends in successful casino robberies. It's not hard to do. You're right. That's uh, that's the way to get away with it. I, I, in fact, I'm getting tempted. I'm, I'm getting tempted next time I'm in Vegas to uh, do a Humpty Hump robbery myself. Yeah, I mean, if he, he's not subscribing to Casino Robbery Magazine, he's not learning all the trade trade tricks. Yeah, I mean, so far they're batting a thousand with not getting caught. The Humpty Humps. Doesn't matter what race you are, you can be a white Humpty Hump, you get away with it. So, the real Humpty Hump has been arrested, but not 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 the uh, not the imitation ones who rob casinos. So, that that's it for our topics tonight. Uh, is there anything that uh, anyone else would like to bring up, uh, Brandon? Anything you'd like to say? You talk about how uh, Vegas got killed from the Super Bowl, the sports books. Oh, I didn't know that. Did they? Yeah. Hmm. One of the few years that they've they lost. Really, I, it's funny. I would have thought the other way. I would have thought that the more money would have been on New England. No, what, what, no. Well, the problem was this. From what I've read, there was actually an equal amount on the point spread, both for New England and Philadelphia. So no problem. They're going to get their ten percent relatively off the top there. But the money line was very unbalanced. And this year, the majority, if not almost all, of the million-dollar-plus bets were on Philadelphia, and they were on the money line, um, in which you know case that that's obviously the, the worst result for the sports books this year were, was Philadelphia winning and the over, which both easily, yeah, um, you know, both easily. I'm, I'm just looking for an article here. So I can actually quote some numbers. Well, the over was easy. Um, the Philadelphia winning wasn't that easy, but uh, the, the over. Yeah, was so easy. there was a record uh, handle this year, which everyone kind of suspected there would be. Um, according to uh, the Nevada Gaming Commission, 158.6 million. So almost 160 million was wagered uh, in Nevada at 198 different sports books. That's a 20 million dollar increase since 2017. It was 138. In 2017, it was 158 in 2018. Um, altogether, and I, so I guess this is kind of I, uh, my statement was uh, inaccurate. Uh, altogether, if you counted everything, they actually made a profit of 1.2 million, but certain sports books ended up losing. So you know that's just an aggregate total. Um, in 2017, they made. Nineteen point seven million, and then you know this past Super Bowl they made one point two. So I know Win was a loser. I'm trying to see if there's there's MGM was a loser. Um, 
There's a guy. No, his name isn't never even been publicized. He's referred to as Better X. That's just what they call him. Are you familiar with this guy, Druff? No. He is the guy that came in here uh, right before Game One of the World Series this past year between the Dodgers and the Astros. And he put several million dollars. In fact, I'm looking at it now. He put two one million dollar bets on William Hill, and then another three point two million um, on another site, just on the Astros to win the series. He came into Vegas and he bet close to five million, uh, spread out wherever he, I guess, he could on the Eagles money line. And he personally was was what did the most damage. Um, they're calling him Better X. Um, William Hill had a multi-million dollar loss. Um, Better X bet $3 million alone with them. Uh, same same with MGM. He caused a loss there. So it's pretty interesting. I guess some of the smaller books ended up making a profit, which is why you got the $1.2 million, But more books lost than didn't. Um, it says here... Oh, this is really weird. The Westgate got killed. I'm just reading. This is in the Chicago Tribune. I don't know how accurate they're. They said the Westgate got killed because one of their prop bets was whether Nick Foles would score a touchdown. And that was 8-1. to one, And apparently a lot of sharps bet that to the max. And Nick Foles did score a touchdown. Um, so anyhow, very, very interesting uh, it's very, very rare that Las Vegas ever loses, you know, in anything. I think there's only been – because if you're technically going to call this a win at $1.2 million, which, you know, it is a win, even though some sports books lost, um, since the Super Bowl era, there's only been two years in which sports books have lost during during the Super Bowl. So it wasn't a great year for them in, in terms of that. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, interesting. By the way, here's, here's something I was going to say before and I forgot. Perlod Friedman tweeted on February 2nd the following. This is Perlod Friedman, the, uh, the limousine liberal. He tweeted, Poker players are super sexist and racist. Try telling a poker table that black women are the most educated group in the U.S. and they will laugh and say no way and want to bet against it. Hashtag facts, hashtag try it, hashtag you will see. And then he posted a graph supposedly proving his point that black women are the most educated group in the U.S. So he's saying that poker players are so racist and so uh, sexist that if you dare tell them the fact that black women are the most educated group in the U.S., they're, they're so racist and sexist, they'll say, no, that's not possible. No, black women, no way. They can't be the, they can't be the most educated in the U.S. Come on, bet me against it. And so Perlot is showing everyone this graph, which proves his point. So he circled on the graph where you're supposed to look. And on this graph, it shows associates' degrees. It shows uh, of bl- and it shows like a little bar saying black. And it shows sixty. It's, it's of a hundred percent. Sixty-six percent women, thirty-four percent men. And for bachelor's degrees, sixty-four percent women, thirty-six percent men of black people. Okay. So how does that prove anything? All that's saying is the percentages of men versus women who are black. They get college degrees. So what that graph is saying that about two thirds of black people who get college degrees are women. It has nothing to do with how many black women get college degrees compared to other races. Nothing. This graph does not say that. But he circled this very proudly and was showing everyone how this is the proof that black women are the most educated group in the U.S. So as you can imagine, 
he got a lot of responses telling him that he doesn't know how to read a graph. Um, then, no, he also wrote this. He wrote, poker players are complete scumbags. I tweet how black women are the most educated in the U.S. and I got zero retweets and only people arguing that's not true. Y'all are racist as fuck and it's so sad. I hope I lose all my racist and sexist followers ASAP. Go away. I didn't mean to do that sound, but good enough. I got I got some more interesting news when you have a second. Okay, well let's get through this here, then we'll we'll do, sure. we'll, do right. we'll do the news here. So uh, then he goes on to say, yes, systemic racism is still holding down black people in every way. This was to show that black women, once attending college, are more likely to graduate. They know they have to work ten times as hard to succeed. This, this doesn't show that at all. I I'm not even arguing whether any of this is you know whether his conclusions about it being tough for them to succeed are true or not. I'm saying he's posting a graph that all it's showing is. That black women uh, of of the black people graduating college, it's it's about two thirds women and one third men. That, that's all he's showing there, and, and so it's so funny how he doesn't know how to read a graph. And then someone wrote, uh, "Hey, Perlad, love the intent, but the graph just shows percentage of black women versus men who earn degrees, not how many black men and women earn degrees versus another race. It only compares genders and race." And then uh, Michael Josem, who appeared on sixty Minutes with me ten years ago, wrote, "Hi, Perlad, I'd like to bet against it. Care to take me up on that bet?" And of course, he didn't respond back. So uh, this was uh, embarrassing for Prahlad. And uh, then the uh, his, his uh, girlfriend that I guess uh, he's still trying to promote the rap, the, the, the music career for, uh, she responded and tried to post an article that's uh, – uh, Basically saying the same thing. It has a, that same inaccurate headline, but it, it's still inaccurately saying the same thing. Uh, it talks about the percentage of black women who are enrolled, but not necessarily who are who are graduating. So uh, it, even the article that she linked, the headline would support what they're saying, but not even the data in the article. So they, they just keep kind of embarrassing themselves out there. The, the funny thing is when, when uh, you look at Perlot out there and – even if you want to say he made a mistake here and misread a graph and came to the wrong conclusion, you say, okay, that's just an honest mistake. You would think by looking at that, okay, th- this is a guy who cares about the little guy. This is someone who, you know, despite being a rich white male, uh, is, is trying to care about the plight of black people and of women and is, is trying to look at those who don't have the same privileges that he always had in life and that, uh, you know, oh, what a nice, sensitive guy. This is the guy who promoted a scam poker site, which he knew was a scam poker site, that people deposited on and lost their money. And this is after the same site had a major cheating scandal. We're talking about UB, where he was personally cheated more than just about anybody else on that site. And it was the same ownership running it, and he knew that, and everyone told him that, and he still took the position there as the main face of the site and promoted it to people to put on their money, which then was stolen. And never once has he apologized for it. And the people he was promoting it to, these were the average folks. These were the people, many of whom couldn't support, uh, couldn't really afford to lose that money. No guilt about that, apparently. Not one apology. This, this is someone who really is the ultimate limousine liberal, the ultimate hypocrite. And you know it's easy to tweet things uh, showing support for black women and and uh, you know all the other liberal causes of the day. But when it comes down to not promoting a scam that's victimizing the average citizen, then you know he doesn't want to refrain from doing that because it keeps money out of his pocket, keeps him from living in these uh, 
beautiful houses overlooking the ocean in Malibu. So uh, I thought that was funny. He really got raked over the coals for that one, and then he he just doubled down, as Tiffany would say, Tiffany Michelle would say, and uh, continued to bash people, saying that poker players are all racist and sexist. And he believes it too. He really believes that he's the freedom fighter for uh, social justice, and that just nobody understands. Poker players are just so awful. If only they could be as sensitive and looked out for the little guy like he does. Except when it comes to telling the little guy to play on scam poker's ace. So, knowingly doing so. So, Brandon, what, what did you want to bring us? Well, a couple things, uh, Todd. First thing is, oh, how the mighty have fallen. Remember that one kid who used to be able to see dead people? Yeah. Haley well, Joe, uh, Haley Joe Osmond. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently, he uh, got couldn't get on his LOL standby flight this past Sunday on American Airlines after the Super Bowl. So he got very feisty and aggressive and started making threats to the gate agent. Huh. And the police were called, and he was uh, told to leave the airport. Uh, he came back the next day, and the flight was still full again. <laughs> and then this article, this is in uh, Fox News. It doesn't say if he ever made his flight. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they, they oh, this I mean, is, this is in Las Vegas. I mean, what the hell's going on? This was in Las Vegas. I can tell you. I, I dealt with this, too, because I didn't have a meltdown. Yeah, yeah but you're no, you're no Haley Joel Osmond, though. You may have been recognized after your limit hold'em, what have you. But this is Haley Joel Osmond. Yeah, he, he apparently said, I'll destroy you. You're not as famous as him, no offense. Yeah, I know. He said, I, he said I'll destroy you is what he said there. And then he... Uh, is that true? You know about this? I'm reading it right now. But oh, okay. uh, but let me tell you, this this exact thing happened to me. See, I, I had I did something I thought was clever, and then it backfired a little bit. Just, it just was my own fault of just not timing things well. So I on, the, on a flight back from... I, I took my Seven Stars trip to New, New Orleans... In uh, it was it was 2014, and on the way back, we were uh, I I actually got them to give me a flight with a layover in Vegas, you know, back to L.A. but with a layover in Vegas, which is totally unnecessary. You know, you don't you don't need to go through Vegas. I think we we, we drove to Florida, whatever it was. We we were going back from Florida to uh, actually it was early 2015. We were going back from Florida to L.A. With a layover in Vegas. You never have to stop in Vegas if you don't want to. But I, I actually asked them to do this with a four-hour layover in Vegas and found a flight for them to do that for me. So I could quickly go into Vegas and redeem an offer. And it was a good offer. I had a good offer to redeem in Vegas. So I figured we'll stop there. I'll redeem the offer, check into a room I have no use for, you know, run the offer, and then uh, we'll get back on a plane and fly the rest of the way home. And, of course, never use the hotel room and just check out over the phone. Great plan. And, and that part of it worked. Uh, however, we took too long. We, we went for a meal. We took too long at the meal. And then we noticed too late that we were going to really have to rush back there to get back to the airport, to Vegas, to, to the Vegas airport, to fly back to L.A. And it was really annoying because we just barely made it. And so I told them at the, yeah, at the check-in desk, I'm like telling them we're in a rush here. You know, can you please? They were moving so slow. They're having conversations with each other. They, they, they killed like a super precious five minutes that could have made or break the whole thing. And by the time they finally took me seriously that it was so close, then we're going to miss it. 
oh, yeah, we can't get you on this flight anymore. The the deadline's passed. But, uh, you know, if we had just, just been here five minutes earlier, I said, I was here five minutes earlier. And they didn't care. They, they wasted the precious minutes, and they blamed it on me for not being there earlier, which I should have been there earlier, but they you know, they killed the last five minutes, which pissed me off. Anyway, I was stuck at that point. They wouldn't do anything for me, so I had to go on standby. It was me, Benjamin's mom, and Benjamin. Now, fortunately, I, because of having this uh, American Express uh, Platinum, I have access to the uh, Centurion Lounge there, which is very nice. So that was the only good thing that we got to. Oh, I've been there yeah. a bunch of times. That's fucking amazing, yes. that perk. They, they got a buffet. They got little cubicles. Right. They got couches. It, it's awesome right. in there. And you can bring guests. So I was able to bring both of yeah. them in there. So, yeah. so, so at least we got to wait in a nice place. But every, every freaking flight that came up, they couldn't get us on. We were willing to split up and everything. I mean, we couldn't split. We couldn't leave Benjamin by himself. But we were willing to have like two of us, one seat, you know, two of us, and then one. Couldn't get us on every flight. We kept asking them to check if it was okay. Nope, nope, nope. We're just there forever at the airport, and they just cannot get us on one. Every time they keep saying no, we're gonna have to wait. I go, well, how long is this gonna be? I said, I said, look, and this is you know back in the days, of course, I could get the free rooms at Caesars. I said, we're willing to stay here another night. In fact, I'm not even asking you for a hotel. I can stay here for free. Just please let me know this. You know, can you just how, how about we just give up on tonight? And you and you you schedule me for something tomorrow, and just make sure I get on, and I'll be willing to just forget about the rest of the day and stay at my own expense. Nope, can't do that. They just told me I had to wait and wait and wait until the last flight of the day goes, and then, then at that point, uh, that's what we'll do. So I was getting really pissed. I wasn't saying I'm going to destroy anybody, but I was getting really annoyed. And so then, of all things, there was a plane from. Miami to Los Angeles, just like our flight. And that plane, it was supposed to be, it wasn't supposed to stop in Vegas, but the engine started smoking as they were in the air. So obviously they had to land immediately, and the closest place to land was Las Vegas McCarran Airport. So the smoking plane came down and landed safely. And everybody got off, and uh, they were all given priority for standby as well. So. There, I, at first I had my seat, then they took it away from me and said, no, you can't, we're actually taking it away from you because we, we need to give priority to those who the emergency flight that landed. Uh, emergency flights that land get priority over people who were just on regular standby. So they took it back away from me. So I'm like, okay, now I feel for these people, but, you know, it's, it's, I've been waiting a lot longer than them. Can, you know, please just get us on. Anyway, they wouldn't do it. They were really obnoxious to me, and they were treating me like I was crazy to both be unhappy about this and the fact that uh, I was crazy to want them to just let me come back the next day. They weren't letting me do it. They said they were absolutely not letting me come back. I said, well, look, you don't have to guarantee anything. Let me just try next day in the morning. Nope. We're not letting you do it. You have to stay all day. Otherwise, you just give up your flight. I was actually getting close to just tossing the flight away and renting a car and driving the, the 300 miles back. I was getting very close to that point. What airline was this? Th- this was actually American. Just, just, just like uh, Haley Joe Osmond had. So, the most obnoxious woman that was there, oddly enough, called me over after shutting me down on like the fifth consecutive flight that I could have taken, and just really obnoxiously telling me tough luck on you, you know, like not even understanding my plight, not even like giving me any kind of. Uh, validation that, that that this is very frustrating. I, I was made to look like the jerk in this situation. She calls me over there and says, okay, 
I, I've made some things happen. You have three seats on this flight. So we got on a flight. We, you know, I don't know how many hours. We were there stuck for a number of hours. So we got on that flight, and uh, I know you're going to be shocked there, but I had a cold. And uh, the cold was, was pretty much getting near its worst point. So I got seated next. It's only an hour flight, but I was seated next to an Australian couple and this tiny baby that they were holding in their lap instead of buying a seat for. And boy, were they sorry that they were sitting next to me because I was blowing my nose like constantly on the plane. I actually brought a box of Kleenex with me knowing what was going to happen. And I was like blowing my nose and and putting the tissues in in the barf bag. And I could tell the woman was like very unhappy that someone with this bad of a cold sitting right next to their tiny baby. But what could I do? And the truth is they were being cheap. The truth is they should have – it's not even safe to hold a baby like that. This is this is an antiquated rule that you're allowed to do this, but it really should be illegal. It's very dangerous to the baby to hold them like that. What you're supposed to do is bring on the car seat and strap the car seat down and then uh, have the baby in the car seat. That's the safe way. To hold them in your hands is very dangerous because the, the flight can jerk really hard and the baby can go flying up into the ceiling and, and, and get injured or killed. So it's a very unsafe way for a little baby to travel. But anyway, they, they decided to be cheap and uh, held the baby. <laughs> Hopefully the baby didn't get sick. But uh, it's funny. I had almost the exact same situation. American Airlines, Las Vegas, McCarran, they just kept stalling me with the standby. Very similar. I took it better than he did, though. I'm proud of myself. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of myself. So I don't know if this is a moon landing or not. Maybe it is, but this was announced uh, yesterday. The 32nd floor Mandalay Bay is going away. Did you talk about that? No. This is according to the Las Vegas Review Journal. I can send you the link. Mandalay Bay is renumbering floors 31 through 44, uh, effective at the end of this quarter. And they're now going to be floors 56 through 59. Oh, come on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The floor numbers will be changed by the end of this week, not the end of the quarter. So floors 31 will now be 56, 32 will be 57, 33 will be 58, and 34 will be 59. Um, and then this is a quote, MGM wants to move away from the tragedy and service customers, I mean, really no shit, and service customers without ignoring but without calling attention to it. Um Blah, blah, blah. It's unorthodox numbering. This is more of the article. The 43-story building, Mandalay Bay, had an unorthodox flooring floor numbering system even before the shooting. Mandalay Bay elevator showed stops at floor 1 through 44 and 60 through 63. There has never been a 40 through 59. So now Mandalay Bay elevators have all been changed, or will all be changed, to indicate floors 1 through 30 and 56 through 63. The Four Seasons Hotel, which is independently owned on floors 35 through 39, will not be affected. I I have a better suggestion. They should have consulted me. Why not just mm-hmm. leave the floors as they are and just change the numbers of the rooms? Just uh, you know, thirty-two dash one, whatever. Change it. Start being yeah, thirty-two dash three. Yeah, but thirty-second floor. It's that stigma. I, I, mean, I, th- I think people. I think people. People want to stay there. No, I mean, there's always going to be like the gory people that you know, same ones that are like writing pen pal letters to Charles Manson when he was alive. But, no, you don't have to be that I, sick. You can. You can just say this. You know. Oh, this is interesting. I'm on the same floor where this happened. You have to be fascinated. It's not interesting. I think it's it's. I don't know. I would All not. Right, maybe if I, if I okay. It, 
I, it would not bother me at all to stay in the even the same room as this. I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't say, "Oh, look, I'm in a room where I got murdered from." But I would. So it's just a hotel room. It's just a room. I wouldn't care. It's. It's. Uh, you know, this reminds me a little bit of the hotel that uh, the exterior was used for The Shining. It wasn't filmed in there. It was actually filmed on a giant uh, soundstage. But uh, the hotel that was used to be the Overlook Hotel that's uh, that, that was in The Shining is one that was – it's in Oregon. It's called the Timberline Lounge – or Timberline Lodge, not Lounge. And uh, so they actually changed the room that the – Bad things took place in. I think it was room uh, was it two thirty seven or two thirty eight? Was it? Uh, I think it was room two thirty seven. Whatever it was, they changed the numbering so that room would not exist. Huh. And uh, then they realized it was a mistake. They never changed it back, but a lot of people actually wanted to stay there. That became a big draw there. That people wanted to stay in that room. It was just a movie, you know. No one really got killed in that room. So I wouldn't want to stay in there. You would have wanted or not? I know I wouldn't want to stay in the thirty-second floor or in that room that occurred. Of course not. No. Well, what, what no. about what about in the Timberline Lodge where uh, Jack Nicholson you know, didn't really? Well, tell that's anybody. different. That didn't even happen. Of I course know. I would. That's so you, more of a you know legendary, iconic type thing. Yeah, that'd be fine. But I'm not. I don't want to stay in the room where the Stephen. Uh, I mean, that's Paddock stayed in. No, that's that's eerie. I don't. I mean, for some reason it wouldn't bother me. It's just a hotel room. Yeah, but knowing what went on in there, like it, it, it I don't know. All right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was it was room two thirty seven, and they changed it to room two seventeen in there because they uh, uh, they, they didn't want it to be, uh, or they just don't have a two thirty seven. I think there's a two seventeen that's actually in the book rather than the movie, and that they have. But uh, they, there's no two thirty seven, which was in the movie, and people would call up and ask for it, and say, "I wanted to have this room," and they kind of said, hmm, maybe we made the wrong decision. But, uh, you know, Caesars, unrelated, of course, to any kind of violence, they have a stupid numbering scheme, which I'm sure you know about, in their towers. And I once got tricked by this in the earlier days before I was uh, wise to it. One time I got, so I got to the, I came to Caesars about four in the morning. This is in 2012. And I checked in. This was before I was smart enough to make sure that they hold a room for me beforehand at a specific floor. I just trusted that they'd hold a good room for me, being seven stars. So I check in. Apparently, this is a very unusually busy weekend, even though there's nothing that I knew that was happening there. Mm-hmm. But they told me that they have that, that I'm going to be on the 24th floor. So I said, okay, well, it's not as high as usual, but all right, fine. That's all you have. So I go to the 24th floor, and it's like <laughs> it's like the first floor. That, that you can stay in. So the, the numbering at the Augustus Tower, it starts at like 23. It goes like 1323. So it's like, I think the second floor, the, the second lowest floor for anyone to stay. Well, the Augustus Tower hangs right over Flamingo Boulevard. It's very loud. So to not hear the traffic noise badly, you have to be high up. You have to be at what they call 36, which is more like, uh, 36 is probably more like 16 or 17. But that's... That's where you have to be, that or higher, to not hear the traffic noise so badly to where it's bothersome. So it was so loud in floor tw- what they called 24, which is really more like you know, four or five. So I tried to go to sleep, 
and I'm just hearing loud traffic. Like I'm hearing over. I said I couldn't fall asleep. So I went down there and I said, "This is no good." Uh, I think what I did, I, I had them reserve, hold a room for me, but I didn't have them pre-check it in. Whatever it was, I didn't do enough to have them not give away my room, which I was pissed off about. Is they actually gave away the room I was supposed to be in. So they, I said, "Can you give me a room on a higher floor?" Nope. This is the the last room we have in the Augustus Tower. So, what else do you have? I asked. No other room on the property except for in the Roman Tower, which is this fail old tower built in the sixties and not even renovated at the time. So what I took, is, what is it called now? Is that the Julius? That's the Julius, and they they did renovate it, but uh, yes, that's the Julius. And so I I I went to the Roman Tower. And it was such a weird experience. I felt like I wasn't in Caesars. I felt like I was in some old, run-down, like, 60s property. It was so strange. Let, was- let me ask you a question. Somebody asked me this, and I couldn't answer. Uh, somebody not from, you know, the forums or radio is coming to Vegas, and they can either stay at the Palace Tower at, at Caesars or the Forum Tower for the same price. And they asked me which one was newer or better or if there was a difference, and I couldn't remember. I think I've stayed at both Pal- way, way, Pal- way, way Palace back in better. the day, but I didn't know the answer. Palace is better. Is How much better is it? A uh, good is deal. Is it newer? Is it, what's the difference? Unless they, you- I don't remember if they recently renovated the Forum, but the Forums kind of fail. The the way that the, the hierarchy in, in the towers are, uh, and the, there's Augustus and Octavius. Augustus is the better view. Octavius is newer, but then again, they re- re- they renovated Augustus, so I still think it's better. But I, I like Augustus best. Oct- Octavius is second, then the palace, then at the time it went Forum and Roman, which is now Julius. But they maybe because they renovated Ju- the Roman slash Julius, maybe it's nicer now. I don't know, but definitely take the palace over the Forum, unless they just renovated all the Forum, which I don't know if they have or not. But they, they number them all differently. The forum, they, they, they really have high-looking floors. The Forum Tower is like 59 through 87. And I think they do this so they don't duplicate numbers. I think they want each room to to have different numbers so there's no confusion. So, but it's still, like, they, they'll say, oh, you're on the 36th floor. No, you're not. Not if it starts at 23. So... I, I don't fall for that anymore, obviously. But if, if you're ever staying at Caesars, be careful when they give you their floor number. It sounds like you're in a really high tower and you're not. Speaking speaking of hotels, uh, U.S. News and World Report yesterday released their list of the top 100 best hotels in the world. Two Las Vegas hotels were in the top 100. And then nine others made honorable mention, which they called gold badges. Uh, the two hotels, according to their list, that were in the top 100, one was number nine and one was number 42. Can you take a guess at what they would be? Top, and we're talking again the world, not just the U.S., you know, not just Nevada. Two hotels in Vegas were voted or ranked by U.S. News and World Report as being two of the best in the world, coming in at number 9 and 42. What are your guesses? Uh, is one of them the Mandarin Oriental? Mandarin Oriental is number 9. Okay. That's correct. And what is 42? 42 is going to be tougher. Uh, is 42 the Four Seasons? No. Is it, uh, is it the Aria? Yes. Okay. Very good. And so 
I think you'll probably get it, but let's just see. Actually, you named one. You said the you said the four seasons. You were right. What are the other eight honorable mention, aka gold badges? Okay. In Vegas. Is it Bellagio? You're probably you're, I'm gonna say you'll get seven out of out of the eight. Yes, okay. Bellagio's one. You already have four seasons, so that's two. Okay. The win? The win is three. Venetian? Venetian and Palazzo, so that's four and five. And I'll also give you the encore because that yeah, was, I was, about, to, I was about to ask about that. Yeah. That's six. So you have one, I, two I have six, right? Yeah, there, there's two more you need to get. I thought it was three more. Hold on. Oh, I'm sorry. Three more. Yep, correct. Okay. Uh, what about Caesars? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> what a fail. Not on here. Okay. Uh, what about Cosmopolitan? That's one. You got it. That's seven. Okay, so it's two more. Um, Mandalay Bay. That is not one. Uh you're probably not going to get it. It's kind of weird. I mean, it's not weird, but it's specifically the Skylofts at MGM. Oh, okay, I wasn't going to get that, no. Yeah, yeah. And then, as I mentioned, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And then, okay, then the second one is the Aria itself, because there's actually the Aria Sky Suites that ranked at number 42. So then I oh. guess they're calling the rest of the – is the Aria Sky Suites different? I, I never, I mean, it's I, the same property. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't think of it as different. Yeah. Uh, the, the Aria Sky Suites are actually what they ranked at forty-two, and then with the Mandarin, which I know you've stayed at before, I've never stayed there. Yeah, it's is very it nice. nice. It's very nice. It has no casino. It's very nice. The, the service very good. They're very, very, uh, uh, yeah, they're, they're super polite there. They really want everybody to be happy. They do what Who they can. Who owns that? That is actually owned by MGM, but managed by by Mandarin Oriental. It's, it's managed by a different company, but owned by MGM. But what is so great other than the service? Are the rooms yes, just yes, the rooms are know, very, out of this world? Yes, the rooms are very nice, too. The rooms are oh, really nice. Okay. And, and so it's a um, – hmm. the, yeah, the only pain in the ass on. there is you have to take two elevators. You have to take this weird elevator up to like a 23rd floor lobby and then take an elevator from there. Hmm. Uh, somebody possibly – from Las Vegas, so it could be California, one bought the winning Powerball ticket last week for $2 million in Prim at the Chevron. And anyone that you know ever stops off at Prim to get gas or just park, you've all been to that gas station. It's the only one there. It's a Chevron, Terribles, uh, for going to California, it's on the left-hand side, coming to Vegas, it's on the right. You know, I'm sure you've been there, Druff, right? There's a McDonald's next uh, to it. I'll, I'll tell you, I, I was there... In January, or actually in mm-hmm. December, I was there in December because I was, uh, this was very unpleasant. I, I was driving in the middle of nowhere toward, toward the state line from California, and then my stomach started really hurting. And I had <laughs> to, I had to, I had diarrhea and I had to go really badly. And I'm in the middle Jesus. of nowhere. So I was thinking, oh, thank God I'm not that far from the state line. I knew I was about I was about uh, 12 miles from the state line when it started. I'm thinking, oh, thank God I wasn't like 60 miles out of the middle of nowhere. Otherwise, I don't, I don't, know, what I, I don't know what I would have done. I could not have held it for an hour. It was just one of these things where it's just, it was pressing so hard and it was hurting so much. I don't want to gross out the listener too much, but it was just very, mm-hmm. very uncomfortable and painful. And I kept kind of like doing all I could to distract myself from it. Uh, now, Benjamin's mom and Benjamin were in the car. And it's fairly late at night too, 
But I, I told them that I was going to have to stop at the Chevron. So I pulled off, got out of the Chevron, and I uh, ran to the bathroom. And fortunately, yeah, I made it. There was no uh, no accident or issue, thankfully. But that was my last visit to that Chevron. Oh. Hmm. I also I also had another incident at that Chevron, not about the bathroom stuff, but uh, not on this trip. But a few years ago, I was there, and I was getting gas. And well, I don't like to get gas there. It's still kind of expensive by Nevada standards. For California standards, it's not. But if I don't have to, I don't get there. But I, I had to get it because I was just out of gas. So I was in the middle of getting gas. And uh, a woman pulls up in an SUV-looking thing, a Hispanic woman. And she says to me that uh, she's out of gas and she needs some money from me for gas. I think $10 she asked for. So I thought about it for a second. Now, these are always, you know, these are usually lies. It's usually some sort of scam. Usually they just take the money and don't fill up or whatever. There's a, there's always various forms of this. Even sometimes if they, you do buy the gas for them, they will, uh, you know, that's just to avoid having to pay for gas themselves. Anyway, the, the she was asking for $10 for gas, told me that they're going to be stranded out here. So I, I thought about it. I said, wait a minute. We're 40 miles south of Vegas and there's nothing the other direction for a long way. So why would you ever have come out here with no gas? If you're from Vegas, why would you have driven 40 miles away from Vegas with no gas? And if, and if you've... Uh, um, oh, yeah, she said she was from Vegas. That's what it was. She claimed she was from Vegas. It wasn't even like she ran out of gas on the way to Vegas. She told me she's from Vegas and she needs uh, gas to get back there. So I said, why would you have ever left Vegas and driven 40 miles south with no gas? What, what would be the reason for that? And she couldn't answer it. I said, yeah, obviously this isn't what it appears. I'm, I'm not going to be giving anything. So, so she just immediately closed the door, rolled up the window and drove off. So that that happened there too. So, <laughs> what, so what were you saying about now? Now I'm forgetting what you're talking about. The, the no, somebody oh, the, the, the Powerball power power won $2 million there. Now I'm confused. That, isn't this – don't you have to be in California to buy that? So they're, that, they're, that is California. Uh, no, it's actually not. It's Nevada. They must have. A, they must be right on the border to maybe they have both because. Well, there's no there's no lottery in in Nevada, so right. technically it somehow has to be on the California side. That's what, that's what it must because, be. It must be like a I mean, little a little bit of is in the California. It must be because the, yeah, they, they 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 like to press that the gas the is store cheaper. is on the Nevada border in California next to the Prim Valley Casino, Chevron, and the you know, fashion outlet malls of Las Vegas. Okay, because it's, it's I know that, the, that store. The the gas there, while expensive by Vegas standards, the reason they can do this and still get a lot of customers is because it's cheap for people from California, where the taxes are much higher. So they must have the gas station part of it in Nevada. That's weird, but okay, I I, I believe it. I mean, it is right there on that border city of Prim. So, hmm. yeah. how much is the Powerball? Uh, it was two. It's one point nine nine nine. Literally, it was a hundred dollars short of two million. Okay. Yeah, That's and then a, the store got nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine for selling the ticket. Uh, you know that fail casino we talked about that their uh, lucky dragon. It was supposed to be an auction yesterday, um, but the auctioneer. <laughs> I mean, you can't even make this shit up. The auctioneer was sick, so <laughs> so they rescheduled it to February twenty second. I mean, no one even cares. Like, oh, hey, the auctioneer is sick. We'll just come back. Um, that's that. Yeah, I, I can be, do, do I hear a cold? Do I hear a flu? Do, do, do yeah. I hear strep throat over there? Strep throat. Sold the strep throat. Yeah. This has nothing to do with 
Vegas news, but it was like somehow in this link, so I'm going to read it. This news is coming out of Massachusetts. A Massachusetts couple says it was fun at first when they started receiving daily free mystery packages from Amazon that they hadn't ordered, but now they just wanted to stop. <laughs> Mike and Kelly Gallivan told the Boston Globe that their first package arrived from Amazon in October. They've continued now to receive a rate of roughly 25 to 30 packages a day since then. It contains mostly cheap stuff such as plastic fans and chargers. Amazon has told them that the merchandise was paid for with a gift card with no sender's names. Two experts say they are unwittingly being used in a ruse to manipulate Amazon's buyer reviews. The anonymous sender is likely writing glowing reviews of their own product. <laughs> Imagine trolling somebody like that. You're, just, you're getting 25, 30 things of shit every day from Amazon. Unbelievable. When I was a kid, I, I trolled someone with lots and lots of wake-up calls. I had a way to have the phone – have wake-up calls made to them. Like I made it like every 25 minutes where they had just enough time to fall back asleep and it would ring again. And it was it drove them nuts. I think I was like 12 years old when I did this. But, uh, Interesting. It reminds me a little of that. So that, that that is funny that they're just getting tons and tons of uh, – you know, it also reminds me a bit when I had my credit card stolen through an insider at Chase Bank about 15 years ago, and I uncovered like this whole like credit card fraud ring that I kind of screwed up by interfering with it. But one of the things I found was they were establishing voice over IP numbers, which in that day wasn't as easy as it is now. You know, to they would mm-hmm. establish a phone number that people, you know, for the merchants to call them back and check on anything. And, like, when I called up the guy pretending to be someone – I pretended to be an investigator from the credit card company. I said, "Uh, yeah, can I speak to Todd Wittellis, please? And this Armenian guy's like, yes, this is Todd Wittellis. What what would you like? So, uh, anyway, that – in order to get that phone number, which was like a 310 Los Angeles phone number, which is a voiceover. He was actually in Armenia. So, to get that number, they actually had to send the voiceover IP router – to make it work somewhere. Now, he already had a – he didn't need this. He, he, you know, he already had a router, but he couldn't tell him don't send it because he's supposed to be like a new customer. So he has to send it somewhere, and they're not going to send it to Armenia. So he lied to – so he just would send it to random addresses. So when I tracked down where this went, I actually thought there was a guy from Texas who was in on this scam. And I called him up, and I was very aggressive with telling him he's going to go to jail. And the, the guy got really worried. And then I determined from the way the guy was talking that he had no idea. He goes, please, I just received this box. I have no idea what you're talking about. I just, I just got this thing. I didn't know what it was. What it was. I was like, I, I didn't know how to return it. Like, I could tell he was being honest with it. And, and like I said, okay, you better tell me the truth here. Otherwise, we're going to send people down right now. And so he told me, I, I believed the guy by the end, that, that they really, I mean, I put the whole thing together, that this Armenian guy just had to send it to some address in order to establish that phone number. So he just picked this random address yeah. in Texas, and this poor guy was being, and, and, uh, and, and so, yeah, I, I really uncovered the whole thing, and the, the most fun part of it was harassing the Armenian guy on the phone over and over and over again, and he was just getting furious because he was using that number for all kinds of scams and couldn't disconnect it. So I was just right. bombing him with calls. And he's like, you <laughs> motherfucker, stop this already. Stop it. Why, what Sons do you want? What do you want? And he's shouting at me, and I, and, I, and I said, you know what the best part of this is? I can do this all day and all night, and there's nothing you can do about it. You can't go to the police. There's nothing you can do. I can do it. I can enjoy it. I can fuck with you all I want, and there's nothing, nothing, nothing you can ever do. 
How do you think? What do you think of that? He's like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> it, was, it was satisfying because the guy was. Uh, they actually got access to my account at Chase, the online account. They actually got access to it. Changed my email address. Changed my phone number. Sons of bitches. Changed my password. It was totally an inside job. And I also got someone evicted from the Maryland department who was who was uh, in cahoots because that guy was picking up all the packages, and uh, I got that guy. Uh, Evicted by calling up the uh, complex and uh, pretending like it's under a major investigation, and they got rid of him. So hmm. they 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 messed with the wrong guy there. But uh, yeah. unfortunately, they didn't have dr- my, they didn't have my social. I was so happy. I was like, oh crap, they must Jeez. have my social. I called so when the, when I called up first, pretending you know when it, I, it was so surreal. I'm speaking to a guy who's supposed to be Todd Wittellis. So I'm I'm calling asking about Todd Wittellis to Todd Wittellis, who's actually an Armenian guy. So I, I'm saying, well, you know, we're 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 making sure that this uh, – to make sure this is really you who made these purchases, Todd, uh, can you please give me your social security number? He's like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't have that with me right now. So I say, sure you don't have – oh, no, I don't have that. I go, okay, well, I may have to – we may have to invalidate these. And So it, it was clear he didn't have it. Like he gave me everything he had and it was really just like name, address and you know, the phony phone number he changed it to and all that. So anyway, what were we going to say? A uh, couple other things to wrap it up here. Uh, I know you're not interested in this, and I'm not really interested, but you know uh, that Luxor next month are opening up what they're calling the biggest eSports arena in the United States. Huh. I mean, do you know anything about this? No. You know, you know what eSports is? Yeah. I mean, so yeah, it, it, it's where the nightclub LAX used to be, and they've turned it into a big esports arena this is just ridiculous celebrity says in the article celebrity chef jose andras the think food group guy will create a gaming inspired food and beverage menu for players like what anyhow this is gonna be like you know you can play madden tournaments and all that Uh, what's the other one they play with the the guns uh the call of duty but it's supposed to be the biggest esports uh, arena in in I mean I don't know what that even means is arena the right word Yeah I don't is know what the, just... I don't know what an arena would be for this but yeah that's Yeah I mean obviously yeah. they're trying to attract the younger crowd there and yeah. the, the Luxor's kind of it's a, it's kind of a fail place it was never it's very nice fail. it's never it's never nice to begin with and now it's 25 years old so that, Yeah I, I had a friend who stayed there you know because it was cheap and he gets there and the lamp just has no shade the lampshade's just gone. It's just a bare light bulb. So he calls He calls up. He, he, he took a picture of it and showed me. And then he calls the front desk, and he says, yeah, this lamp is missing a shade. Oh, yeah, we have a problem. A lot of the rooms are like that now, <laughs> they were told. So apparently they have a chronic problem of people stealing lampshades from there. It doesn't make sense. Let me ask you, if you were to buy, I know you, you don't, and I haven't done this in probably 10 years, but if you were to buy a CD, a music CD, name the first store you would go. To buy, like, you know, say your favorite group comes out with something and, you know, you ha- you want to buy the CD. Where would you go? I'd probably go to either Best Buy or Target. Starting July 1st, Best Buy will pull every CD from all their stores in North America. They will no longer wow. be selling CDs. I'm just looking at this right now. This is actually today. Interesting. I don't even know why. I don't know what, what I mean, I know why, but I, I, I haven't even clicked on the article. But starting July 1st, you will no longer be able to buy a CD inside any Best Buy North America, Druff. I was what do you think about that? I, I rebelled again in, in the 80s when CDs were coming out. 
I criticized them and said it's it's a, it's a glorified record player. Mm-hmm. Which in a way it is, but uh, yeah, uh, I, I stuck to I stuck to cassettes for a while, and then uh, then I I finally had to back down and get a CD player. Yeah, but yeah, I, I guess something that's like '80s technology. I guess it makes sense why that's ending. Who was the first big name celebrity? To ever appear downtown in Vegas, or should even ask, who was the biggest name celebrity-wise to ever perform downtown in Vegas, and who was responsible for that? And I'll be honest, I did not know that until I just read it seconds ago. So, biggest celebrity to ever appear downtown, and who was responsible for it? Well, I didn't know what biggest celebrity would refer well, to. I mean, just okay. Name like, probably like, the most famous person you think has ever performed downtown. You know, downtown doesn't get a lot of acts, a lot of big, big, insane name acts. I, can you name any? Uh, do you mean the current downtown? Downtown, yeah, like downtown. No, 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 no. I know. I'm saying the way the current downtown Vegas is, or the old. Okay, let me rephrase it a different way. Who do you think the biggest celebrity? I guess it's it's arguably, but I'm going to say it is to ever perform downtown was. But biggest he, name that's ever. But but you know my question is there's there's downtown casi- hotel casinos which may have had like a ballroom where they could where could, they could perform. And, I mean, in a casino like in a showroom. Okay, that's what like, I mean. You yeah. Know, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, thought yeah. you may have been like a, like out in that Fremont Street experience, people outside performing. No, no, no. I mean, like in a casino. Okay, I'll even I'll be more specific. At the Golden Nugget, he performed. Uh, I. I and this was like a, a back in the day I would, when, when uh, nobody went downtown. All the big names are on the strip. I don't know. Elvis or something? No. Frank Sinatra. That was my second guest. That was my second guest. Yeah. And, and who brought him there? Who was responsible for him? Uh, Steve, Steve Wynn. Steve Wynn. At the Golden mm-hmm. Nugget. I didn't know that. I'm reading this now. Oh. That he brought Sinatra. You know, it's, it's, now they're doing this little bio. I'm, I'm sure you covered this earlier, right? The, the, the fall of Steve Wynn. Yes, yes. Yeah. What what do you think is next for him? Is he done? Is he out of the casino oh, he, business? He, he's he, he'll be done. He's too old to you know. This is his. This was swan uh, swan song. Yeah, and he's too old to start over. And and if you know this, if after everything he built there, that he's having to leave, he's not going to be able to start new. But the, the bigger question is what happens to Win Resorts at this point? Do they lose their Boston license? And do they you know now that he's out? And do they rebrand? And I yeah. don't know. It's 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 tough there. It wasn't so tough to yeah you know, for him to get rid of him or for him to quit. And he could have been pushed out of the board anyway. Uh, but I, I, the most interesting thing about this whole thing to me is that Sheldon Adelson delivered the knockout punch. That's well, they don't like each other. I know. I mean, it's right, so but that, secret. But I think it's just so funny that the Las Vegas Review Journal threw itself under the bus in order to ruin Steve Wynn. And that's essentially what it did, because Sheldon Adelson cares more about ruining Steve Wynn than, than the reputation of the Las Vegas Review-Journal. And he tried to, tried to lie and say, oh, you know, his spokesman said, uh, Sheldon Adelson didn't know about this story until it landed on his driveway when, when he received the paper. Like, come on. There's no chance of that. I do, yeah. think, I do think it was brought to him. I, I do think you know, he wouldn't have just known this. I think someone brought it to him who wanted to kiss his ass and uh, told him, hey, look what we have here. What do you think we should do with it? And he said, "By all means, run it." That's what I think happened. We'll never get confirmation of that, but of course, that's a very, a very interesting situation, and I'm going to be watching what happens next. And hopefully, when we do get an update on that, that 
the show will record, which I, I really have been paranoid. I've checked this so many times, even though there's no reason to keep checking, because I already know what the problem was that occurred last week, and I know that the problem has not didn't occur this time. Like it, it wasn't a spontaneous thing that happened in the middle of the show. It didn't just break in the middle of the show. It never started recording because something went wrong because there were two radio servers running. And there should not have been. It, 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 it screwed up the whole system. So once it starts, it's not going to break. And I, I just hadn't been watching because there was no reason to watch. Because every week, without fail, it was, it was doing it properly. But I guess, like Caesars, I always find new ways, new ways to fail on this show. So... Anyway, I hope you, I hope you guys enjoyed uh, this week's show. We we had a lot here. We even had all three of our our co-hosts, and we had two guests. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the only thing that uh, the, this show that I wish was different was that uh, I wish Chicago Joey was not in as noisy of a place. But you know that's that's where he was going to be tonight. Where is so he at? He was at the win, and it was very noisy. But was he playing poker? I don't know what he was doing there. He was very like when I asked him what it was going on there, he was very cagey. Like some female talking in the background. I said, "Ah, oh, who's that?" And he's like. It's not anybody. It's not anybody. We've got to know these things. So what do you think, by the way? Do you think that it should be rebranded and renamed? I don't personally. No, I don't don't think so either. I I think that – and I don't even think that many customers are going to really care that much about this, Uh, at least the customers that are bringing in the most money to them. So like how many high rollers that would have otherwise come to the winner are not going to for this, especially now that he's gone? Right. So, like, I mean, you're not going to. I mean, the majority of their gaming money comes from high end baccarat play. Do you think the Asian gambler coming in from, you know, Singapore or, you know, wherever they, whatever, wherever they are going to say, I'm not coming in because of that win? Yeah, like, that, no, they're going there. As long as a class, you know, stays the same, it's a first class, you know, hotel operation, the food is still good. Re- and listen, I'll tell you, it's overpriced. Okay. I was there last weekend. Uh, with C Money, I stayed there. We were at the Aria, then we moved over to the Win. And yeah, it's expensive. It's not meant to be for you know people that live here, or, you know people that are on a budget. But if you know you don't mind spending money, and you're in that you know one percent that just wants you know the best of everything, top notch food service, all of that, you can't beat that place anywhere in this city. I mean, I'm telling you the truth. I've stayed everywhere. You can't name a high-end hotel in this city that I haven't at some point stayed at since I've lived here. And I think the win is top-notch. I don't even think there's a close second. I mean, like I said, that was just coming off a trip to you know the Aria where we were in the Sky Suites, which was rated 42nd in the world as you know 42nd best you know hotel or property, whatever you want to call it. Um, but just you know, for the bang for your buck, you know, whether it's room service, talking to somebody at the, I mean, like, you know what. It's like the issues that you've had. You call Caesars, the front desk, and they'll, you know, have they ever been like argumentative with you or just kind of given you attitude or, you know, yes? No, I've I've had that and and more of the problem where they just have no clue or or just say stupid things and stand by them. So, yeah. Okay, fair enough. But I mean, you you know, you call downstairs, you know, for even the, the most petty or stupidest request, you're being treated like. You know, you're an important person. No right. Well, that, that's, I mean, that, everything that, is just top notch. It's almost like they've all gone through the best customer service training that there is possible. Well, yes. And, that, um, and that's what I was going to say. The Mandarin Oriental is like that, too. That they, they have that same sort of attitude there where they want to make the customer happy. And whereas Caesars, okay. you, you get a combination of, of cluelessness and, and, and people who just uh, you want to prove you wrong. 
and it's going to be very frustrating. Yeah. Especially when you're not, like, look at me with the Caesar story with trying to get that damn bag for the ice, <laughs> which I had to go yeah. through. So, mm. like, that would have never happened at, at, a, at a hotel that cares about customer service. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, and Steve Wynn, I was saying earlier in the show, he always got very personally involved in making sure that the hotel was exactly as he wanted. The, the look of it, the artwork, the 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 decorating, the service, this is all very important. Like it would piss him off personally if these things were not right. So that's, he was a very you know, hands-on what else, person. What else is really interesting, Druff, is he has two residents in Vegas. One is a mansion, I believe it's in Southern Highlands. I'm not sure, but it's a mansion. And his ex-wife, Elaine Wynn, makes that her primary residence. And ever since they got divorced, he lives in a villa at the Wynn oh. on the eighth hole of the soon-to-be-demolished golf course. So when he's in Vegas and he's not traveling, that's where, you know, that's his primary residence in the world. Do you think he's going to leave and become a hermit somewhere else or get out of Vegas or build a house away from that? Or do you think he'll continue to live at the Wynn? I, I think neither. I think he's going to move out of it but live somewhere in Vegas. Well, that's what I'm asking you. Do you yeah. think he's going to move out of the wind? I think he will, yes. Okay. You don't think he'll continue to live on the property? Maybe it's too painful or just bothers him? Yeah, or yeah, or just kind of it feels weird to be there but not be able to control anything. So, uh, yeah, I, I you think... You know, it's kind of like, remember that movie Casino? When uh, Lefty... Well, that was his name, right? Wasn't it Lefty, the, the character played by Robert De Niro? I know it was Rosenthal, but I think it was Lefty. Uh, and do you remember that movie well? Uh, you know, I've forgotten a lot of it. It's been many years since I saw it. Well, anyhow, he ended up having to, to resign because of his mob affiliations. And he lived in the resort, too. And then he gave himself an LOL title of, like, entertainment director. Just because he didn't want to leave. You know, he still wanted to be involved in, in the hotel. So... It's kind of interesting, you know, just to think what he's going to do because he is old. But, you know, look at someone like Sheldon Adelson. He's, I think, 85 or 84. Um, you know, so he's, he's got years on Steve Wynn and he's still, you know. Well, yeah, I brought, and I brought that up. I, I said both of these guys had this, you know, had this not happened, Steve Wynn, just like Sheldon Adelson, I think both of them, their plans were to keep doing this until they're dead. Until they die. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, when, interesting. When, yeah, and I, it's, it's going to be that's going to be the toughest thing for him is to not have this anymore. This has been his whole life, and it's been it's not just about money. It's very important to him to run these hotels the exact way he wants, and 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 put out this prod, the, 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 these hotels this way, and that's why like the, on the win, the writing on the front of the win is actually his signature saying win, and that that's on purpose. It's like it's like like almost like he signed the building saying that this is mine. This, yeah, it's exactly the way I want it. So it's very important for everyone to identify, like, this is a great place to stay. They, 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 it's, it's a perfect place to be, and, and Steve Wynn is the one who brought it to me. He's responsible for all this. That, that's the way he wanted to be seen. And Do you know, other than Sheldon Adelson, do you know who else is extremely happy? And this is, a, a, I guess, a quasi-celebrity. It was a cele- He was a celebrity at one point in your famous or you know, one of the eras you loved. The, the early 90s and he's kind of gone away now because he's been in jail had legal trouble he doesn't have money but you know he was a famous guy who battled publicly for years and years like about a decade with steve Wynn. you have any idea who that was no joe francis hmm. that's fine you know who joe francis yes is? yes 
from Girls Gone yeah, Wild. Yeah, yes, yeah, I know. And his legal trouble started about a decade ago, maybe a little bit even more, when he bounced some markers that that he owed the win. And he tried the whole thing, you know, I was drunk and, you know, they kept giving me alcohol and they knew, you know, I was losing. Doesn't matter. You know, everyone does this argument or not everyone, but a lot of people try this argument. It never works. So he got thrown in jail. You know, he would, he didn't pay and he actually got thrown in jail. Then when he got out of jail, you know, he just all had a judgment. He had to pay these markers back to Steve Wynn. He started telling various media that Steve Wynn threatened to kill him. This is all true. I mean, you can Google this, you know, the court records and whatnot. So he literally was telling anybody that would listen that Steve Wynn made threats against his life. What did Steve Wynn then do? He sued him for, for slander <laughs> and then got like another judgment for like $25 million against this guy. So literally, this guy, Joe Francis, you know, famous from Girls Gone Wild, dude was bawling. He was worth tens of millions of dollars off these, you know, VCR tapes that he made, you know, By decades the, those, ago. Those things were such fail. I, I watched one of them. It was very boring. So did I. I, I watched it on the internet once. I never bought it, but like when the internet started, I remember like it was streamed somewhere, and I was curious about it. And like when you have porn now on the internet, how can you watch one of those? I even watched it kind of before those days as much. Like it, someone had bought it and had it at their house, and so they put it on. And I, I watched it for like five minutes, and I got bored, and I went, I just walked away to do something else. Yeah. So he literally, and then, you know, if anyone's interested, read about it. He literally bankrupt this dude. I mean, he's never, you don't hear from him anymore. He's, he's done. It's kind of like OJ Simpson, whatever money he can get, you know, it has to like be in cash or he has to somehow hide it because if, if not, it's all has to go to that judgment. If there's anything, you know, recorded or anything, you know, that could be documented or traced back to him, it, it's got to go to Steve Wynn. He's, you know, I think it's like 30, 40 million he owes him. So uh-huh. ridiculous number, a number he'll never, ever pay. <laughs> so, yeah, pretty interesting. He should just leave the country. Sure. That's what he should do. That's what I do in that spot. I just, uh, you know, screw it. I'm just, I'm just going to another country. They can't touch this. Start yeah, over. Very interesting. One other thing. Uh, I don't know if you. I guess you talked about bitcoins. No, I didn't talk about them. Uh, okay. I just kind of people don't really like hearing about them on this show. Well, I'm just going to give one warning to people because I know there's a lot of novice Bitcoin or crypto people that are still out there. Um, you know, and people that you know, even like me, that kind of have some experience, but not a you know, not a whole ton. There's a big change in uh, banking laws, or I should say, regulations or rules. Uh, this past week, specifically credit cards. Yes. Um, did you, okay. So, if you use Coinbase, which is still the the biggest site to use for the past however many years, you've been able to buy uh, Ethereum. Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, even you know Litecoin, and it's just a normal charge on your credit card. Whether it's a Visa or Mastercard, you get the points. It's just like a charge as if you went to Best Buy and bought a computer. Starting last week, all of those credit cards started coding it differently, and from this point on, uh, every major bank—they listed Bank of America, uh, Citibank, Chase, uh, Capital One, Barclays—you're uh, immediately be charged a cash advance if you purchase crypto with your credit card. Um, for me, for instance, I, I built up my relationship with uh, Coinbase to the point where I was able to charge 5000 every seven days, so literally 20000 a month in, in Bitcoin. And, you know, like I said, it was just like a normal purchase, like I bought a couch. So 
but starting, I think it was this past Monday or might have been even the Friday before then, you're immediately, it's, it's just literally like you're taking your credit card to a uh, casino and getting a cash advance at the cage. You're charged the immediate fee and then the interest, which starts accumulating immediately. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, it, it literally, uh, I, I read an article, I think it was in Forbes. If you take out $1,000 and if you buy $1,000 in Bitcoin, going to cost you about $350 well, I, I have, in I fees have, and interest. I have arguably worse news, or maybe better for people who aren't aware of this, that now they are just blocking it. That uh, four banks, Chase, Bank of America, hmm. City, and and one other, uh, oh, Capital One. Capital One. Capital yeah. One. Uh, all have just prohibited purchasing cryptocurrencies because they are afraid of Bankruptcy? Of, of, well, a few things. That, of, of, of fraud. Because the problem is it's very easy to just defraud these credit cards, and then uh, you know, I didn't do it. And then uh, prove it. I didn't. I didn't charge it. Right. It wasn't me. Right. Yeah. And, then, and then just take the bit, Bitcoin you're, uh, that you get it's from anonymous. And, and just, you can't trace who and disappear into the wind with it. So they oh, yeah. they've decided there's too much of a fraud risk here, and they are disallowing it. So that's those four <laughs> banks have disallowed it completely. So these are some of the reasons that Bitcoin had its crash, uh, and and I. I since we're on the subject, and some people get pissed off. See, I see it just went back up. It crashed a little bit again, but right now it's at 8,600, which is a lot lower than it was last week and a lot lower than it was the week before. Yeah, but it's not in that real just but, but, but know, death range of 6,000. Right, it, it, popped, it, popped, it popped back up when it was at 5,900 was the lowest it got to and popped back up some. But let me tell you why there's a problem here, aside from these these – these various ways that the banks are attacking the cryptocurrencies, whether you want to say it's on purpose or just be, it's just out of fear. But the problem here is that Bitcoin originally, when it was just Bitcoin, or for the most part just Bitcoin, this was seen as a finite commodity. There's only going to be a finite number of Bitcoin that are generated. And if Bitcoin really were to become the new way that money is spent in the world that eventually all the Bitcoin will be out and whoever owns them will have the wealth. So it was thought that it pretty much has un- had unlimited potential to keep rising in value for that reason. Well, but that's not true anymore. Now, while Bitcoin, there are only a finite number of Bitcoin that has changed, but now there are so many different cryptocurrencies, including others that are seen as much cooler and much more interesting and they're ones i don't even know about oh, people there's, are telling there's, me there's buy thousands. this buy that i'm like i have no fucking idea what you're there's, even there's actually thousands out there now some of them have very little activity but uh but but there's so many other cryptocurrencies including ones that are considered cooler than bitcoin right now which is kind of getting to see more seem like it's more and more the crypto of the public uh so so and people who miss the boat on bitcoin say oh it's worth so many thousand per coin i want to get on this other coin which is worth relatively little right now and could also get where bitcoin is now so Bitcoin started to fall out of favor, and now there's so many different coins. The, the, the whole concept that this is going to be a, a finite commodity and you better get it now is that's that's out the window because there's so many other different coins. And, and so, so and the other problem is, you may say, okay, well, I'll just buy these other coins, because, uh, especially the ones that seem to be gaining popularity, like Ethereum, because uh, you know, if Bitcoin's on their way down, I'll get this. Well, the problem is that these are all still tied to Bitcoin because how? What is the way that most of these are bought with Bitcoin? Now, yes, there's some exchanges right. you can buy some of the bigger alternative currencies, but uh, not many. So 
the main way people are buying these other coins is with Bitcoin. So it's, it's all tied together. There's no there's no independence. So so when Bitcoin crashes, it drags the rest of them down, and yet at the same time, the rest of them are dragging Bitcoin down. And then you have this other stuff happening at the same time. Now, I know Bitcoin has been better with the transaction fees recently, but for a while the transaction fees were so high that it it was impractical to use for anything that. Uh, yeah, now, that was explain to me real fast. Why did it all that lower? I, I don't even understand why. Uh, it, it had to. Well, it has to do with one with the miners' charge, and, and second, the congestion in the network. And I'm I, I'm not sure what changed there to make it change. I didn't. Follow it was it. A, it was a fucking massive. It was drop. It, was, it was massive. It, it was a massive rise and then a massive drop. But what what I'll say here is that these the problem is the whole reason Bitcoin shot up in the first place. It, it's it's kind of gone now, and it, it's only a matter of time until it returns. To where it was now, when it was it was going down, 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 and not just like like a steep crash, but kind of like a, a a moderately fast, but not super blazing fast march downward. You know, followed by a little anemic recovery, followed by another march downward. I thought we were going to go down, down, down until until we got to about three thousand. It did surprise me that when it hit fifty nine hundred, that people kind of woke up and said, "Oh wow, this is good value now." And I think that a lot got bought since then, and now it's kind of pushed it back up. So right. it's been bouncing between yep. you know, seven thousand and eight thousand something for the last two days or so. But I, I think the long term prognosis is not good here, and, uh, and and I know I've said this before, but this time it it really seems like all the reasons why it went up before are now pretty much gone, and I I think this is going to be, and and there's more and on the other side there's there's more and more wars against it by governments and banks that are making it more and more difficult to obtain for people, which also brings the value down. So I, I think this party is kind of over. It may not be immediately over, yeah. but it, it's going to be over soon. And I think anybody who, who is thinking, oh, I'm going to invest in, in, in crypto and, and, and make a lot of money, that time's past. That, that time's way past. And the, yes, we've had other signs before that it was on its way out, and then it, it, it just would recover and then shoot way up further. Right. But I'll, so, tell you the, I'll tell you the one difference, and then you can make your comment here. The, the one difference was, until now, it wasn't the public who was trading so much. The, the public didn't have interest yet. So I feel the public pushed this up. And the, the public, like, if you look a year ago, the public still wasn't in on it like they are now. And in the past year, the public took such an intense interest in it that that's what... A lot of what I believe pushed it up to the value it was when it got to. The, it was at nineteen thousand four hundred on December seventeenth. So think about that. It lost two thirds, more than two thirds of its value in the next seven weeks. So that that's pretty brutal. And just because it's gained a little back, uh, I wouldn't uh, trust it. And and if you even think about, it, you go, okay, well, it's, it's back at eighty five hundred right now. That's not that bad. Well, last week on the show, I talked about how maybe it'll get down to eighty nine hundred at some point uh, soon, and that was seems like a bad scenario. Now people are going, oh, 8,500, it's back to 8,500, it's not that bad. Uh, this is what was considered terrible a week ago. So think about that. Okay, so what, what were you going to say? I was only going to say, uh, for those that are listening, that I've used Coinbase in the past. Um, I got an email from them two days ago, and they're starting something new called Instant Buys. And I've not yet used this myself, but this is the email that they sent to me. So uh, for those of you that want to be able to 
buy crypto still and, and obviously don't pay the fees. No matter what you do, don't use a credit card. That's just absurd. Um, and you don't want to wait, you know, four or five days a week until you get it. Dear Brandon, we are writing to let you know that your Coinbase account is eligible for InstaBuy. Last year, we launched the ability for Coinbase customers to instantly buy digital currency from their checking or savings account. This was a result of customer feedback that the time between purchasing and receiving digital currency was too long. In order to inst- in order to enable InstaBuy, visit your account page on Coinbase. Enable your bank account, you know, enter it here, blah, 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 and then relink it with your bank by logging in via the secure prompt. Uh, So basically, I don't know how that will work if somehow they're able to determine if you have enough cash in there to make the purchase right away or if it's maybe debited right away. But from what this email says, basically, those transactions will be done in real time and you'll have the crypto immediately in your account. I don't know if it's kind of like an e-check or uh, you know, how do you think this is done? I mean, because they're not just going to let you do it based on your credit with them, you know, like you're standing that you're a good customer. There has to be some way that they can verify that you have the, the money in your account, I would imagine. I don't know. I, I, I can't see how they'd have access to that, but I don't know. That's strange. Maybe, yeah. maybe. So anyway, I just got that email. It's called InstaBuy. If you're dead set on still buying uh, Bitcoin or any of the other you know currencies on uh Coinbase, inquire if your account is eligible. Well, if they have your social security number, they could have run a credit check on you. That they could have done. I can't remember. Do do, do we? You had Coinbase. Do we end up giving my social? I I don't remember. I think you have to. Uh, I don't use them anymore. I I I never liked them. I I liked them at the very beginning when you. I actually at the very beginning at Coinbase when I was there, I was actually chatting with one of the managers. Like I, I I pulled up chat instead of getting some guy in Russia. I like I I would actually get one of the upper managers there, and I was chatting with him. That was the good old days. It's nothing like that anymore. So I, I've abandoned them. But do they charge well, anyhow, you? That's, I, I was going to ask you one other thing. If you have Bitcoin on Coinbase, do they charge you any tra- any fee, even a transaction fee, like even a miner's fee? Do they charge you any fee to send it out to like a blockchain wallet? Yes. Yeah, see, Gemini doesn't. That's one thing I like about Gemini is you can send Bitcoin from there for zero charge. No matter how high the transaction fee is. Yeah. I mean, it's not a lot, but it's still a couple bucks. You yeah. know, it's still a couple bucks. Gemini is the one that's owned by uh, the Winklevoss twins. Well, oh, wow. I didn't know that. Well, the reason why I like Coinbase is now a reason why I have no use for them anymore is because I just felt the comfort level that if I needed to buy, you know, 20000 in a month or at least 5000 I can instantly get it. Um, again, you know, of course, there were fees. You know, I think. Five thousand, I had to pay like one hundred fifty bucks or something. But I'm just saying, I like the fact that I did have that, you know, that ability. Or if I wanted to deposit on, you know, I guess I'd still be cheaper, you know, to deposit on a poker site if I wanted to put it on ACR since I can't play on Bovada Living in Nevada. I mean, versus using a credit card with one hundred fifty for five thousand with no other fees. Yeah, yeah, it's be been, cheaper. Yes, but but uh, way you can send money now to Gemini. You can actually wire money over there and just have it in cash in an account there, and then just use it to buy. And then it's uh, what is it, like um, an escrow. Sort it's, it's they're just holding the money for you, and it's not really. Yeah, an but I would never want to do that because then you don't. So you're saying you'd have to give up access to the money. Yes. So why wouldn't you just buy it then? Oh, I guess if you don't, because yeah, the, because you don't the fee, want the, the fees are, okay. No, the fees are much lower. You, then the fees are very cheap yeah. because you're not using a credit card. And then you can send it out of there for free. 
So it's it's, right. it's uh, you know, provided you don't need access to that money immediately, you don't mind it sitting over there. Yeah, then I, I wouldn't it's, I wouldn't store hundreds of thousands over there. I'm just saying you just kind of estimate what you need to buy, what Bitcoin you think you may need to buy, and put that in there. It's a bit surprising to me that it took this long for credit card companies to finally jump on this. I mean, they've known about it for years. Yeah, I'm surprised too. You would think you would have thought they'd really take a bath on this. People just. Stealing credit cards, buying crypto, and then just—I uh, mean, yes, they have a, they have well, a—I a, know they have a know your customer thing on on Coinbase and others, so you can't just make unlimited accounts and buy. But but still, well, like, and the other thing is, it, it makes you—and you know, I'm not saying this is fraud proof either, but you can't just—it's not as simple as putting a credit card on there and buying. You have to log—you know—you have to have the credit card in your name. It verifies the name. Then you have to be able to log in and give them the amount. You know, they make every anytime you add a credit card, they will send you two very small deposits to your credit card, or two charges, I should say. And then you have to put in those amounts perfectly. If you don't, then it won't, won't approve it. So, you know, I, I add a you know a Chase card. They'll send, you know, a, a authorization for $0.07, cents and then, like, you know, $1.21. And then you have to get them both. You know, you know what I'm saying? So there are a couple steps. It's not just as easy as getting a credit card number and being able to do it. Um, but still, you know, I would think that, a while ago, they would have got on this train and stopped that from happening. Yeah, it just seems kind of logical. We have so. a call. We have a caller in the air from six three one. Hello. Hey, boys, how's it going? Handicap me. Handicap me. I thought it might be you. Hey, buddy. <laughs> hey, guys. Just uh, taking the dog for a quick walk prior to work, and then uh, turned on to see if I could download the show. Unlike last week, uh, and then mm-hmm. I you guys around talking about the credit card stuff. Um, <laughs> Just wanted to give a little bit more color from what I've been hearing. Okay. Um, specifically around Bitcoin itself. Uh, so, like, there's another person on the site I've been talking to a little bit about uh, the whole crypto thing. But, um, so a lot of our traders, and actually just a lot of people in general that I work with, they, uh, they've been trading in and out. I had one guy, or I knew of one guy, about three months ago, four months ago, when like the coin was at like fifteen ish k, sixteen k, he actually ended up quitting because he made so much that he was just like, you know what, I don't need to fuck do this, I'm done, right? So he quit, and lo and behold, uh, I think it was this Monday or Friday, I forget. He actually emailed his old manager, and people have been uh, forwarding the email around and just laughing asking for his job back because he lost his shit. Uh, he pretty much lost like 80% of what he made in the span of one month. So, so that was from buying and selling. Like, so he got out at 15,000 then kept buying and selling and just kept losing more. Uh, well, yeah. And, uh, like his main investment, which was in Bitcoin, he started to uh, diversify. Um, funny enough, <laughs> uh, ser- <laughs> uh, seriously serious may like this but i he like i heard him one day talking about uh, doug polk as well this i thought that was funny like prior to him leaving like just when he started talking about crypto but um anyway so he apparently like we didn't get too much detail but um his main investment wasn't bitcoin he got in at like the perfect time when uh when uh what's that to you uh jamie diamond came out and was just like it's stupid blah 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 like Everyone at my bank, at, at all banks across, like, all of Wall Street, like, anyone who was trading it, a lot of people sold out. He did it. 
and worked out for him. I'm not sure Arisio had anything to say about it. I haven't heard anything, but whatever. And, uh, yeah, he made a lot of money. He sold out around, like, 14, 15, 16K in that area and started started investing a lot in, like, the smaller coins. And apparently he got involved in BitConnect, which is what really got him. Oh, the scam, yeah. Yep. So that's that right there is one of the main catalysts but um, that has been driving banks to, like, put more restrictions on people actually investing in Bitcoin. So uh, specifically at my bank, first they said um, it was banned. Then they came out and said, okay, you know what? If you want to invest in it, we're going to consider it like a currency. And uh, you're allowed to trade currencies without any, like, without, like, any restrictions, right? Uh, when the BitConnect thing happened, people actually lost money. Like, there's a guy specifically on my floor who, who lost around 40K on it, right? It was an obvious scam, but, you know, maybe that's the smartest guy in the world. And as stuff like that kept happening, it also came out that uh, there were pump and dumps going on as well, which is highly illegal on Wall Street, but, you know, in a market like that, nothing's going to stop it. So my bank specifically has now told anyone uh, who's in the risk department, anyone who's in the trading department, or anyone who's in the sales department cannot trade it anymore. So if you hold it, you have to liquidate it. If you don't liquidate it, if they find out, it's not like a warning where, you know, every time we uh, sell a share of stock, uh, we have to get it uh, pre-cleared. Like, anytime we do anything, we have to get pre-cleared. Here, it's, they won't give you a warning. They're, if they catch you trading it in any way, shape, or form, you're going to get fired. Oh, interesting. Like, it, there's a zero tolerance policy. And that's about a week before this whole uh, credit card news came out where, you know, they are... Um, they won't allow you to fund your uh, your your Bitcoin account or like your Coinbase account or your Bit like whatever account is with a credit card. Well, that's uh, that's, that's good information. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. He has uh, handicapped me here. Works in the the financial world in, in New York. So, which I, I met him in person outside of his building. He's one of the he's one of the few people on the site who has seen Benjamin before. Brandon has too. Brandon Child. But, uh, Very nice kid. Thank you. So, yeah, that's that's interesting perspective you have here. And you know, whenever you call into the show, like in what's your early morning, because you're three hours later than we are, it still feels weird. It still feels weird that I'm doing the show <laughs> when some guy's getting up for work. It just it just it's, it creates a strange feeling in me that that's happening. Well, I didn't even know you guys are still going to be on. Like I've been up for probably the last hour. And I was I was gonna go watch the dog jam right now, and I was like, oh, let me see if you upload the show, and you guys are still on. So yeah, here it is. Yeah, it's I mean, yeah, I feel bad at what happened last week, and uh, it's, it's very frustrating. You think as a listener, if you think it's frustrating, imagine it's the one who actually did the show and, and prepared for wait, the show. But have you solved the problem? Like, yeah, I, I well, know what the, I know what the problem is. It's just, uh, and I'm not gonna let it happen again. It's just, it, I can't undo what happened last week. That's what sucks. No, that's that's fine. So, it happens. At least just one show out of, out, of, out of many. So, anyway, uh, I, I think we're about it's about it here. I've been on the air for well over six hours. No, no wait, 
Wait, no, I'm going to hang up. Uh, stay out for like another hour or so. No, I, I can't Come on, I want to give her a long walk. I want to give her a long walk. Well, it'll be in the archive soon. You can do that. Oh, hold on. Something you can talk about um, is, uh, like, how to get the best deal on cruises. Because I just booked a cruise, and, like, you gave me a bit of information, and I took that, and, like, I parlayed it. I got a pretty, uh, pretty great deal on it. Okay, let me let me ask so you. Something. Let me ask you. I don't want to do a whole long segment. I don't have the energy for that right now. But sure. um, how many months out is this cruise? How long is it from now? From, uh, from, from, from when actually, you, from when you booked, from when you booked it. Well, okay, when when from when you booked it? When, when did you book it? And when is the cruise? Approximately. Uh, four months. Okay. Um, four months. Okay, so. Here's here's the story. Now, the other question is: Is this a cruise that is what I call rare? Rare meaning it only has a few of those on that line each year. Like like for example, like each line will sometimes have like one or two Panama Canal cruises the whole year, and and there your bargaining power is pretty much gone because it's going to fill every single time. Whereas like a Caribbean cruise, which they run week after week after week, and there's tons of them, those you can get bargains much more easily. So is this is this the type of cruise that is? Uh, uh, unusual, no. or, or is it very common? So, so this cruise is pretty common, although there's quote unquote two versions of it. So there's one that leaves out of Rome and one that leaves out of Barcelona. Okay, so it's that cruise, but okay. people uh, will get on at both destinations. Okay, so it's, but it's a Europe cruise. Now those those can be kind of rare. Yeah. So, but are there a lot of them going at the same? Like, are a lot of them? Do they have a whole lot of these there in the year, or only a few? Um, they have them growing from April all the way till probably like August. Okay, well, that's, that's a good number. So, so, so anyway, very quickly, the way you're going to get the best deal on a cruise is if you're willing to gamble. Gamble meaning that uh, you have to accept that there's a chance you will not go at all, and you also have to put in some work to watch when you're booking, of, of, you know, of what's going on with the prices. Cruises, what they do is they dump cabins when it's when they're not meeting expected sales after the cancellation date. So there's a date for – most cruise lines will let you cancel for a full refund. It's not like buying an airline ticket where once you've bought it, you're, you're, you're committed. With cruises, you can cancel all the way up to a certain point. And yeah, most lines, the, the time is anywhere between 75 days and 120 days before you sail. Okay? So – up through cancellation, where you get full a full refund, then they know not to lower the price because then people can just cancel and rebook for a much cheaper price and, and pay no penalty. So they don't lower the price dramatically until after cancellation has a penalty, and then they usually wait a little bit after that because usually the initial penalty is not that high where it'd still be worth doing. They want to wait till like you get to like the fifty percent penalty for canceling, where it, it just wouldn't be worth it for most people. So. Once they get to that point where the cancellation penalty goes up to something like 50%, that's when they start to dump the rooms if they're not meeting expectations for sales. So when that happens, they start to the prices start to really come down, especially if it's a balcony cabin or worse, meaning balcony, ocean view, or inside. Any of those, the prices will fall. I'm hearing some noise in the background, by the way. Are you making... Uh, I think it's you. I think, I think it's you, yeah. I'm walking. So th- th- that's when... That's when it it drops dramatically, if they're not selling well. If it's selling very well, then the price can actually go up. 
So you so if it's going to be a rare itinerary, this is never going to work. But if it's something that goes a lot, uh, you and there's even some websites you can see historical pricing, and uh, but even without that, you can just observe yourself. You can even call up the line and say, you know, how are there a lot of rooms left in this category? Can you give me an approximate number? Sometimes they'll just tell you, and then you can know if it's in general if it's selling well. So you are gambling, though. You are you are gambling. Maybe the price will go up. Maybe it'll sell out quickly when you're not you're not looking. But if you're willing to take that gamble and wait till doesn't that be the very last minute? Some people think you have to wait till like you know two days before the cruise. That's not true. You can wait till you know just two months before the cruise, a month before the cruise, something like that, and you'll see the price often really fall. And then you can jump on it. Now, sometimes the, if there's an airline ticket involved, sometimes that'll go up if you have to, if you wait too close to when you're, you're, you'd have to go there. So that can also be a consideration. But that's what you have to do. If you buy before cancellation, if you're still in the full cancellation period, where you'll get a full refund for cancellation, your deal's never going to be that great. So there's there's no way to beat that, unless you have some kind of like casino certificate to get a high high discount. Uh, the the rest of my tips, which I, maybe I'll go over some other time, are just things about like once you're on the cruise, how to save money, which which is a big deal because that's the way the cruises mainly make money is from people, you know, sp- spending money unwisely on board. So there's a lot of ways you can save money there and yet not feel too cheap. Like there's a way you can you can cruise and and feel like you're not cheaping out on everything, and at the same time not waste money. So, um, yeah, no, that sounds great. One other piece of advice I could give, and uh, I just happened to fall on this by chance, was um, specifically around. Uh, so, like on this cruise, it stops in multiple places. It's like a seven-day one, but you, uh, people will get on and off at Rome or Barcelona, right? So, what I noticed was if you get on at Barcelona, it is actually. Uh, for two people, it's a discount of like close to eight hundred dollars, um, just on a balcony room and on a suite room. It's even more. It was uh, we got eleven fifty off just by changing that one location, but it's the same exact crew and the same exact boat. So if you're going to do like a, oh. a, a Caribbean cruise, where you actually get on could could make a huge uh, yeah. Th- th- well. That's that's true too. And uh, something else I want to say. Um, you said a suite. Did you get a mini suite by any chance, or just or a full suite? Uh, so I got like the, I got the lowest haven suite. Oh, okay. But okay, uh, okay. the reason why I didn't get the mini suite was because it, from what I was reading, it's the same exact as getting like a balcony. It is. It's fail. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you right. I'm, gl- I'm glad you did not make that mistake. The mini suite is a scam. The mini suite is a balcony room with a bigger bathroom, and only like a tiny bit bigger. You, it's almost indistinguishable from a regular balcony room, but it's more expensive. So the the mini suite is a complete misnomer and uh, it, it's pretty much a scam. So if, if uh, the suite is, is definitely a better product than the balcony room. So that's as long as you're not paying a, a massive premium for it. Uh, and it comes with other perks that the, the balcony room doesn't have. So that as long as you're not paying like a massive premium for it, then it, it can be worth doing even at the lower category suites. But you, you definitely, the mini suite is you should never do. So anyway, I'll do some segments in this some other time about ways to get the most out of cruising. So I, I know I know it very well by now, and 
And that, now that I'm going to be losing my free Norwegian cruise after two thousand, the last one I'm going to have is 2018. After that, and that wasn't free; it's like heavily discounted. But I'm going to lose that starting 2019. So I'm going to be really buying just like the rest of the public. Wait, but you aren't going to go for a seven stars again, even though it's not guaranteed. No, like, no, it's. You don't a, think they'll still honor it? They, no, they won't honor it. It's uh, it's done. That's uh, it, it's complete. It's now just like every other rewards program, which is pretty much crap. Wait, but like what I'm saying is, and Brandon, if you're on, maybe you'll have some input. But like, yes, now they came out and said, okay, it's not guaranteed, whatever. But if you call up and there's like room, right? You don't think they would still give you the free four nights? No, nope. it's only nope. based on your ADT. It, it, right, it, it's, right. So let me explain to you. Uh, I think it, it's a good question you're asking. People should know this. This is something they're trying to trick people into believing at Caesars, and it's totally not true. They'll, they'll tell you this. If you, if you call up and ask them, they'll say, oh, if you're a seven-star, of course you qualify for free rooms. It's just not 100% guarantee, but you're going to get it most of the No, wrong. The, the great thing about the seven-stars program was that when you did not qualify for a free room, as I usually did not, by the way, I might play usually did not qualify me for a free room in most markets, that they had a code, an internal code, not one a customer could use, but an internal code that the booking center could use to force your reservation through as a comp. So the code basically told the computer, I don't care if this guy is supposed to pay a rate, bring it down to zero. And it would. And that was, a, that, that was the code that is not generated for 2018. It, it no longer exists. So that code that has gotten me free rooms all these years can no longer be used. Now, if I want to get free rooms, it's based on what Brandon said, ADT, which stands for Average Daily Theoretical, which is the, the average loss per day that you would take if your luck if your luck was exactly average, where they're taking luck out of it and they're determining if your luck was exactly average, uh, based upon your play, your typical play in recent times, how much per day you would lose, and and based upon that they decide how many comps that you are entitled to, and every property does it this way. So the unique thing about the Caesars Seven Stars program was that. It overruled this ADT calculation, and it didn't matter how bad your ADT was, it would give you those free rooms because that code could always overrule it. Now that that overruling is gone, it is now pretty much a worthless program like most of these top-tier cards where it's just not worth bending over backwards to earn them anymore because the perks on them are just not that great. It has some nice things here and there, but not it's not worth the expense and the trouble to earn it anymore with that gone, especially if you're someone who... Uh, whose main purpose of having it was the free room. So, uh, and, and you say, well, what if I'm a seven star and my ADT is pretty good? I, I should get it anyway. Well, if your ADT is really good, then yes, then then it's not going to affect you. But the only thing I disagree with you on, and I, you know, we'll see. You know, we'll see if 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 I'm right or if you're right. Is you wrote a post in Vegas Vegas Casino forums or Vegas Casino Talk. Mentioning that this will hurt seven stars that want to that want to come to Vegas but don't choose to gamble, and my question is, I mean, how great a percentage can there actually be of seven stars that have vested that much that are taking trips, paying for airfare, whatever it may be, to come to Vegas, and they're not going to gamble the entire trip? 
I mean, that's just odd to me. What do people do when they come to Vegas? You well, can't. okay, it, I mean, it, it, it made it. I think by Vegas, I, I didn't just mean Vegas. Uh, it could be someone from New York going to Atlantic City. If people who come for other reasons, if it, you're right, if it's a lot of trouble to get there, to, to, to take a long flight there and not, not gamble at all, it'd be weird. Uh, but I'll tell you this: that the, I know well, a lot. Of, okay, I'm sorry. I want you to answer me, but I'm more. Let me just phrase it another way. In your estimation, just taking a guess, what would you think the percentage of all seven stars that at one point or another in 2017 came to Vegas, stayed in a hotel, and I'm not counting like the World Series, like what you do, because that's that's just a rare scenario, came to Vegas but didn't gamble the entire stay? I mean, I would think it'd be very, very low. Oh, it's, like, it, it is low, but, but, it, but it, doesn't, it doesn't need to be zero. Even if you gamble only a little bit. Uh, and you're doing other things if, it, it, that will affect you almost as much, and 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 so and the other thing is, you're now going to have to qualify based upon your ADT versus the value of the room on that date. So yes, in, in a midweek room where there's no convention going on, yeah, you'll you'll get those comps if you have a decent ADT. You want a room on New Year's? Uh, maybe not. You want a room during. Uh, uh, CES maybe not during EDC when everything's so so expensive maybe not. They're, they're, you're going to start getting rates for things where you didn't before. So and I can also tell you I know casual gamblers who are not bonus whores or comp whores, ones who really just did gamble and played negative expectation games and knew they were and were okay with that and were just gamblers and were seven stars for that reason. Who were also at the same time aware of the fact that when you get to 150,000 tier credits. It's kind of the law of diminishing returns, and you're just not earning that much more. Once you've made seven stars, uh, the allure of running up your team. Yeah, but if score. you're right, and I get that. But if you're a gambler and you're going to come out here, that's what you're going to do. You're not just going to say, "Well, I have 150,000 in tears. I'm going to go to Vegas and just not play." Like it just doesn't make you know. Especially even if it was just someone that lives in L.A. and is driving to four hours, four hours. What uh, else are you going to do? Well, out because, here? because there's people that come with dates and things like that, and they just want you know they eat at the restaurants, they see the shows. They don't never gamble. They don't say, "Oh, I'm not dropping a quarter into the machine here." But they, they their level of of play, which before would have entitled them to comps if they consistently did that, will go down a lot because they're going to feel like. Uh, Number one, they're already at seven stars with 150,000 tiers, and, and second, you know, sometimes they just don't feel like it, and they're going to start finding the higher-priced weekends that they want to come that they can no longer get for free, and they're going to be very annoyed by it. I, I can totally see this is going to happen, and, and, and people are going to be pissed. And then there's also the others that even if they would qualify, they just hate the fact that they don't have the guarantee. They just they just hey, want – they just want, I got to go. Um, okay. Glad to hear – you both on. Okay, buddy. And, good uh, to hear. Yeah. Good to hear from me. Handicap me. All right. Talk like, to you later. Bye. All right. Good night. Or good morning. I mean, I, I I agree with what you're saying, but I don't think it's to the extent that you think it's going to be. Well, I, I don't. I mean, I mean, well, because just think about it. I mean, all those other properties, you know, do it the same way. So it's it's not as if it's going to be a revolt. It will eventually just even out, you know, and and you know just. Oh, I know, I, mean, you know I know. What I'm but saying? like, there's people that aren't going. There's people. Okay, well, think about the gambler that that just patronizes MGM properties. Do you think? Oh, well, you know, I'm going to the Bellagio, or I'm going even to the Mirage, and I'm only going to gamble a little bit this trip. You know, do you think that's going to affect them? Well, it's, next inter- trip? it's interesting you bring that up because Caesars has there's been a complaint about them that in general mm-hmm. that they have been kind of stingy with their comps compared to the other ones recently. That their comps have really gone downhill and that they've been kind of stingy. So, yeah, but that's everywhere, buddy. I'll be honest with you. Every place is cut back. 
It's been like that for years. But I, I've heard that, I've heard that Caesars is, 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 is of the major casinos is the, is the worst one as far as that. And I've, I've also heard that. Uh, so, so, and the thing is here, it's also a difference as far as taking something away. Where where people at some point will say, "Wait, why am I here?" What, what what am I getting out of this now? What what what? Before you can say, oh, I, I always have guaranteed room, for, a comp room for four nights. The other ones won't do this. I I always just have that. I know no matter what I ha- once I've made seven stars now and now for the entire duration of my seven stars, I have it. And then there I, I've I've interacted with people online ones I didn't even know before who told me that just the lack of the guarantee is pissing them off, and that they. But they what just, are they going to do then? They're going to go somewhere else where they don't have a guarantee, and then and just, yes, yes, it just doesn't. They say I don't see a reason to give Caesars my action anymore. That's what they said. They they were doing it before because because of that 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 was a a, a thing that was attracting them. Now they say, well, I don't have, why why give my action there? I'll try somewhere else. So, now. so but 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 what's the point of that? So they're just going to go to another property, start all over, where it's the same thing in essence. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Well, it does make sense. It, if you, you, know, may, you may like want to try saying, something else. It's just like the people. It's just like the people that were predicting doom for Las Vegas when they initiated these parking fees. And the resort fees keep going up. Oh, you know, people aren't going to pay it. You know what? I was on the strip for the Super Bowl. The place is packed. People are at the win. And these motherfuckers are paying $25 a day, even if you're staying in the hotel. People are just paying it. I mean, they're, you know, they're not happy about it. They're disgruntled. But they're, still, they're just still doing it. And everyone predicted doom. Like, it's going to really affect, you know. I mean, they're raising prices. It's not even, it's not even that, you know, it, it's creating a, any sort of loss uh, overall. The, this is a I mean, different story. That, that was aimed at the, the parking. The, the concern about that is it was going to drive away the lower-level consumer who you know, together add up to a lot of money. The people who just who who will come there, who will kind of walk around, see, uh, uh, maybe stop at eat at a restaurant, maybe get, you know gamble at uh, low limit games and lose. And these individuals don't mean that much to them, but a lot of them together would, and this drives people away from doing that. So that, that was the concern. This is a different story. This is that people who the reason this hotel rewards program was so successful and then others imitated it is it because it gave people a status it gave people something to shoot for people like having statuses i'm a seven star here i've i've got a card that actually says i'm the highest tier here and that makes me special and it sounds kind of stupid but there's people who really love that people immediately connected with this they they loved even, of course even the ones who made diamonds the seven star lines and yes. the seven star this yeah yeah of course. even the diamond which is the second tier second highest tier there you know that that had immediate success. So the problem is here that when people are used to something, that they have a guaranteed room that they think is this you know great perk of being a seven star, no matter what happens, they get the guaranteed room. Even if it's just, if even if it's overall useless to them because they're going to get it anyway from their level of play, they just like the fact that they have it, that they feel special, that they've qualified for it, and then it's gone. But and, I get and I get that. But what I'm saying again is that the majority of people that come here, they're still gamblers in essence, and, and maybe some of them will leave and go to MGM or, you know, but we're, listen, MGM, I mean, you know this, I'm not telling you something you don't know, but MGM and Caesars literally have, you know, 70%, 75% of the properties on the strip. So basically, you're going to go to one or the other. I mean, if not, you know, you're going to go to some small offshoot property like, you know, you know, Treasure Island or, you know, the Hard Rock. You have Caesars. You got MGM, and then you have basically the win in the Palazzo. That's all you got. I mean, that's all you got. So if you're really going to switch, where are you going to switch to? Well, one, one of the like, other ones, which is just ones you mentioned. And, and, and you know, the, the thing is, a lot of people were so loyal to Caesars. Other, one more thing. Hold on. But the thing with that 
is that Caesars is unique, and I guess you know MGM to some extent too, that they have basically a property that caters to every sort of gambler's budget. Meaning, you know, okay, you're at Harrah's and you're betting, you know, you, you can only bet $25 a hand. That's your bankroll. You know, that's your budget. $25 a hand playing blackjack. Or you're a dollar, you know, a spin video poker player. Okay, you're going to get comped at Harris. You'll get comped at the Flamingo. You know, there's all these different levels. But when you move it up to a property like the Palazzo or the Venetian, you know, or, or the Wynn, you're not going to get that kind of, it's all going to be just, you have to, you know, bet Two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars a hand, right, but just for them to talk to you. We're talking about the seven you know, stars the, here. We're not talking about the the people who are playing at Harris or the Link. I'm talking no, about no, but what I'm, what I'm right. But what I'm saying is, you're saying that people are going to flee. I'm saying they have no choice. It's almost like the casinos know, or you know, or Caesars knows that they can do what they want to a certain degree, and they're still going to come. That's that's what I'm saying. Well, okay, for, I'll, I'm, I'll not, you, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not exonerating them in any any way, shape, or form. But I'm saying that. You know, if you're predicting some sort of exodus or that's actually going to make a difference, it's not. I, oh, I, think, not. I, I think it's going to make a difference. I just uh, – what we have to see here is, mm-hmm. is you know, how many people, number one, will just leave from, on principle. They don't like the guarantees gone, and a lot of them don't realize it yet. Most, most don't realize it yet, so it may take some time. That's, there's a reason they didn't publicize this. They were very, very careful in how they phrased it. Of course. It. But, of course but, they but, were. But eventually but people – people... I'm saying when I say a property like Caesars has the sort of properties that can cater to every budget gambler for somewhere like the Wynn, the Palazzo, that, that doesn't. Like you either have to be betting X amount or but, you but, can't but, stay. But the, but the people who are talking about leaving are ones that would go there anyway. They're, 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 they're the ones who, who do have that budget. That's what I'm talking about. But I've met – but no – I mean, yeah, I guess to some extent, but I've met seven stars that that patronize Harrah's and patronize Flamingo. I mean, there's a seven star line there. I've but, met but they, but they don't. Like no, they, they, they may like it over there for some reason, but they don't. They don't have to be there. And, and if if they do, if they're ones who just grind their way up there in some way, with, with playing low limits or just day after day after day, that's not who they don't care about losing that type of customer. They don't care about that type of but, customer, right? But what I'm saying to you is, if they leave, where are they going to? They will go, go to MGM. They will go to any better. They, they can go to MGM. They can go to Win. They can go to Palazzo. They, you know, the, the, that's where they can go because at least to try them. At least the, the thing and is, those programs, you know, at least the Win and the Palazzo, they're worse. No, they're, 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 they are worse. But let me, let me tell you why it, it, it's different. Again, okay. because people were loyal to Caesars and blind to every uh, the faults that they have there. Because they had a better program, because they had the Seven Stars program, people liked it, people got used to it. You take this away from them, even if they don't have a good program at the other places, now people are saying, now there's a reason to try somewhere else. Now there's a reason. It's like, the thing is, you're going to a restaurant where, where they, they're serving some unique dishes you love, and there's other good restaurants in town, but you just, because of those unique dishes, you, got, you just keep going there all the time. You keep, every week you keep going back to the same restaurant. You feel loyal to it. You don't even feel like you want to try because you're so happy there. Then they take this away, they, these unique dishes that uh, you couldn't get anywhere else anyway. But then all of a sudden you, you don't have the same motivation to go only there anymore. You, it's not the See, that's where we dis That's where we disagree because the motivation is that these people are all gamblers. And but there's a reason. Whether you like well, a, hold on. Whether you, but listen, whether you like it or not, uh, Caesars basically now their rewards program has become M-Life in essence. Yes. That's what it's become. But there's nothing that's even close to better or even a small step down. But I think, Wynn doesn't even have any sort of RCs, rewards, nothing. Yeah, Who's going to go there? But the I, Palazzo I, I, doesn't I, I, either. I think you're missing what I'm saying here. I'm not saying they're going to go and find greener pastures. I'm saying that 
people have been artificially not going and trying the other properties because they were believing that this was something special here. When this is gone, when they realize it's gone, when they realize mm-hmm. that Seven Stars has become M-Life, they'll say, oh, all right, now I might as well go try M-Life. Now, now there's no point. That I, I'm not just theorizing. I've, I don't know how many people have seen it, but I've seen people who have interacted with me on Twitter who are not comp whores, who right. are not people like me, what they do, but these are just regular gamblers who have said, I don't know why I need... Why should I even give Caesars action anymore? What's the point now? They're the same as everybody else. I'm going to go try other properties. I've, I've seen people say it. Okay, and maybe they will, but they're, they're all or a majority of them are just going to come back because there's nothing better out there. It's only going to be worse. They're going to go to win where you, you, know, you can sit there and blow a thousand in a, black, in, in, you know, in, a, in a video poker machine and you're going to get nothing in return. You're, you know, you're, maybe you'll get a buffet you know, versus Caesars where you'll get you know, room offers and free play and you – know, you know, invites, things of that nature. Wynn doesn't have anything like that. You have to be betting thousands upon thousands to get, you know, invites and, you know, you know how Caesars has gifts and gift cards and, you know, different things are always doing, just promotional stuff. Uh, those other high-end casinos, they don't they don't offer that. They don't do that. Yeah, you, you know, you, the, the two best, the two, sadly, even with this being gone, the two best programs are still by far, uh, you know, total rewards in M-Life. There's not that close second. I mean, there really isn't. Honestly, you know what God, I think they would have been smarter to do, honestly? Not that this would have helped me. This would have hurt me even more. But uh, I, I, if, if I were the one in charge, what I would have done is I would have just had the computer search for people who were seven stars but had a terrible ADT and kicked them out of the program or not renewed them when the, when the next year started. Just said, starting February 1st, we're, uh, you're, you're, you're being put downgraded to Diamond. They always claimed it was an invite-only program. They always claimed you, you everybody yeah, had to Yeah, that was a joke, I, it's a, it, I know it was a joke. It wasn't true. It was an invite program in the sense that unless you, know, you had some disciplinary problem or a financial problem, i.e. like not paying markers, balancing checks, something of that nature, you're getting invited. Yes, yes. I mean, but I'm saying that they always you know, had the disclaimer. You and I realized that at the same time years ago. Yes, but but they they always had the disclaimer, and now they could finally use it and say, look, it's it's an invite program. We're, we're disinviting you, and you'd have your loud bonus or seven stars complaining, how could they do this to me? But they, they don't care. They don't. They, this is not... Uh, uh, who they want anyway? Right. They could have kicked them out and left well, everybody there who who uh, who still makes them a good deal of money. Uh, even okay, the ones who are kind of marginal. Let, let me just ask you a real, real hard question to answer. But you're a bright guy, so you probably will be able to give me some some sort of answer. Obviously, somebody you know, or, or a series of employees, high upper, you know management realized that this could potentially be a leak or a way to you know improve revenue by getting rid of people that were abusing this system you know just for the rooms if you had to guess what amount would you put in terms of rooms and revenue that were used by people that only use that benefit as you did meaning to just acquire it not play again for a year or two years and then just use the rooms uh, I don't want to say an abusive manner because that abusive isn't the right word, but you know, use use the rooms repeatedly without offering you know any other revenue. Oh, I, I, I know, see. I couldn't put a dollar value. In fact, I was told I know, that but it, just taking a guess. Though, no, I can't even begin to take that. I can't even take that. But, but I, well, let me tell you, it'll be so wrong. It's not even point to do this. But okay. I, I, th- I think that I heard that Atlantic City gets worse. I heard that Atlantic City. I heard about the roommate. I read the roommates. I couldn't believe that. Yeah, like yeah, right. The roommates who would. Uh, you know, because you had to take this two days in between, that two people would get right. together and basically be roommates and just keep 
uh, keep going back and forth with us so they, they could basically have at least one room in Caesars at all times. And I have to imagine if it's that prevalent in Atlantic City, it's definitely not that prevalent in Vegas, but it's still probably going on. I'm sure there are people that, that are, you know, don't have permanent homes that are constantly doing that as well. See, I don't there's know. I, I think there's a different culture. For some reason, in Atlantic City, there's more of like a bonus whoring culture. I don't know why, but it, it seems like that's I'm where it's really happening. It's got to be. There's teams out here. There's slot teams. There's everything and their mother out here. I mean, but for some reason, but, but, but for some reason, this is different. This is like the, the lowest level of doing it, where you're just like subsisting with a place to stay, and, and right. Uh, th- that's a little different than the people who are actually making money from it. But I mean, teams. do you think? Okay, you know, here's a better way to a, a better way to rephrase that question. Do you think it created a serious dent, okay, in the in their revenue? Well, and yes, you know, yes, and no. And I'm going to, here's another thing they could have done to have stopped this. They could have put blackout dates. They could have because this creates a very little dent when you're staying there in a room that would not have been filled anyway. Yes, there's a the oh. small cost of the uh, of the maid service and washing the that, sheets. That's so that's, that's so, so incidental right. that, that doesn't right. even matter. So other than that, what are you really costing them? Which is getting a room. They're very little. So they, they, that they should have eaten. Now, where it was costing is where you like I hogged up a, a very good room, for example, over New Year's that could have gone for a whole lot of money. Th- that that is something it doesn't happen that often, but that that is real money that they are not collecting that they obviously could have. So. I, I think the smarter thing to have done was either just go have the computer go through and kick out the bonus whores, or or number two, or at least downgrade them to, not ban them but downgrade them to diamond or or number right. two uh, if they don't want to do that uh, put on blackout dates and say if you want to stay in a blackout date you know contact your host they'll do it based on your ADT and 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 that at least would have uh, people would have been unhappy but they would have said okay look I, I can still but make I use think of they it. want a more clear and precise. Thing to do than that—that that would kind of create utter confusion. If everybody had to, you know, question what my ADT was, and then they're arguing it should be higher or lower. No, know, no, no, not questioning your ADT. What it actually is, well, you know, that's the last thing they do. They don't want people to be educated. Tom. No, they no, don't I don't, I'm not saying to, ADT. To, they, they don't have to do, be educated. They can say that our free room program—we're we're changing it. Uh, that, that certain dates, certain dates, you're going to need to contact your hosts to get booked. Uh, this, this, the, the free room benefit now only exists for such and such dates, or even if they want to leave it open, that, that, you know, there will be certain dates, call the, you know, call your, contact your host or the, or the 800 number to see if you can book it. And then you'd call and if, if it's something which is selling very well, they won't book it for you. If it's something or if something they know is going to sell very well, they won't book it. If it's something that's just uh, an ordinary uh, time, then they will. And, and I, I think that, that could have been where, you know, the computer makes all the decisions. They don't have to educate the customer they don't have to educate the employee they they, they just, the computer says you qualify or don't qualify if you don't then you've got to go to your host who then determines you know, the other the other thing i i wonder last month last week when c money was here the avian awards were going on all week and then uh a trade show called the gun show i think it might even have another name but you know whatever that's that's what it was and i mean there were there were thousands of people here all you know for the most part just paying for their rooms I was all over. I was, you know, at the Wynn. I was at the Palazzo. I was at the Aria. I was at you know, the Bellagio. It's packed. You know, Caesars. I mean, it's packed. It's packed. The casinos are packed. And you know, I'm talking Thursday during the day. You know, you know, Thursday night, Friday morning. I mean, we're not just talking. You know, on a big busy weekend when there's events going on. So, from the casino standpoint, and again, I'm, I'm asking you this in a question form. If they are of the belief that whether it's Tourists, gamblers, a lot of conventioneers 
are willing to pay out of pocket the ridiculous rates that they're charging for these rooms, should they care? No, if they, if they are really, you know, if they really, percentage saying, of people are alienated, be you know, because of this free room benefit disappearing. If they're if they're really filling, then the blackout dates would not be the right solution. Then, the, if they're really filling most nights or coming close, then the right solution would be just to have the computer kick the bonus whores and and even and once the word got out too that hey you you earn you know you go up to seven star if you, if you're trying to just bonus whore them they're not going to grant right. it to you then then the the advantage players are going to disappear real fast at least in that sense. So so out of out of curiosity, right now, if you logged into Total Rewards and you tried to book a midweek room at say the Rio, do you have any idea of roughly what what it would would it certainly give you a rate? Yes, hundred percent. It, it certainly would. Yep. It would one hundred percent wouldn't give you a comp. Yep. Would it be a discounted rate? Or yes, just it would be. A, it, would be a, it would be a, a moderately discounted rate, but uh, like the Rio, which is cheap anyway, it's not going to be a lot of money. It will be a discount over what other people get. Uh, it's not going to be a, a, a superb discount, and, uh, and that's the way it's always been. Even when the seven star benefit was was of in existence, huh. I always had to call the eight hundred number to do it. They would I could never do it online because I yeah. could not apply that code. So, uh, but just just I know we've had a long discussion, but, you know, which is fine. I'm sure some people find this fascinating, and this is the end of the show anyway. But yeah. uh, but the the thing that people really need to take away here is that. And most people don't understand. In fact, even uh, the guy who runs Seven Star Insider, Daryl, didn't understand this, which really surprised me. That this, and it's under, I'm surprised he didn't know it. For the average person, like handicap me, it's not surprising at all. They don't know because you have to be very familiar with the system to know this. But they didn't know about this code. They didn't know that this code was what gave you the. It's not a matter of not enforcing it. Like people say, oh, they may not That's enforce odd. it. It's not, it's I mean, not, I knew about that code, and I haven't been seven star for years, yeah. but I was, so I knew about it. Yeah, well, I know you're, you're pretty you're pretty well versed on these things too. So I, I figured you would know, yeah. but I also figured Daryl would know. I was very surprised he didn't know. Uh, but yeah, it's about this code. It's not about enforcement. It's not about well, you're a seven star. We're technically not supposed to guarantee this to you, but you know, you're going to get it anyway. Right. You're seven. No, they can't do that. It's with a code that doesn't exist anymore. So that's it's, it's very black well, and white. There's always the possibility, obviously, that if this does affect our bottom line, they can revisit this at some point and make a you know make make a reversal. That's the plan. I mean, actually, you know, that's what I was told. I was told that there yeah. there this and this, I wasn't actually supposed to be told this, but I was told this because I mean we both know that if it affects our bottom line, then they're gonna you know they're gonna hey just like the email they sent me the other day. Oops, we're sorry. You know that's what it's going to say. Well, I think they'll just quietly bring it back, or they may just act like it's a new benefit or something, or or this is back you know, by popular demand. Something making his frame it like right, a positive. Right, exactly. Yeah, but, I agree. But 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 they, what they're doing, this is like a trial period for a few months, where they're going to see who is angry about this, and if the only people complaining are bonus whores, then they'll have decided they did the right thing. If they're getting people complaining to hosts or to whoever else that they're hearing back that there's complaints from valued customers, then they're going to revisit it and say, maybe we made a mistake and put it back. What is my guess? I think, I think it's going to stay. Yeah. Well, you know, as your friend, of course, you know, I'm saddened that, you know, this is a perk that you loved and, you know, you wanted to use and, and, you know, it sucks that you don't have it. But from a business standpoint, if this was obviously, you know, some loophole or, or something that, I, you know, obviously was affecting the revenue, I can completely understand why they would finally change it. You know, but obviously I don't have the numbers. I don't know how many people were literally staying 20, 30, 40 nights a year and not, you know, contributing any any disposable income whatsoever. 
I mean, I can't. I don't know. It's interesting. They may. They may have it done be. it too because this was a schizophrenic system, which I've said before, where it was dueling. On one side, they're they're telling hosts absolutely do not ever comp anything if someone's ADT is terrible if they're overcomped. Don't ever do that, or you're going to get in trouble. And then on the other side, if you're a seven stars, that's exactly what they have to do. So, and hosts didn't like this either because it would hurt their numbers because they, they, they'd have a player. I got dropped by so many hosts for that reason. Because they'd have a player who uh, was actually negative and, and was hurting their numbers. So the host, right. the host hated that. And, and yet they had to have them and they had to actually do work for these seven stars and help them book things. or whatever. Like, uh, They were required to do this for players who were actually negative ADT. And, uh, and, and furthermore, it was a system that was dueling. One side of the system is dueling with the other where – one side is saying absolutely never comp this person. The other side is saying they must have this comp. So I think it was also that they're trying to get more in line. No other casino was doing it this way, and they said let's right. just get, let's just get in line with the way everybody else is doing it. And uh, or they could even do something like what Stations does and have people re-earn their benefits every six months and still keep their free room. Yes, and they, then they, that would at least eliminate. People not playing for two years, if that's what their intent was. I don't even think it was a two-year thing. Obviously, that was something people pulled too. But I, I think they, even on the one-year basis, I think that they, I think they must have noticed that there were a lot of people who just abused the room benefits super hard. And they, uh, they also could another thing they could have done is they could have put a cap on the number of times you could use that code per account. Like that, that code can only that's be true. used uh, X number of that nights per yeah, year. Yeah, you're right. That, there are actually the better that. ways they could have done. Yeah, this. there's a lot right. of ways they could have done it, and, and and most people would have not known. And but just, but they don't always. You know, you know how Caesars is. They don't pick the smartest way of doing things operationally. They they screw right. things up. This is not even the dumbest thing they've done by far. There's so many much dumber things they've done. So uh, that's. Uh, so anyway, that's no. uh, the end of this discussion. <laughs> well, we will end it here. This for well, it's, it's long... interesting. It's still good to discuss it. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, not everyone will like it, but a lot of people will be interested and fascinated by it. Yeah, you know what? But at the end of the show, uh, whatever we just feel like talking about, we talk about it because I, I always tell anyone who anyone who doesn't like these end of the show segments uh, about things like this or about sports or anything else that's that's uh, that's not of interest to everybody. You can just turn it off. You can just. Shut it off or, or fast forward until we're done with that topic. And that's a, yeah. the archives, you can do it easily. And at, at this time, let's see, the, I bet the ratings are the, – the ratings were actually surprisingly strong like like about two hours ago. Yeah, now they've gone down. But they're still actually kind you of know, high. I do want to say one last thing, and then I'll, I'll certainly be done. The one thing that I can think of that you know could affect them is if everything really is considered equal between M-Life and Total Rewards. And you don't have – Really, any other, uh, any, you know, any other, uh, I guess, comparison other than, you know, just what property, what amenities you could be offered. Meaning, like the comps are the same, the programs are the same. You know, most people are going to choose MGM because the you know the rooms generally are nicer. They have a nicer array of properties, and in my opinion, the restaurants are better, albeit more expensive. So, you know, if I had a property that I had to patronize one or the other. And everything was the same. I'm choosing MGM, and I kind of think that if you took a straw poll, the majority of people would as well. Yeah, I, mean, I know you true. probably would. Yeah, that's true. You, know, you would. You yep. know, I mean, think about it. They have one. They have one marquee property, and that's kind of, you know, on the fence if you could even call it a marquee property anymore. I mean, you know what I mean? It's not. You know, yep. their crown jewel isn't really, you know, a crown jewel, so to speak. So yeah, I agree. So yeah, that's that's true too. So. All right, uh, we'll be back next week on. Uh, well, let me let me let me make sure of this because 
you know, I kept talking about going to play the LA Poker Classic, and then I, I've played so far no tournaments. Zero point zero. I won't even play the sound effect. But uh, for different reasons, it's amazing. Like I, I think uh, some aren't force, the bigger ones coming up now. Yes, but some force is preventing me from going. Don't waste time. your time. You, there's going to be thirty people, twenty <laughs> people. You're don't waste your time. I'm telling you, don't waste your time. <laughs> no, actually, unless well, you it, just want to go for the sport of playing. That, that's kind of what I want. I kind of wanted to do that. That's that's the okay. Because money wise, you're going to waste your no, time. No, I know. The I numbers. know. But but uh, the so I there there were like six tournaments I listed I might play, and I haven't. And then made you're going to get sick probably, and then you'll miss <laughs> radio. Just don't even do it. I, I haven't made any of them, but. Uh, I was looking if it would interfere with radio, but it actually won't, which is more of a reason to go. So it won't. Yeah, next week uh, it'll be. Well, guess what? It's going to be on Valentine's Day. Now, do you? Here's a question: Do you think I'm going to have to miss the show because of Valentine's Day? Um, do I think you'll miss it? Just no, I don't think you will. I, I think you'll. You, I think you'll work around it and still do radio. I might, but it's actually not for the reason you'd think. Uh, I, I may actually have something else to do that day, but uh, hmm. I haven't. I don't go out with my girlfriend on Valentine's Day, and she agrees with this too. Because everything's we, crowded. We, yeah, we it's it's we, a wait. Right, we don't like the, the terrible crowds no. and, and, and the bad service no. and all that. It's crappy. So what we did for a while is we would go out on February fifteenth, where everything is much nicer, and then. Even recently, that's kind of fallen off. <laughs> but uh, but if we do go anywhere, it would be the the following day. It would never be on Valentine's Day itself. So uh, that uh, there may actually be something I have to do that day, not not related to poker. But uh, provided that, and I'll let you guys know. Check the Poker Fraud Alert Twitter. Otherwise, I will be here on Valentine's Day. And the, if, and if you can't make it, uh, you mean the listener, not you, Brandon, uh, then. There's always the archives, unless I screw up again and somehow they don't end up there, which I guess is always a possibility. And, and Brandon, do you think uh, – now, are you going to be busy on Valentine's Day is a question. I'm sorry? Say it again? Are you going to be busy on Valentine's Day? No, I don't, I don't do any of that stuff anymore. I'm, I'm, the, I'm in the same boat as you. If I, if I was going to celebrate it, it would either be the day before or the day after. The week, you know, no, I'm not. I don't do crowds. I don't do that stuff. Either. Yeah, the problem would be – and I haven't had to deal with this in a long time, but if, if dating someone new – and I don't know if all girls would go for that if you explain that to them. Like some would, some would like totally get it and say, "No, that sucks." You know, let's 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 go another day. Yeah, but, I mean, if I if this was my first Valentine's Day with somebody, and you know, it was important, I would do it. You know, I'd suck it up and I'd I'd go and wait in line or you know make a reservation and deal with all the things you mentioned. But it's not my preference. Yeah, I, but I would do it. I'm not too selfish. I wouldn't do it. I, I remember you know, when I not, yeah, I remember the last time I ever did a Valentine's Day. I was I, I was at a. Uh, I did have a reservation, but you know, we, we got there. They weren't ready. They squeezed us in this t- table. They added all these extra tables with like folding chairs, these really cheap folding chairs, <laughs> stuffed in extra tables that you know, cheap little tables in between the normal tables. It, it was a zoo. I forgot even where it was, but and the service was super slow. And I just thought this is awful. Like why, why even do this? Just because that's the day. You're told you're supposed to do this. Is it any less meaningful to do it the next day? It's not like a birthday where it feels weird to celebrate the next day, which you can do sometimes anyway. But you know, this is the day that just is a date that's decided for everybody. That it's like an artificial thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a very artificial. So just, if you really want the meaning of it, you can do it the next day. It's no problem. So that's that's what I would suggest to all the listeners. It's the only the only problem could be if you know if you have a girlfriend that is just 
very into doing it that day, and it would ruin it for her to do it the next day. I guess you're kind of stuck. But uh, fortunately, uh, that's that's not my situation. So, yeah, definitely I wouldn't be doing that's that. That's not mine either. Uh, fortunately, I wouldn't be doing that on Valentine's Day. But I may have something else to do, but I'll let you guys know. Probably I will be able to make it. If not, I def- there definitely will be radio unless uh, I get sick, which maybe going to commerce will happen. But I, I, will, I will try not to. You know, you know, I've actually dodged something. California has had a horrible problem in in January and early February with a lot of colds and flus. So many different cold and flu viruses that people are getting back-to-back and even back-to-back-to-back colds of different viruses. And and I have dodged this. It has not happened to me and it actually has not even happened to Benjamin. So Benjamin really hardly gets sick. And when he does, it seems to be very mild. Benjamin, uh, you know how kids get sick all the time? He really just doesn't get sick much. Yeah. He just, it just doesn't happen much to him. And when it does, like, it seems to last a short time and then he's better again. So, so at least so far he's got, uh, he's got that going for him. So, anyway, I guess that's about it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This one will be archived, as you will see. If you're listening in the archives, I, I really feel bad about what happened last week. Fortunately for you, Brandon, you, you weren't even on that show. So you, you didn't have to waste your time. Well, at all. if it's any consolation, you said it wasn't one of the best shows. Anyhow, it wasn't. But I mean, I'm just saying it's you know try to find a silver lining. Yeah, that's that would have bothered me much more if it was like a, a really good episode and then it, it just uh, didn't make it up there. But boy, that was a bad feeling. To I went to go do the archives and I go, wait, where is it? Why am I only seeing January 18th? And I was like, oh my gosh, it's like, not January, January 24th. I didn't see January 31st. It just wasn't there. That's a crap. So. Well, thank you for having me on. Yeah, thank you for coming on, Brandon. I always enjoy having you here on the second half of the show or whenever you call in and uh, brought up some interesting topics, as usual. So, as I said, we should be back next don't week. Don't be sending me packages from Amazon every day now. I don't want that. <laughs> I might what a actually way to troll somebody, huh? Just send them twenty-five packages every day from Amazon. I may actually Jesus. take it. I, I may actually take it. I don't know. It's, it's to me, it doesn't sound that bad. All right, check the Poker Fraud Alert Twitter, Twitter.com/slash/PokerFraudAlert for any information regarding a changed date for next week. Otherwise, you can expect the program will be there on Valentine's Day. I mean, I, I, I did one uh, through all the holidays. Of November and December, so why not Valentine's Day? Listen, and when uh, can we look for uh, Druff selling a piece for the World Series? That's got to be relatively soon, right? Yeah, uh, I'm still deciding how and what to do about that, and even the exact events I'm playing, but it'll be announced sometime soon. We're still about four months away, so we've got a little time. But yeah, that, that might be done. Yeah, sometimes I say I'm not going to sell pieces anymore, I'll just do it all myself I've mentioned this before I, I, I know I shouldn't but I, I actually do feel guilt when I lose like I feel guilt like I, yeah. I wish I, I wish I like you guys may think that I'm happy I sold pieces and didn't lose as much I feel the opposite I'm like crap you know like I, I wish I didn't sell pieces so I wouldn't have to feel guilty that other people bought pieces and, and, and I let them down that's really what I think uh, so sometimes I think I'm not even but then 2000 it. whatever it was the you wish you didn't sell pieces when you you know when you finish you know, what was it, third? Yeah, fifth. Fifth, fourth? Yeah. 
fifth. Yeah. Yep. Well, thank you. Anyway, guys, thanks for listening. Thank and you, listen, Brandon. One, one last thing, guys. You talked about the resort fees and whatnot tonight. If you're listening and you're coming to Vegas, there's nothing anyone can do about those damn resort fees. But you don't need to pay for parking. Okay. Go and get an M Life Mastercard or a Total Rewards Visa. You'll never have to pay for parking on seventy-five percent of the properties on the strip ever for the life of, of the card. So don't pay parking. That's good get advice. The card. That is good advice. It is. All right. Good night, the, everybody. It, I don't understand. Get the card. Why? You know, I agree. It's, it's free. Get the card for sure. That's good advice. Good night, everybody, yeah. and shalom. Shalom.